I was listening to last year's Halloween uh, episode, and oh. we got to weep. Me, uh, you and I. I very much like to think when I'm listening to we got to episodes. Weeping. I got to weeping, weeping and thinking about it. And you know, when I listen to old episodes, I like to think it's an endeavor that all three of us are undertaking, and two <laughs> of those are me. So, anywho. <laughs> Okay, plot rundown of Friday the 13th Part 2. Discussion of Friday the 13th Part 2. And I want to talk about Joey, who is the wheelchair user of the film. Mm. But I don't want to talk about him in terms of his wheelchair. So I'm talking about how he's the sports guy and he's the really inspirational one and he wants to get back into sport. But clearly I'm thinking to myself, don't say wheelchair, don't say wheelchair, don't say wheelchair. And if you remember, Joey gets killed by getting a machete lobbed into his face. Yes. Um, And then he gets pushed down a hill. But what I actually say... (laughs) is he dies because a wheelchair is slammed into his head. <laughs> it's really turned his whole life upside down face. Oh. <laughs> I, see, I see what you've done there. Yeah. <laughs> that does explain all the hate mail. Anyway, let's talk about the next one. Wheelie, 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 wheelchair. Hey, Billy. It sure was nice nice of you to invite me up here to make out creek. Ah! My toe! Come on, come on, Jesse. You can do it. Yeah, you can You can be the boy you were meant to be. Ow! Ow! Oof! Oh, this cupboard's getting a bit of an edge. Oh, yeah. Famous last words, mate. Ow! My face! What a lovely tree. A bear? No! Ah! Ah! Is what I said to him. But then he said, "Oh!" It takes forty stabs to. Hello and welcome to the one spooky thing, the immensely long yearly podcast where I subject Paul Goodman to the films I like, except for this year, which is for no one. I'm Paul Zombies. I'm. See, I can't get, I can't get the short burst coming out of my head. <laughs> the context for that joke is buried right in the middle of this thing, so stick around, guys. That's <laughs> what I like to do. <laughs> it's a little teaser. I teased you. Well, speaking of little teasers, this year we are covering the three main franchises: Odds, Sods, and Bobs. Oh yeah. So many Bobs. And the Bobs. Bob Shay. Bob at England. Mustafa Ak Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Must Bob a Bob Bob. Bobbity Bob. Um, Bob. Uh, we are reviewing the crossovers, remakes, and belated sequels that slasher movie fans sometimes think are all right. Sometimes. Sometimes. Not this time. Um, that time? Yeah, that time a little more. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, stay tuned. We have once again recorded one a month since March, so we are going to climb into this science tube and travel back to March 2020, genuinely just before coronavirus became a big thing. Yeah, wow. Even more wow is this science tube, Paul. When did you make this? I made this. When I was a little kid, and I was hoping to escape out of maths class, but only really managed in travelling back in time to a previous maths class. Yeah, right. And I thought, Monthly. Ah, this will be handy for enjoying problematic films oh, in the cool. future. Why is it covered like covered in Vaseline? <laughs> it's the only way to get yourself down a year as complex as this one. I've clearly never time travelled before. Well. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very interesting journey, so I guess... Here we go! Oh god, I've never, I've never done this before. I hope it's not painful. <laughs> oh god! Fuck! <laughs> Jesus! My butt! <laughs> they didn't say it would be so focused on the butt. Oh my god! I thought it would have been tits, which is fine because I have none. But <laughs> it'd be the closest pair of tits to my situation. <laughs> oh Jesus! The, the man butt. Oh my god! It's March 2020, and I feel underwhelmed. That could only mean that we just watched Freddy vs. Jason. 
I wouldn't believe it, not even if you told me. <laughs> the long fucking promise. 1987 this thing started production. Really? You can tell. <laughs> you really can. Dated, dated like a fine ice cube. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a fine cake. <laughs> Oh Christ! Jason takes Manhattan. The final Friday. Freddy's Dead and Jason X were all made just to keep these franchises alive long enough to do this fucking God. thing. Spinning some real yeah. shitty plates there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oops. This plate actually has shit on it. No, the trick is to stand under it while you spin it. <laughs> I'm Remy Harlan. I shouldn't have to deal with this. <laughs> I'm long gone. Well, speaking of directors, Hong Kong action movie director Ronnie Yu was in the director's long chair. Long gone, Hong Kong. <laughs> Hong Kong action Hong movie Ronnie Yu is in the director's chair and yeah just three years after this he made Fearless oh. Jet Li well there you yeah, go that's good, good. Film. Paul here we go again tell me about Freddy versus Jason the ultimate conflict <clears throat> we're back everyone against popular <laughs> demand it's th- three seconds in and Nell lets out an almighty sigh in for a penny <laughs> We joined Freddy Krueger back when he was a simple child murderer. He makes a lovely little scrapbook, but unfortunately the art of bookmaking is banned in his awful reactionary town and he's burned alive. (laughs) He shows us the coolest deaths of the past 50 films we've already reviewed. And then we cut to a naked teen wriggling and writhing in the nude. So we're being introduced to these characters of pure evil as if they were the A-team being reunited for one last job. Deborah Voorhees shows up to tell Jason he's been dreaming, or dead, I'm not sure, of not killing Freddy Krueger. So it's time to wake up and get to bloody work. Then she turns into Freddy Krueger and then Naughty Soundtrack welcomes us to Elm Street and our new round of characters. We start off with Ginger Scaps, Beyonce, <laughs> Mum, who are all having a bit of a bit of a talk in a house. Ginger Scaps tosses her cigarette out the window at Jason's face and he responds by introducing Posh Hartnett and Crab or Goyle in a fake out sting at the front door. Mum? is told by Beyonce that she needs to get over the love of her life from age 14. (laughs) Fuck you. That's great. (laughs) Go fuck yourself. That's really good. (laughs) Piece of shit. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. it's Mum is told by Beyonce that she needs to get over the love of her life from age 14. She should fuck Crab or Goyle. He has a hip flask. He's awful. Beyonce loves this. She suggests they go straight to her room. I don't care if your mum died recently and that this guy is actually the worst teen in the world. You need to try really hard not to be a virgin by the end of tonight. <laughs> uh, Posh Hartnett is also a douchebag, but he has a sweet butt, so he's got a lot going for him. Whoa, babe. Tell you about kissing me after you smoked, huh? Babe, make me ask you twice, okay? Babe, you know I don't like to be touched after, okay? Such as the chance to be alone in bed and hope that his neck doesn't turn green. Uh, twist, this is the noughties and they can just CGI this now. Jason turns up and proves it by stabbing him repeatedly through the bed and closing it on him so his boy body snaps backwards. Lachlan Monroe turns up, hooray! Uh-huh. All the cops hate him for his work in Dead Man on Campus and Scary Movie 2, so he's not allowed to solve, touch or so much as think of crimes without the police <laughs> chief say so. There's talk of Freddy Krueger, which is quickly quashed, and Lachlan Monroe's mini-interrogation of Mum is quickly <laughs> squashed, and she's brainwashed. By which I mean she's in a dream. She sees some freaky shit and then finally Freddy, which in this case is terrible enough to wake her from the nightmare. I must work on being less frightening, but not too much. Just the right amount. Crab or Goyle is sitting on the veranda mourning his dead posh Hartnett friend when his dad comes out and has a go at him for drinking around Laurie's house when his friend was murdered. 
Watch it, boy, he says. Now watch this, an interaction with Freddy. Although Freddy isn't full of fuckjuice yet, so he decides to let Jason have some fun. Which he does, cutting the dad's head off and then placing it back on for just long enough that it falls off when Crab or Goyle wakes up. Yeah. What a prankster. Oh. Then he slices up Crab or Goyle. More characters. This is fresh. There are two sectioned boys. One is getting his meds and finds that there's been a moida on Elm Street. And a house he knows. He asks the guard doling out meds to turn the TV up for this reason, and he responds by turning it off. How what? about that, nutso? <laughs> uh, Nutso's friend becomes Butso, distracting the guard for long enough to, deal his, to steal his keys, and both of them break out. I wrote the actual character's name here, excuse me. <clears throat> Mum oh, no. doesn't last all that long before the fact of the murders and the Freddy Krueger dream take their toll. That's when Butso turns up, and it turns out that they've been having the same dreams. <gasps> Nutso and Butso have a conversation over the course of two different scenes. They realise that the mental institution is a quarantine, as removing those affected by the Krugster keeps the general fear levels low among the general population. General, general, general. And by breaking out and spreading fear about Freddy, they're putting the town at risk. There's a drug party in a cornfield. All oh, the characters are here. Yeah. Uh, some jocks pick on a nice, if somewhat clingy kid. I'm going to call him Young Barry Kogan. Uh-huh. Uh, say continues insulting him, and then Kogan eventually fights back, clunkily but effectively. Mum and Blank start to talk about the deaths of their family and friends, and that maybe what Mum and Butso have gone through is the same thing. Oh, wait, here's Beyonce and Barry Kogan, and it's time to dance away your troubles. Dance! <laughs> Um, the cornfield party com- continues Ginger Scaps passes out and is dreaming and luckily for her it's the same dream that Freddy Krueger was walking through at that very moment she decides to check out those red lit creaking corridors of steam pipes not one to look a gift horse in the mouth Freddy does one off the cuff uh, luckily a raver in the real world sees her sleeping and thinks and sees this as a massive yes uh, the resulting horniness alerts Jason immediately to their location in the dream world the Fredster closes in on Scaps and goes to slash her good but Jason gets to them first she was mine, says Freddy. <laughs> but Jason can't hear him. He's too busy raising the body count in the real world where it fucking matters. <laughs> Nutso tells mum that he, has, he was sent to the asylum because her dad killed her mum. She asks him if, it, if this is true. And he says, look, I did some consulting in the mental institution. Did I know about Nutso? It doesn't matter. Do you want some pills? Lovely nutritious sleeping pills? No? Well, I'm going to have to chase you to your room. I hope you know that. And they escape to Butso's. But Freddy's there first, asking of Butso a simple question. Uh, which just involves him but so dying but on fire from oh, the inside shit. and then eventually the outside such is the the true effect of mental health in this generation mm. Lachlan Monroe has compiled a case having seen Friday the 13th it, it all being very obvious that this is a Jason Voorhees copycat killer but the police chief is in the pocket of Big Freddy and sends him packing <laughs> Lachlan Monroe decides to go straight to the source to get his message across dumb gullible teens now added with Jay without Silent Bob uh, as a new member of the gang because they've killed too many of them already. They talk about the different scripts they've been given and how they can shuffle the pages to make it look like one whole story. Luckily, <laughs> Mum's cameraman wants to make it known that she has fresh heaving tits before she pulls a Freddy ear out of a nightmare, giving the Jasoners the chance they need to accept the paradigm shift happening right now. They need to grab all the hypnoseal that was being fed to Nutso and Butso so they go to the asylum, the creepiest place on earth. Two more sexual abuse jokes and we're off! <laughs> In this very tense situation, uh, Loud Jay breaks off from the group for a little Gange break. Wait. No, dude, we've got to go. We're right in the middle of escaping the death that awaits us in our dreams. Okay, cool, says Jay. I'm going to take a sedative. There are some weed and bong jokes courtesy of Freddy. It's very cool and rad like the, the video game yeah. movie. <laughs> Everyone runs towards the source of the commotion and then runs away again. Jay gets rid of the hypnosil and then he... Freddy inhabits the body of Jay, stuffs the hypnosil, I think, in the in the syringes, and then jabs Jason with it, bringing him into the dream as Jason um, decapitates Jay without Silent Bob. Mm. Dreamtime bitch, Jason is now in Freddy's world. They fight, and Freddy stabs him a lot, shawings him into the wall until he becomes a CGI pinball, then crushes him with a thing. But he doesn't die. Freddy must have seen at least one and a half of these movies in all that time he spent burning evidence. It's, <laughs> it's green now instead of red, which probably counts for something. Freddy discovers that Jason's afraid of water? 
The room goes green and Jason is a little boy now, still with a terrible looking head. Freddy plays on this less weird head advantage by stabbing baby Jason Spice into a deeper dream. Oh my god, they did it first, Nolan's a hack. <laughs> uh, we find out what's in Jason's head. Uh, some Basically some tits and a jarring horror sting. Back to the fodder, Mum enters the dream world of Killian Murphy, but bad luck finds Jason's origin story in there. She tries to save the drowning Jason, but Freddy grabs him, going to, going to kill him in the real world. Should have proofread this. Barry Cogan <laughs> suggests that Beyonce gives Jason mouth to mouth. She peels off the mask, which farts the whole way until it does. But Jason isn't some incontinent old man with the fortitude to sleep through his own trumps. He wakes up and the van goes tits up on a country fuck, by which I mean it falls <laughs> over in the road. It's revealed that Freddy killed Mum's mom. She gets fretted in the dream and Posh Hartnett gets sliced by Jason in his dream of being awake in real life and killing kids. Freddy Krueger makes another joke about raping a virgin and all the kids get badly, badly hurt. But together this time, shitty butt rock plays as Jason swipes at Freddy and gets his knife stuck in the floor. Then Freddy kicks Jason in the cock and injures his foot and goes, oh, and then a James Hetfield shred fucks us through the scene like Jason rams Freddy through every window in the building. Barry Cogan dies weirdly and creepily. Freddy Krueger makes a having sex with a black chick joke but then Beyonce calls him a faggot with a small penis so that's okay but Jason hates positive discrimination as much as anything else especially a gang of hoodlums from New York so he murders Beyonce so hard she flies 100 feet into a tree and becomes a CGI Freddy mannequin crossover more unrelenting bullshit drop D nonsense plays out as Freddy and Jason do battle again Freddy has powers in the real world Anyway, he impales Jason many times and crushes his huge penis body but his stuntman Dick Van Dykes his way straight to old stab boy what a nightmare Freddy coincidentally reminds me of Rorschach as he flips and swips around Jason, but he's eventually cut the F up and then Freddy F's Jay's hand the C up and then cuts his body a lot with a big knife. It's ridiculous, but now there's some ominous orchestral music playing, so you know we're on to the good stuff. <laughs> Freddy fist bumps Jason in the eye with his claw hand, but a sneaky distraction of a huge fire from Mum gives Jason the chance to cut Freddy more, and Freddy responds by cutting Jason more, and Jason cuts Freddy for his trouble, and, and a huge propane tank explodes them both into the lake. The kids are fine, but then they're not because obviously big legs and a knife walk up to them. But it's Freddy twist. And as he goes to strike oh, no. down Posh and Mum, Freddy's claw enters Freddy from behind twist. And then Mum finally dispatches Freddy with Jason's knife. But a Freddy line to twist. The end. Oh, Jason comes back twist and it's revealed holding Freddy's head twist. But Freddy's severed head winks twist, twist, twist. <laughs> Fantastic. Good stuff. So what did you make of Freddy versus Jason? Oh, look, it was it was funny for some of it. And it, it was yeah. it was silly. It wasn't good it wasn't bad enough to feel like a grind no i i I wouldn't have said so it was interesting enough to keep your attention it did have some of the same problems as jason x yeah a little too self-aware a little bit too smarmy like the the bit that made me think that was when they run out to the car and um you know they're running away from jason the jason murder and i get to the the cop car and he's like are you in need of assistance and like what the fuck do you think you kids need some assistance and it just reminded me of like, you yeah. know, this sucks on so many levels thing. And yeah. it, it also has that weird quality. I don't know. I don't know what this is. Everybody keeps saying everything out loud. Yeah. Like when the Shadow Freddy goes to kill. Um, I can't remember what you called him um, at the beginning. Um, he, the, the Shadow Club goes to cut him up. Oh, yeah. Uh, but nothing happens. And we hear him say, I'm okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm all right. Yeah, Why? we can see that. Is, yeah, the the characters really need an inner monologue. Well, speaking of that inner monologue, I do feel that uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two did a better job of psychoanalyzing Jason than this. Do you remember Ginny yeah. and the Bard talking about? Yeah, yeah, that was probably more insightful than anything that happens as a result of Freddy going inside of Jason's dreams and finding oh, out he's sure. scared of water. Apparently, he lives in water. He's brought to <laughs> life in water. 
again spent and so again much of these movies in water. <laughs> Maybe yeah, it it doesn't it doesn't really ring true that um yeah. that they're just trying to find something that that Freddy would have over Jason when he definitely yeah. wouldn't as long as it was in the real world. Yeah, um, it doesn't really come up again. It's very odd. The characters are two dimensional and fuck. I mean the. The, the stoner character who's who is very much Stephen from The Haunting of Sharon Tate. It's like, subliminal messaging, man. They, they do it again inside your mind. And I know it's just a yeah. pastiche of stoners and, and conspiracy theorizing, but it's pretty old. It was old yeah. in 2003. Yeah. and It was very strange. I, yeah. I, I will say uh, I did enjoy the final fight. I do feel like that was because... Um, Ronnie Yu's uh, philosophy is always everything should be building towards the final fight. And if by yeah. that you mean only the final fight is worth watching, then congratulations. Because it was a bit of a trek to it. But once we're actually there, I did quite enjoy it. That is the final fight in Camp Crystal Lake, not the one inside of the dream, which yeah, just the dream action was pretty lackluster in this. There was none of the fun visuals of the best yeah. nightmare movies. Or it's way more interesting. Physics. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's way more interesting to have the two characters actually just taking chunks out of each other rather than yeah, pinging around and oh, all, all of that. Freddy Krueger was kind of... I guess you have to make him power, like super powered in real life as well as dreams, otherwise. Yeah. Although, what what does he do in real life? Because I remember him... well, they fight and he gets some. He gets he dodges Jason and gets some shots in. Yeah. Well, he's kind of an undead zombie man, certainly. Yeah. But I remember most of his stuff involves like using the physics of what's around. To like yeah. try and hurt him, like knocking over those steel bars and you yes. know, um, and launching the um the canisters at him, that kind yeah. of thing. There, there, yeah, there's he... one very athletic like kick that he does, <laughs> which is very yes, weird. yes. I I saw that again because again he is a martial arts director, is Ronnie Yu. Yeah. But yeah, that was a very odd little moment. That the one the I'm... one good kick in the film. Yeah, <laughs> as a as a film fan, I'm not complaining because it. It elevated it for me. I wish there was more of it, but as a if I was a, if I was an Elm Street um, purist, then I'd have probably had an issue, take an issue with that. He'd learnt it whilst he was child murdering. Oh, there's a lot of time. He probably spent as long child murdering as Min Sik Choi did imprisoned in that South Korean um, room. So yeah, little, he yeah, he learned martial arts. Not an old boy. Just that time he actually did that he, for research for old boy. Yeah. It took so long to get that movie off the ground because Min Sik Choi imprisoned himself for twelve years. 12 years as well. He didn't even go the whole 15 in the <laughs> film. He said, no, you know what? I think I can imagine. You know, at this stage, I think I can guess how the last three would go. <laughs> I think I'm thinking you're 12 years a slave. <laughs> 12 years of music joy. <laughs> Any of my other notes? C- the shitty CGI and exaggerated effects annoyed me. Um, some of it was practical and good, but yeah, there was some bad CGI. CGI neck snap. Oh um, no, that was Kelly Rowland getting hit by Jason's machete and flying mm. so far that she comes back around the other side of the world. <laughs> it was just, it just I know that you know Jason's super powered but and really yeah. strong, but when you hit somebody with a knife, they you cut through them, you don't yeah. send them 100 meters yeah. off and it just it was it was too silly. Speaking of Kelly Rowland as well, we are getting into the uh the naughties habit, the post I know what you did last summer habit yeah, yeah, yeah. of making the main characters quite well a lot of the characters quite unlikable. Yes. And also R&B stars. <laughs> also that. What kind of faggot runs around in a Christmas sweater? Yeah, the fucking um the guy who dies in the bed was an obvious example. We get plenty of him coming up. Yeah. Oh Jesus, I just remember what's coming up next. Oh great. Ooh. And again, yeah, well, 
well, we will cover this in the beginning, I'm sure, but I'll establish <laughs> that I haven't actually seen any of these either. So oh, sure. Yeah. For me. <laughs> Great. Uh, <laughs> I've seen um, them all. And, and yeah, was, was Freddy Krueger even more unpleasant in this movie than he has been in the past? Um, more overt with the, um, with the rape jokes. and Yeah, it depends how creative the writer is. You know, because they're always going for kind of sinister in a playful way. But yeah. if they can't do that, if they're not yeah. good at that, if they're not good at nuance, yeah. it's just going to be kind of rapey. How sweet. Dark meat. Ugh. I was like, mm, could you have done better than that? Could you have <laughs> actually, you could have probably done something funny. You killed a lot of black folk back in the 80s. And I don't remember that shit getting said back then. So yeah. why is it better now? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, well. yeah, I think I think that's probably... A problem of just lazy script writing. I think so. But wait. Huh? With this crossover movie, do I watch Crystal Lake Memories to get the gross behind the scenes stuff or never sleep again? Both, bitch! Well, good. I was going to say maybe there's a joint one that they made. <laughs> that you Crystal Lake versus with. Never Sleep Again. Ever since the idea for a pairing of Friday the 13th's Jason with A Nightmare on Elm Street's Freddy was first suggested in the late 1980s, fans had been anticipating the ultimate showdown between the two horror icons. Fueled by fans' desire to see two titans of terror battle to the death, Freddy vs. Jason was a film inspired by the classic horror matchups of the 30s and 40s. Um, I'm going to go through this so quickly. They had versions of the script where Freddy and Jason were assassins sent from hell in a contest to see who could kill the most people. That's dumb. They had one where Freddy actually, oh, actually molested... Is that a okay? contest. That's that's pretty good. That's the like Japanese soldiers in, in Nanjing. Yeah. yeah, that's why I like it. <laughs> <laughs> it could be like this really campy kind of 25, 26. Just maybe Freddy stops being so creative with his kills because he's behind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's fun stuff you could do there, but they also had one where Freddy actually molested Jason back at camp, and then he was the one who drowned him in order to keep him quiet. Which, yeah. That's with the right director. Yeah, it gives them more investment, but it does also fuck around with the origin, which is never a, a fun yeah, thing. Because then, it's, then it's not the camp counselor's fault that he's been killing all these decades that Pamela no. Voorhees was killing. Um, yeah. And there was, also, oh, shit. there was also one about a cult of Freddy fanatics called Fredheads. <laughs> and okay. then eventually we get here. Was that, uh, was that a full Wes Craven idea? <laughs> well, Craven's gone, actually. Craven has left, but Cunningham stuck around and still had a say. Which is weird, because this definitely feels more like a Freddy project than a Jason project. Yeah. Um, in spite of the fact that most of the talent behind screen were Jason people. I'll tell you this, though. Director Ronnie Yu was a no-one person, because he had never seen a Friday movie or an Elm Street movie before he worked on this. Ah. Yeah. Okay. And he said he wanted it to be fairly light and that the violence should be so much that it makes the audience laugh and not be affected by it, his words. Okay. <laughs> Which, yeah, I, I mean, guess. Yeah, I see that. If you yeah, go for that. comedy rather than a comedy action as opposed to, you know, horror with a dark comedy element, then I guess it makes sense. So much violence that the audience forgets what it's like to not have violence. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much the Donald Trump effect. Um, <laughs> i tell you what, though. We don't have Kane Holder. Jason. Uh, mm. for, for a number of reasons, it seems, but basically they wanted someone bigger. Um, I personally <laughs> didn't really notice. These documentaries, they no. keep talking about the performance of Jason, and it's like, oh, he gave a really interesting Jason, and, you know, this one was a really different kind of Jason. Mm. Is it? <laughs> Could you I imagine some of these uh... Jasons apart? If I showed you a clip of one of them walking, will you be like, that's part three? Do you know what Um, you've just done there, Paul? You've just done the equivalent of... Uh... Damn kids with your modern music, it all sounds the same. <laughs> all these Jason I mean, Voorhees no, sound the same to me. Just, just yeah, just in the, maybe to a, a pure yeah. Jace face. 
um, <laughs> that you're gonna they, they will face like notice the subtle palette of, uh, of Jason <laughs> one to Jason seven. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. But personally, I always just found it to be big hulking men <laughs> and and crazy hilarious bovine eyes. Yeah, they did approach Betsy Palmer. Uh, the third time, apparently, that she's been approached to be in one of these movies. I wonder if she concludes the first time. Like I said, no then. But, um, no, which, she... one's, which one's Betsy Palmer? Betsy Palmer's the Jason's mum from the first movie. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, whose cool. address was famously published by fucking Gene Siskel. She turned them down because she didn't want to pay... They didn't want to pay her, and also the lines were bad. Which are two great reasons to not do something. Her. No, it was going to be like a cameo. Hey, mate, do you want to do an, um, come and uh, <laughs> just put the windows into this house that I'm building? Because I really like the way you're doing it. <laughs> I mean, are you gonna are you gonna pay me? No, I'm not gonna pay you. It'd be great for your profile. You're not doing the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'll tell everyone you did the windows. <laughs> These windows are also made of shit. <laughs> but you have to provide. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Monica Kino, who plays Mum, talks about this as if it had really happened, which is a bit weird. But she's she's very sympathetic to Jason, which is fun. I really felt like he and I had some sort of bond or connection. Out of respect, I throw the machete back in the water. And she says that if she'd been at the lake, she would have killed all the kids who made fun of Jason. Oh. Oh. Okay, that's cool. Thank you. Oh, God. <laughs> Everyone is keen to... <laughs> Everyone is keen to disown the idea that Jason is afraid of water. Eh, there's a lot of different people saying that wasn't in my script. I didn't come up with that. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Oh, fuck out of the Maybe Freddie improvised it. Yeah. No, Robert, no. Oh, shit. Now it's in the movie forever. Why don't we film this live? It's Robert England's so... contract that uh, you're not allowed to cut anything that he says. Mmm, <laughs> dark Gosh. meat. Oh, you just hear Ronnie Yu go, fuck. <laughs> I'm going back to China. So <laughs> the production had a pre-fight press conference event in Vegas. It was just a weighing in and just sort of smack talk. What, between the Freddy and Jason lot? Yeah, between actual Robert England and the guy who played Jason. So did Jason just stand there and say nothing? Yeah. <laughs> just killed young people. What's Freddy called him a mama's boy? <laughs> Jason, there's been a, a great deal of controversy about your training methods. How do you respond to that? No comment. What's the matter? Can't you speak for yourself, hockey puck? <laughs> there was briefly after this considered Freddy versus Jason versus Ash from The Evil Dead. Mm. Um, it ended up being made as a comic book and Monica Kino was shown this comic book at a comic book conv- convention best place to get shown that yeah. kind of thing I find Yeah, <laughs> and finds out, found out there that her character gets murdered at the beginning very much you know in the style of the movies mm. the, the hero of the previous one dies at the beginning of the new one Yeah, and gets murdered by Jason and it's kind of awesome how upset she is about that Aww. but you know who kills me? Jason two pages in I have a machete hacking through my head and he wouldn't even have that machete to kill me unless i returned it to him i did the right thing and then he cuts my face in half freddie hadn't even showed up on the scene yet me in real life yeah <laughs> also v ash that's an interesting but it's, it's kind of like yeah. saying thanos v doom doomsday v james acaster he's very <laughs> completely different completely different well, people he's a hero he's a horror hero guy they did there was talk of michael myers but someone rightly pointed out well then you've got two silent killers yeah. and so it's just a bit you know they're not that different yeah. myers and Voorhees. yeah you know ash you could say a deadite from v- but ash at least would be the obvious then hero, he's a hero to fight yeah. freddy versus a jason what a, yeah what about chucky 
or the hell yeah, the hellraiser dude um pinhead well we'll come to that because now we've got to head on over to never sleep again and we're gonna go even fucking quicker wow camp crystal lake memories nicked a lot of their interview footage from never sleep again <laughs> that's good to note i like robert england's account of the adolescent thinking behind the team up freddy versus jason has been incubating since the first 14 year old boy came up to me after the first nightmare on elm street and said dude like uh you think you could kick jason's ass <laughs> Um, and they also put it in a more cinematic context with the old Universal monsters, you know, yeah. Wolfman versus Frankenstein kind of thing, which, yeah, yeah that's cute. All right, cool. Bob Shay, I, I learned that Bob Shay, he's a much sadder mastermind than Cunningham Aww. or um, Frank McKee. real mind the king. <laughs> he's just kind of like a sad uncle. It's just we wanted to make Freddy versus Jason, but we didn't have the right to Jason. <laughs> he is apparently in this. He plays the principal again, like he did in um, the sixth... Uh, thing oh uh, yeah okay no not the sixth the, the the one where the girl gets her face sucked in four yeah four. surprisingly we get to hear more about the fred heads oh, good. apparently they were all going to wear the jumpers <laughs> the stripey jumpers of freddy warriors <laughs> one two freddy's coming for you they all chant with their beer mugs <laughs> trombones and marching bands <laughs> a big wicker um ever a big wicker johnny depp that they pull for a bit <laughs> Ray, <laughs> bitch i have another uh, another um freddy burger please bitch okay bitch <laughs> fucking hell there was a draft which had jason on trial and the main character was his defense lawyer okay <laughs> directed by oliver stone <laughs> back into the ah it, it pans out. It's Kevin Costner. And he goes, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. And then Jason gets up and starts hacking people immediately. <laughs> oh, no. And then he dies. Oh, no. It's <laughs> <laughs> the shortest fucking trial ever. <laughs> and it's after like a 20 minute sequence of preparing all of his evidence. <laughs> and the arguments are such. The day oh, one of the trial. Yeah. The solemn military bugle plays over and over again. Oh, Why does our country rot? You gotta do <laughs> it, honey. Ask not what you could do for your country. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Should I begin again? <laughs> I would like to request a different jury. One <laughs> <laughs> that's more alive. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> ever, ever lagging camp. Who is narrating all of this? Uh, calls Freddy the maniacal brain stalker. Oh. Great. Uh, I imagine is we've been doing this for so long that I imagine Heather Langenkamp having the voice of Patty and Selma <laughs> at this stage. Just, ah, here we go, it's the next fucking bit. <laughs> sick of it at this stage. Uh, Brendan Fletcher points out that Freddy only kills one character in this movie, and it's him. You know, the kid he... Oh. Um, can't remember what you called him, Butso. Butso, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's the only character Jason, uh, Freddy kills. So, yeah. No way. There's a cute bit where they're all talking about how obviously ripped off from Jay and Silent Bob. Um, one of the characters is. Mm. And they cut to interviewing Jason Mewes, who's talking about how great it was to be in the movie, and then he realises he wasn't in the movie and runs off. <laughs> it's cute. I wasn't expecting that gag. Aw. That's <laughs> fun. Um, yeah. Uh, Jason's a little creepy. No, sorry. <laughs> Jason's never creepy. Um, Freddy's creepy. Robert England, he's a bit of a creep. And it was a grueler, because instead of chasing Heather around in her underwear, or lovely Lisa Wilcox in her teddy, uh, instead, I'm like, uh, wrestling with a six foot seven Canadian who's been in over a hundred movies and is buff and hard and can drink me under the table, and, uh, it was a rough shoot. I think he's just being cute. I think these movies might just be yeah. cute. Push your chest out with her! 
definitely cute. <laughs> Jet is just cute. Uh, the writers really don't like Kelly Rowland using the word faggot. Uh, yeah. In fact, a lot of people distance uh, themselves from that. <laughs> did Kelly Rowland ad lib it? Maybe. Uh, certainly the documentary does not reveal who the particular author of that line was. Ah. I was interested because, yeah, that was bad. That was gross. So why didn't they just cut it? <laughs> or just reshoot Rowland, it? Roland, you loved I guess... it. <laughs> but yes, this this is American culture. And look at how, <laughs> by having a black woman doing the oppressing, and then an yeah. inbred <laughs> redneck swamp thing, during the killing of the oppressed, who is also the oppressor, yeah. I think you'll find. And then his mustache falls off and it's Oliver Stone. <laughs> Get out of here! <laughs> Oliver Stone trying to disprove di- uh, intersectionality. <laughs> With the same logic as Kevin Costner's court case. <laughs> Back and to the left. <laughs> <laughs> the magic oppression theory. <laughs> Back to the left is really clever if you think about it, but try not to. Um, <laughs> Please. They discuss an ending where Freddy and Jason were going to be fighting and suddenly these weird chains appear out of nowhere and start tearing them apart and down to the floor. And then Pinhead from Hellraiser would show up and say, gentlemen, mm. what appears to be the problem? Nice. Which I love. Couple of problems. Um, Ronnie, you felt that it should be focused more on the two characters of the title and not have this sort of, <laughs> you know, thing at the end. Yeah. Oh, and also they didn't have the right to that character. <laughs> Ah, uh, okay. That Minor. Oh, yeah. Snag. <laughs> Fuck. Let's call him Ponhead. <laughs> he's from. Uh, he's a. He's a. He's a heck racer. Pen, penhead. He's a heck. He's... Heck elevator. <laughs> penhead is clearly Byros if you look. Yeah, this movie was the highest grossing movie in grossing highest grossing the highest grossing movie. Highest grossing movie in either franchise, but Wes Craven <laughs> didn't like it, so. <laughs> I will say, having now seen parts of this documentary back to back, I can say that Never Sleep Again is the better documentary. So okay. that's that particular head-to-head set. Good stuff. Great. Um, we'll never have to hear from them again. Never have to hear from them again. I don't think they have a bit about the remake. Here's hoping not. Let's talk about the best kill first, I guess. What was the best kill? Oh, probably, probably Posh Hartnett okay. getting snapped backwards by the the bed. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty... pretty it was a pretty gruesome. Um, no, it was Jason, wasn't it? Sorry, it was a pretty gruesome stabbing through the bed. Um, pretty gory, yeah. and um, then yeah, snapping his back back. It was. Yeah. And it was a nice introduction. It was very much a. It's going to be this level from here on in. <laughs> I'm going to say that I'm glad that Freddy is slashing again instead of stabbing. That's very much yes. appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked it when the stoner gets cut in half by the machete, though. Um, mm. He's just in a stood position, and Jason just cuts him in half, and he f- both st- halves just flop to the ground. Yeah. Really good effect. Oh, cool. Yeah, really good. Uh, favorite character? I- I'm tempted to go with Not Silent Bob, because even though it, f- it was such a terrible <laughs> decision to include this character, <laughs> it's just the most ludicrous pastiche of every stoner character who's ever existed. It was quite yeah. entertaining to watch this being attempted. <laughs> I did quite like Butzo. I felt like I really liked how at easy he was with the other patients Butso. in the yeah. asylum. You know, and he's just like, go get yeah. the, I can't remember what, the Uno and I'll play. You yeah. know. <laughs> Butzo was the best actor, I think, in the whole okay. thing. Okay, cool. Yeah, Butzo was yeah. really fun. I'm going to go Catherine Isabel, um, who's a bit of a horror legend. I can't remember what you called okay. her. She was one of the friends. Um, I think she dies in the cornfield. Ginger um, Scaps. Ginger, that's it, yeah, because she is in Ginger Snaps. And, she's ginger, you know, and she wears a cap. One. It's very clever. She wears a cap. <laughs> Very good. I love it. Um, and she's also an American Mary. She's a bit of a horror icon, and she was goodness. Yeah. I like ah. her. I like her well enough. Yeah, she's good. She had attitude. Attitude. Um, now, <laughs> attitude. was there? I generally don't, I forgot to write one. Did you have a scary moment? Um, well, you asked for a spooky moment, and, yeah. it, and I think it fits. Barry Cogan's death. Um, yeah. Kelly Rowland like, helps him, sits him against a tree, and goes to get help. 
yeah. and the camera pans around to reveal that he's just dead already. Yeah. It's very underplayed. It's it's a weird sort of nothing is, music and he's just already dead. He's smiling wide-eyed after Kelly Rowland and that's it. It just cuts to the next bit. That Ugh. was creepy. Yeah, it was upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. It took me by surprise. I was expecting him to suddenly go <gasps> and be back alive because that's the kind of <laughs> level I'm expecting from this film. But no, they just called my bluff. Yeah. <laughs> I liked how Freddy's face looked in that opening. There was something mm. weird about it. The eyes and the teeth. There was something sharp and high yeah. definition about it. <laughs> he looked... Yeah. I couldn't tell. It almost looked like it was all CGI or something. Like, the makeup just looked so good. And it's like, considering we've had some pretty... Camera for- <laughs> maybe <laughs> it was shot in IMAX it's like the Dark Knight but um <laughs> suddenly the full screen comes out and <laughs> <laughs> whoa but Dude. yeah it just considering how ropey Freddy has looked at various points in this franchise yeah. you know like Crichton <laughs> yeah it was a good effect I like that Freddy actually looked pretty good as well yeah in, in this he did he, he looked, looked really good enough that I didn't think about it much which may sound yeah. weird but that's that's high praise <laughs> that's definitely how these kinds of things work yeah the best job is when you don't notice it <laughs> okay so that's about it for freddy versus jason let's get back in this pit and hopefully our next leap will be our leap home uh, you promised this last time <laughs> oh god we've landed and it's april 2020 i wonder what's going on oh fuck maybe we should get back in <laughs> it's gone they've sealed the doors no, the history hall won't work again and get us out of this awful time until we've reviewed a dreadful Halloween remake. <laughs> oh, fuck. That's what the riddle on that vase says. <laughs> Damn those Mayans! Famous vase makers of Native America! <laughs> oh, Christ. All right, well, a quick note before we do this. Halloween franchise producer Mustafa Akkad died in a terrorist bombing in Syria in 2005. What? Yeah, he was survived by his son Malik Akkad. Uh, who produced every movie from six onwards to this day. So this film is the first film in the uh, Malik's tenure without his dad. So, yeah, Christ. must frack add, thanks for all the weird shit <laughs> that you brought us, sir. Shame you didn't pay John Carpenter, but mm. thanks for Halloween 3. It was weird. <laughs> Swings and roundabouts. <laughs> Nobody should pay John Carpenter ever. It's it, for his own good. So, after a successful remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 2003, there was a huge slew of slasher movie remakes in the mid-aughts. And eventually, the big three would get remade in the late-aughts. Starting with Halloween by Rob Zombie. Now, Mr. Robert Zombies did not want to just remake the great film, and so he did a prequel and a remake of the great film. (laughs) Yes. We don't want to just retread this, so let's put in a really long prologue. That'll do it. So here's what it is, guys. We start with a quote from a character in the movie, which is always a classy move. We meet the standard Rob Zombie family unit. An abusive, foul-mouthed alcoholic father, a negligent, foul-mouthed stripper mother, an abusive, foul-mouthed promiscuous daughter that the stepdad lectures over, and a foul-mouthed psychopathic son whose name is Michael Myers! Ah, that's how he got that name. What coincidence. Yeah, there's also a baby with just the foulest mouth. <laughs> it's a uh, very nuanced portrayal of the dysfunctional family. You know that new waitress over at the bingo lounge? She can give me the freaky eye. Oh, the whore with the big tits hanging down to her knees? Maybe I'll choke the chicken, purge my snorkel all over them flappy-ass tits. I hope she likes cripples. Bitch, I will crawl over there and I will skull fuck the shit out of you. Oh, I'll get the crap. 
abortions and they're fucking gross you know what an abortion is you know what can you please go upstairs and get your brother man that bitch got herself a nice little dumper say it again ronnie say it to my face oh what's the matter you jealous young daughter's ass huh Pig. Freak of yours, he needs some serious discipline. I mean, he runs around like a little bitch. Give me a fucking break. He's probably a queer. He's gonna grow up, end up cutting his dick and balls off and changing his name to Michelle. Sorry that was a very long clip, everyone, but hey, at least you didn't have to watch two hours of it. Five minutes in, we've had references to incest, homophobia, transphobia, domestic violence, and general misogyny. Yep. So, yep. This, is, this is all very good. Then, Michael kills an irredeemable Stephen King-style bully, and we are encouraged to enjoy him doing it. Welcome to Naughty Slasher Movies. <laughs> oh look, they're showing the thing on TV, just like in the original. Maybe Rob Zombie will remake that too someday. Come replicate with me, you pussy bitch! <laughs> we get to see the dad be a well-rounded character for a bit more, and then Michael ties him to a chair and slits his throat. Yeah. Yay? Oh no? <laughs> oh well. Mm. Uh, the daughter has her boyfriend over, and he's brought a William Shatner mask for sex play. Uh, Michael takes it and kills everyone, even the boyfriend, as he enjoys some post-coital ham. <laughs> there are some loud horror stings to assure you that this is a bad thing. Uh, the news reporter tells us that the sister was stabbed 17 times. Why do they always tell us how many times a person has been stabbed? Is that an excessive number of times to have stabbed your own sister? <laughs> We're told that the trial was especially lengthy. How? <laughs> I don't think he did do it, says his defense attorney as he's wearing a creepy mask and already in the process of stabbing someone else. <laughs> oh, God. Well, Michael is, con is confined to an asylum and is doing therapy sessions with Dr. Loomis, played by Malcolm fucking McDowell. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Look at my mask. Oh, wow. Beautiful. Yeah. Why is it all black? Because it's one of my favorite colors. Well, actually, black isn't a color, is it? It's... The absence of colour. Hey Mikey, what's your favourite colour? Black? That's not a colour! <laughs> he also describes his masks as primitive. You should see my creepy homemade masks. <laughs> Myers is insulted by a nurse because he's always provoked in the first half of this movie. He's always got good reason to viciously murder people. <laughs> Except after this one, the mum goes home to her pretty sweet home projection setup and then shoots herself, making the baby cry. How old is that kid? How much time <laughs> has passed? Fifteen years later, and Myers has grown into a silent, seven-foot-tall, 40-year-old man. He must have a giant 40-year-old grandparent we didn't see. Also, his hair's brown now. But uh-oh, a Rob Zombie character has wor started working at the asylum. Let's go, fuck nut. Time to go. God damn, I wouldn't want to bum the freak out. You got feelings for this big idiot? Is that what it is? What's the dick going on, Ishmael? What the fuck, man? Don't look at me. I'll be a shitstorm in your worst nightmare, motherfucker. <laughs> How did this man not raise alarm bells during the interview process? Do you have any references? Your mama's titties, my references, fucker! Ha! <laughs> That's good banter. When can you start? <laughs> uh, Loomis tells Michael that it's been 15 years since he last spoke, and so he is now going to have to stop these sessions, which demonstrates an alarming amount of patience from Loomis. Year 8 of this kid refusing to fucking say anything. Didn't think maybe I should get a second patient. <laughs> Oh, Christ, we see Loomis presenting a lecture about Myers, and goddamn do I love the idea of Loomis on the lecture circuit. And uh, that's why broad, non-inclusive categories of motivation should be utilised 
as guidelines for criminal investigation. That's fascinating. Fascinating. That should be very significant in the way that law enforcement narrows their pool of suspects in serial homicide cases. Mm, good, good. And Dr. Loomis? I shot him six times! <laughs> shot him in the heart! <laughs> Two of the orderlies have come back to the asylum after dark to rape a near catatonic inmate. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Don't worry, we do get to see her boobs. <laughs> they decide that they want to do this in front of the seven foot tall murderer because just kill us already. <laughs> Life sucks. <laughs> Life sucks. But then he kills lovely Danny Trejo. Oh, now you've gone too far. No. no, I was with you until the last one. So I guess now we can do a straight remake of Halloween, now that Michael's a villain now. Does that mean that the rest of his victims are going to be likable characters? Well, as likable as Rob Zombie is capable of writing them. <laughs> In a nice, uh, family, uh, we have Laurie Strode and her sex jokes, anti-corporate dad, and America's mother, Dee Wallace classing up the place a bit whilst her daughter sexually molests a bagel. Uh, Mr. Nichols is a horny old pervert. Okay, don't even want to know. Guess what, Mom? Mr. Nichols touched me the wrong way. Oh, whoa, whoa. Okay, that is so not funny. You want a screwdriver, Mommy? You want a hammer? Look at this, Mom. Lori! I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, We also meet Laurie's friends, Lenny Riefenstahl from the Hellboy remake, <laughs> and Daniel Harris, a.k.a. little Jamie Lloyd from Halloween's 4 and 5. Hmm. She's back in the franchise, everyone. Oh. Um, Zombie demonstrates just how easy it is to write natural dialogue for young women. So Lady Fuckface gives us three new chairs to wear. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, why don't we just rack a commando flash some <laughs> snacks? <laughs> and maybe nobody will notice we're doing the same old tired oh, cheers. Oh, you didn't. Oh, yeah, yeah I did. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you know what that dried up fucking bitch did? What? Calls my dad and tells him what I said. Yeah. Oh that C-U-N-T needs to get laid. Don't be afraid of it old male directors. You can do it. Brad Dourif and Udo Kier get utterly unutilized for a bit. Even Sid mm -hmm. Haig shows up to not wow anyone for a scene. More impressive in Kill Bill Volume 2. We get a repetition of the graveyard scene, but wouldn't it have been spookier if instead of just the headstone not being there, there's a mutilated fox and some heavy metal music? Whoa. I think so. Damn. I'm Rob Zombie. <laughs> Riefenstahl and her boyfriend, who got lost on his way to the <laughs> 70s scenes, uh, get murdered. We actually get to see Loomis buy his psychiatry gun from Nicky McDolans of the Monkeys, no less. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Laurie's parents die. It's upsetting. Oh, hey, little Jamie Lloyd is now old enough to be topless for a very long time whilst getting savaged. Aw. <laughs> you either die the sweet young girl or live long enough to become the problematic nudity. Laurie finds the savaged Annie, which is uh, Jamie Lloyd, uh, calls the police, but is chased back to her house where Michael catches her and carries her off into the night. There are 30 minutes of film remaining. <laughs> Myers gets shot, but he's crazier than bullets. Uh, there's a boring talk him out of it scene that doesn't work. Laurie stabs him, but he's crazier than knife. <laughs> there's a boring chase around the house, and then they end up in an empty pool. Uh, Loomis catches up with them and fires a warning shot into Michael. Uh, <laughs> uh, he tries to talk him down whilst shooting him. <laughs> but we've already established he's crazier than bullets, so he lives, and another lengthy, boring chase scene ensues. <laughs> Finally, she shoots him directly in the face. Is he crazier than a headshot? Is this somehow Ben Tramer again? Find out next time. Boom, produced by Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> Scariest bit. <laughs> so that was fucking Halloween 2007. Yeah. Directed by Robert Zombie. Wasn't it? Yeah. Did you have any prior experience of Robert Zombie? Um, Musically or As a musicman, yes. I've heard a couple okay. of his tracks. Any of his films? No. Like this? <laughs> 
Yeah, I, yeah, the, yeah, they're very like this. <laughs> this is what I expected, and um, <laughs> what'd you make of it? Oh, that was anxiety in a film for me, Paul. Yeah, that was, was pretty stress-inducing. <laughs> gen- genuinely horrible, and not because it was. Yeah. Not necessarily because it was voyeuristic or crass or um, any of the other horrible I mean, crass. <laughs> parts, of, parts of a Rob Zombie movie. I'd argue for crass. I'm not saying it's not crass or voyeuristic. I'm saying <laughs> it didn't cause me anxiety because it's crass. Oh, and, yeah. I see. Right. Um, <laughs> but the, the the movie seemed to be, there was just an intensity there. And mm. there was for the last half an hour or so, the screams were pitched at a nauseating level. Yes. <laughs> And every time somebody screams, it's a which close is, up of their face, which is the soundtrack rushed against a wall, <laughs> and it's just so constant and up close. Yeah, and even from the beginning, where I like I didn't like I, if you're supposed to revel in the the killing of that bully, mm. like for me it was just awful because he's crying and pleading for mercy, and I like I I can't pinpoint exactly why it was so horrible but it's just mm. the relentlessness of it yeah everything is horrible and it's everything just is horrible is the thing and i think fucking awful this is what people who hate horror movies think that all horror movies are you know this yeah. is exactly what a mum thinks horror movies are and i didn't find it tense or spooky it's ve- it's quite yeah. gory very brutal and yeah provocatively unpleasant and sad which is a mood you can go for um, yeah, but it's also kind of cheesy in its naughty slasher movie trappings. Lots of dramatic movie stings and shaky cam and documentary style unmotivated zoom ins and deliberately messy yeah. editing that means that you can't make out anything, but also that you know whatever is happening yeah. is something you don't want to make out. Yeah, and very uh, cheesy sound effects accompanying all the stabs, sort of over the top splotch yeah. and splash noises, which. Yeah, it just doesn't yeah. achieve what I think he's going for in terms of making the killings, you know, brutal yeah. in that way. No. Um, They're just unpleasant. It's, <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, the final shot of her screaming with blood all over her face is yeah. what I imagine 70s exploitation horror to <laughs> to be like, just with more boobs. Um, I mean, that rape scene. Mm. Oh, yeah. Is, is, we, we definitely really, really needed to see that rape completed. Yeah, fuck um, me. It, we get it the was, idea. It was real, you know, narratively important that they actually both manage to have sex with this, uh, to force themselves on this lady. Mm. We get to see her naked. Only then is Michael Myers going to snap, and yeah. that was the one thing. You know, he, he's he's fine. He's got a fairly low threshold, but <laughs> do that. Yeah, and just it's every not... character being an asshole, even kind of the ones we're meant to be rooting for, are still kind yeah. of unpleasant and are just as likely to just suddenly shout "fuck you" for no reason at a child. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, it's not that it's the only character Rob Zombie can write because he wrote, he definitely wrote one sympathetic character in there. There was the, there was a couple <laughs> of characters who were normal and didn't swear, and not that norm, mm. you know, normal isn't swearing, but I, I associate myself with the Danny Trejo with Malcolm McDowell in this because they're not <laughs> lunatics or or, or mm. just fucking monsters. Yeah. It was so nice to come in and have Malcolm McDowell just talking quietly. <laughs> Um, yeah. It's more than you get in the Devil's Rejects, where even the cops are absolute sociopaths. It's yeah, just, right. it's it's very much that Neville Dean Taylor sort of thing of everybody's crazy, 
So there are a couple it, of normal stand-up characters in this. It feels like I know there's a lot of overlap between Rob Zombie and Eli Roth. Mm. Will I be yes. correct in saying this? Well, I, I know they're in the sort of Tarantino crew. Both of them were involved in um, uh, right. uh, Grindhouse. So, yeah, there's, there's similarities there. It's very much a goon squad. None of them have the talent <laughs> of Tarantino. No, ta- they just hang around Tarantino and... just keeps bad company. But um, <laughs> apparently, what's interesting to me is the sort of attempts to humanize because a lot of the good reviews i read of the ones that there are were talking about the attempts to humanize myers as a character first of Mm. all doing that i mean apparently zombie said that he wanted to reinvent myers because he felt villains like freddy and jason had become too familiar to audiences and so less scary therefore he wanted to make an origin story in order to familiarize audiences with michael myers i guess yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh he's not as played as those two well now we will be and it's just <laughs> just you watch you know and it's it's a very broad and inelegant attempt to humanize the inhuman because carpenter didn't want a man he didn't want the scariness of another man he wanted a boogeyman yeah. he wanted a force of nature that is beyond human that is what that yeah. film is about and it's you know why he can just drive when he needs to you know he's just yeah. he's not going to follow logic he's just a kill a kill the concept of death personified yes zombie wanted to make us sympathize with the perpetrator of the violence in order to make him scarier is his idea i think there's some merit to that goal to take a sort of horror archetype and put a human face on it but you shouldn't and this might be subjective vindicate the violence because that's fucked up and it does play into what siskel and ebert accused horror fans of being back in the 80s of just coming here to watch people get stuck and when the characters getting stuck are unilaterally unpleasant and mean-spirited and irritating hmm. then that is yeah. kind of what it feels like but um anyway i've written this all into a vitriolic letter that i am going to be sending to betsy palmer's home address so <laughs> thank god <laughs> that should sort this out make sure you just send a picture out of her home address as well whilst you <laughs> i'll tweet it you can tweet it yeah thank you come on everyone that'd be great um <laughs> yeah that's, that's interesting because it definitely whilst i admired the epic feel of the movie you mm. know in the original of the, the, yeah. the literary sense of the word epic yes um childhood of, of to having fully formed fully formed 40 year old 20 something yeah it's it's it, it started for like a russian novel at, <laughs> so at one point with just a hundred characters in it um as mm. michael myers goes through his life mm. um and I, and I liked that aspect of it it made for a really different feel a hundred unpleasant characters who all yell cocksucker in different ways yeah <laughs> Except for Danny Trejo and oh. Malcolm McDowell. He would. That was deleted um, scenes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So so I did admire that. It, it made the film feel really different for a long time. Um, but then, yeah, just familiarising yourself. I, I remember Yeah. what I loved about Jason in, in the second mm. film was when you just realised that he has no purpose. He's just killing. Um, yeah. And yeah, you know, the, the unknowable nature of, of Michael mm. Myers is the, is the truly scary thing. Yeah. Um, it, it leads to some weird decisions because he he already kills his family as a kid, so he's he's yeah. he's 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 clearly has issues. He's able to be <laughs> like the the scary thing about that was he's able to be a f- functional and he's really nice to his mum. Yes. So so there's still that human side there, or he's a sociopath and he's just playing her. We, we, you know, she's terrifying, which is really scary. Yeah. But then yeah. it becomes this thing later on of you know he's working on his masks. And the thing that you know, mm. I, I guess you could say that the, the the rape wasn't what turned him onto this this killing spree, but it set him free. But it's like, what purpose does did that play in this movie? Yeah. To you know, does it does it humanize? And having this whole oh. thing of 
then knowing him as he goes through the the film it makes it a very yeah. different film and it's fine to have a film where you are studying the life of a killer it's a really mm. interesting perspective and i again applaud the film for that i don't think that yeah. it's gonna make him scarier if as no. rob zombie wanted well i mean the thing to do is to leave out the second half where you're just recreating the beats of halloween because those yeah. story beats befit a sort of silent terrible killer where the killer is unequivocally the bad guy if you're going to start with this different perspective, it's better to take it in a different place and sort of have the yeah. ongoing uh, spiritual struggle of someone who is capable of extraordinary violence, you know, like yeah. a uh, Bronson-style story. Tarantino. But, yeah, it's just, it's such a played origin story as well. Yeah. Just, you know, alcoholic dad, abuse yeah. stripper mum because sex workers can't have ordinary kids. Um, yeah. And promiscuous sister because any, you know, she's exploring her own sexuality. Yeah. So kid turns into a psychopath and... Yes, a lot of serial killers have similarly problematic home lives, and, you know, in particular, I think both Gacy and um, Dharma had alcoholic or absentee fathers, but the strokes mm. are so broad here, the the, the characters so two-dimensional, that I don't feel like it does achieve any kind of insight into violent impulses. No. Um, it's like the Stephen King approach to problematic households, yeah. um, but zombie has such a talent for the off-putting. Yeah. You know, his claustrophobic camera, his slimy production design, his ear for oppressively obnoxious dialogue. <laughs> you know, it's just... I don't think Robert Zombie is a bad filmmaker. I think mm. he's a bad artist. <laughs> okay. I, I, I mean, I don't think you could accuse him of being commercial or in any way... I don't think he's an entertainer, really, when it comes to filmmaking. I don't think you could look at Devil's Rejects and House of a Thousand Corpses and say this was made for the purposes of, you know, mass consumption or entertainment. Yeah. Because Jesus Christ, who would want to watch this more than once? Yeah. Um, he's trying to express something through the medium of cinematic trash, but either isn't quite sure of or is unable to express exactly what that is. Yeah. It does get lost. And, and like you said, it does mm. then, we're then back with this unfortunate idea of horror as just a mean, yeah. a, a, a mean and bloodthirsty genre. Which doesn't yeah, really have anything like, to say. <laughs> I want to see this fucker get stuck. Yeah. And it's just... It, I, that is what it is to me. It's not a bad cult horror movie. It's a bad art house film. Yeah. And I think that's going to be borne out through the next Halloween that we see as well. Oh, great. Who directed that um, one? Uh, Rob Zombie. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I genuinely, genuinely emotionally struggled with this one. I'm not looking forward to this at all. Well, you've got, you've got a month to put your shit back together. Oh, I'm not going to watch it. I'm just going to put it on and put Vaseline all over the TV screen. <laughs> it's quicker and easier than my eyes. So, <laughs> look, there doesn't seem to be a definitive Halloween franchise documentary out there, a la Never Sleep Again. Oh, no. But I did find a documentary about the making of this film. Four hours and 20 minutes long. I, f I thought, I don't want to watch that. And then I watched that. Oh, what? Fuck you. <laughs> or keep it to yourself. <laughs> okay. That was worth doing. <laughs> so, I mean, it's actually more like a video shooting diary. Um, it doesn't cover post-production okay. much. We don't get to see Tyler Bates in his office working on the music. But um, Ah, okay. Tyler yeah. Bates. It was Tyler Bates. Here are some insights I gleaned from this four and a half hour documentary. Go on then, you cock. <laughs> in the beginning, we're at location scouting. And he says, I didn't have a sequence in the empty swimming pool until we were on location. And then I saw it and thought, yeah, we can use this. And then just cut to a bloodied woman screaming inside the empty swimming pool. And I just like the idea we could have seen anything. <laughs> and that would have been what we cut to. Oh, he wheelbarrow. Just, he, ah! he just happened to open his eyes once he'd been wheeled in. 
by a roadie. Zombie does say that Pleasant's always struck him as being crazier than Michael Myers, which is true. Yeah. So <laughs> that's a good thing to translate. Myers was uh, Loomis was interesting because they kind of have this idea of oh, what if he's actually more interested in his own personal aggrandizement yeah. and you know m- marketing the sort of Michael Myers experience, but. Again, that gets dropped pretty much as soon as we get into remaking Halloween. So Yes. Yeah, exactly. Just, it could have benefited from just dropping that whole thing. The table read is pretty crazy. <laughs> they get all the actors together and there are oh. child actors around for both, you know, Lindsay and Tommy, who is the kid out of Booksmart. Yeah. And um, also the young Michael Myers and, the, you know, Judith, the sister. They're all around and there's lines like, the whore with the big monkey tits hanging back down to her knees? And she's jealous of her own daughter's ass. <laughs> and then Zombie mentions that this is where it starts to feel like a real movie. <laughs> Doing the finger the finger frame thing. <laughs> yes, perfect, perfect. Use it. Mm. D. Wallace then describes this film as Shakespeare meets the Vietnam War, which is uh Meaningless. Whatever you gotta do to get through this. <laughs> Mum for me tea. Most people drink, so, so- good on you. Good on you with your metaphors. Zombie says, I don't like movies where you can go, oh, that's the good guy and that's the bad guy. Well, I certainly wasn't doing the former much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he says that he likes people, even kids, to have an edge to them because he doesn't like wishy-washy people. Yeah. But... It's like there's an edge and then there's a blade. <laughs> like you could, I'm sure there's somebody out there, Relation Film Society probably did this, but he, he prob- <laughs> if he did, he probably put footage of George R. R. Martin saying the same thing and then cutting to one of the really amazing complex character arcs in, in the TV yeah. show and then cutting to Rob Zombie saying the same and just be like, oh, you fucking faggot cocksucker. Yeah. Fucking. <laughs> what an edge. Yeah, just what an, what an edge. These are such complex characters. You don't know whether they're good or bad. Mostly bad. <laughs> Mostly homophobic Mostly pieces all of bad, shit. rotten to the core. Yeah. Yeah. Because I would have said the message of that is everyone's a fucking cunt. Yeah. <laughs> everyone's a... <laughs> Not just Michael Myers. Everyone's an absolute cunt. And so what difference does it make really? Um... Yeah. <laughs> really? Mm. If you say really at the end of it, <laughs> it's uh, it actually makes you think. It's really. science and philosophy. So Dan- <laughs> lovely Daniel Harris is back. And um, she talks about really wanting to be back in the franchise because it was her favorite thing, which is nice. And it does look like from oh. behind the scenes footage that she did have fun. Even when she had to send, spend several production days topless and bleeding on the floor. And she proves very good at improvising, which in, you know, yeah. in this movie is a wavelength that's troubling to be tuned into. <laughs> like, there's a bit where they're all pitching dialogue and Rob's not, they're talking about, I don't want you to say the whole Ben Tramer, you know, oh, you didn't sort of thing. That's really fucking dumb. Because that is how he talks. Yeah. You know, <laughs> fucking stupid. I don't want to fucking do that. And, um... <laughs> He's pitching dialogue and he's like, How about this? You'd be happy now to talk about his buddy Ben Tramer. I thought you said Ben was retarded. He is retarded, but he's not short bus retarded. <laughs> so, yeah. like, she pitched that back. Oh, instantly. wow. Yeah. So, okay. Great credit to her being an actress who can just blend into her role, but wow, <laughs> we got to get her in something better. Yeah. <laughs> we got to get her out of there. You need a better lead in, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, that's a tricky one to yes and. <laughs> that's your nightmare, like first night at the improv club. Paul, your first cue is. <laughs> oh no. Oh no, Rob Zombie's on the mic. <laughs> Fuck. I'm so oh, right God. on is the problem. Um, she's Daniel Harris is the the one who's got a bit of a um Lacey Chabert yes vibe about Very it. Very Chabert esque. Yeah. <laughs> Chabert esque. Chabert esque. Chabert esque. 
Yeah, very much so. And yeah. you remember Jamie, right, from uh, Halloween's four and five? A little just about little girl on a pleasant, terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come get her, Michael. <laughs> She'll be waiting for you. <laughs> oh, God. Harris also says it freaks me out because when you're a kid, you're like, this will never happen to me. You know, a guy with a mask. But then when you're an adult, yeah, but this did happen to you when you were a kid. <laughs> Malcolm McDowell is a terrifying force of a man. And there's something particularly nice about him constantly making Sherry Moon Zombie and Brad Dourif laugh. Aww. But they might be laughing out of fear. But everyone seems to love him and all the girls had a crush on him because of his accent. His interactions with Udo Kier are less fun. He keeps making Nazi jokes oh. and making fun of his accent. Which, uh, okay. Well, yeah, yeah. Pobity's nerfect. Udo Kier does hold his own, though, which is quite funny. That's good. There's a, there's a, there's a shot where they want to cut most of his lines from a scene. Yeah. And so in one of the takes, he just ends up chasing Malcolm McDowell's car, screaming the lines that got cut. <laughs> <laughs> which is great. He sounds great. Um, I love Udo Kier. He's fucking great. I love Udo Kier. It's so happy when he shows up yeah, and saying when he has literally nothing. He was, yeah, just wickedly underused. By which I mean, yeah. wasn't used. Well, yeah, so was Brad Dourif. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ, he got the voice of Chucky just driving a car around for most of At least he had a couple, he got to deliver exposition for a couple of minutes, and that was powerful yeah. stuff. Zombie does seem to be a little bit of a misanthrope. And I don't mean that in like a vindictive, oh, he's a, what do you call it, a psychopath kind yeah. of thing. But he's just, we all have friends like it. He gets frustrated by people a lot. And um, I think he's encouraging ca- characters to satirize traits that irritate him. And that's yeah. why there is this mean-spirited streak through the film. It's very authorial there. You know. Yeah, now we're going to we stick it to... It. <laughs> I mean, we all have it, and I know we've done it. You know, probably in Fifty Shades of Paul, there were points where we are, you know, literally making fun of actual people we know. But when you make every fucking character that, yeah. it does get to be a bit of a fucking drag. Yeah, oh, man. it certainly does. Yeah. This, this film is the, the most violent drag that <laughs> It's a drag across concrete. So, yeah, it is. It fucking is. It's it's Hacksaw. <laughs> it's that bit in Hacksaw Ridge that genuinely gave me a panic attack. <laughs> stretched over a film for two hours. <laughs> you know, I went back and watched a few sequences from Hacksaw Ridge because you do keep making me think about it, and I've forgotten <laughs> that it has quite a campy sense of humor to it. Like, there's a scene yeah. where a soldier picks up the upper half of a body that's been blown in half and runs, hiding behind it while shooting his machine gun, yeah, using it, it like is- a shield. This is the weird thing. It's such a goofy film. Yeah. And Andrew Andrew Garfield just plays it. Oh my god! He like plays Forrest, Forrest Gump. Gump. Yeah. Um. And at the same time, a guy's body gets chipped away by machine gun bullets. <laughs> a, a body comes out of the mud and goes. Bleh! Yeah. It's ridiculous. But I'm gonna give Brad Dourif the final line here, uh, because he says, "I may not watch this one." Great. <laughs> That's worth four and a half hours of my time plus two hours to watch the movie. <laughs> Brad Dourif must have done a lot that he hasn't watched. <laughs> oh, no, he watches Chucky 3, like, bi-weekly. <laughs> For breakfast. <laughs> All right, fuck it. Let's uh, let's finish up. So, best kill. Uh, any of the kills in any way? Oh, God. he The, the 70s boy, mm. the way he, he grabs him by the neck, lifts him up, pins against the wall, and then he stabs him whilst yeah. two feet off the ground yeah. was kind of different to the rest of the kills. Yeah, so was, that, that was a direct that homage to the kill in the first Halloween where that happens yeah. and he gets pinned well, to a wall by an implausibly long knife so yeah that was good he should have ripped off more of John Carpenter <laughs> yeah which is a better film the ones that affected me the most were the Strode parents oh, because yeah. that was proper home invasion shit he's just he's on the he's on the porch I think he's got his like pipe he's just closing up and the wife goes in to put some logs on the fire 
And Myers just walks straight up the garden path, up the stairs, slashes him across the face and pushes him into the house and slams the door shut. And then we're we're in the house with her as he savages the mum for ages. The dad's just dead. And it was really quite provocatively unpleasant and in a way that did feel reminiscent of an actual, you know, attack. Yes. And that was... It's a new aspect to Michael Myers. um, Mm. M.O. And that's scary. And yeah. Best kill is hard to. Best yeah. kill is is the wrong word for for this movie. I think it's just most I mean, distressing yeah, it's, kill. It's more appropriate when we're talking about how good the gore effects were. But I mean, Zombie himself talks about how he doesn't like the sort of campy deaths. So I wouldn't expect too many electrocution head explosions in the next film either. Okay. <laughs> Shame. Any good scares? Um, more unnerving moments, I guess. The 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 bully mm. crying in pain and for and for mercy. Yeah. Um, the yeah. boyfriend twitching, like f- twitching after he gets a baseball bat in the head at the very beginning. Mm. Fucking upsetting. But most, yeah. and I guess the sp- if I gotta say spooky, but it's mostly the mm. tension is when Danny Trejo, because he is a very nice guy in this, and he's been looking after Michael Myers for fifteen years, um, just like in real life. <laughs> and um, he's he's like the one nice orderly yeah. in this um, asylum, and when he comes in after a a, a, a mm. night off, you know, to find this bloodbath of Michael Myers killing has killed all the mm. orderlies, he's then like, okay, Mike, we're, we're just gonna have to get you back in your back yeah. in your cell. I'm just gonna get these handcuffs, yeah, and yeah. You, know, you can see how tense he is. Danny Trejo, probably the best performance I've ever seen yeah, from Danny yeah. Trejo. Um, it's just <laughs> and and he's um, you know, okay, I'm just gonna get these cuffs now and. Everything's going to be okay, okay, Mikey? And Michael Myers very slowly raises his, his hands and there's this indeterminate amount of time before Danny, like between Danny yeah. Trejo approaching Michael Myers with the handcuffs and then eventually just getting horribly yeah. killed. I'm going to try to put these handcuffs on you right now, Mikey, and then we'll get you back into your own bed, okay? Which was so tense. Yeah. It was just so That's good. upsettingly That's a tense. Moment. You know, just thinking about it, in my head, I just can't put it together that that kid grows into Michael Myers. Because no. the kid, when he, he's either really nice or he's psychopathically angry, but he's never sort of stoically, quietly sinister no. like the adult no. one is. So I, I, there's a real mismatch there. Yeah. Um, in terms of the spooky moment, I'd say that some of Myers, uh, the kids' masks are good. Mostly paper mache. Some of them are really creepy, especially when they're shot on like Super 8, black and white. No, yeah. Okay, best camper. Oh, so I veered between Malcolm McDowell or the mum for a <laughs> while, or even the friend he hates lying because I relate to that. But I don't know. It's yeah. got to be Danny Trejo. Trejo, you, you yeah. knew he was going to die. I love his glasses. Yeah. Is he Danny Trejo in glasses? He's a sweet guy. Yeah. You knew he was going to die because he was five days from retirement. <laughs> but, um, he was so nice and. Yeah. It, I guess if effectively gets across that Michael Myers is indiscriminate. Yeah. He, he doesn't doesn't just kill rapists. Yeah. Well, that was the turning point. It was the point. It was Daenerys burning the city, wasn't it? It was the point yeah. where we're not meant to sympathise anymore. But it was yeah. mishandled anyway. Um. Again, <laughs> it's hard. That is that storyline is possible. <laughs> we'll do it at some stage. <laughs> okay. My favourite camper was Daniel Harris's Annie. I'm really happy to see her back in the franchise for a bit. I Aww. think maybe because she doesn't die in this one. I think she might be in the next one. Um, mm. which will be good because she, yeah, she's she's very happy and smiley and she's delivering some of these awful lines and she's meant to be the more because the other friend is the one who just you know talks about the cunt of a PE teacher that she has you know and yeah flashing her snatch to everyone and such so she comes off as the far more relatable and likable character is um yes is Annie so yeah 
I'd say her. And it was really, really um, upsetting when she was just lying on the floor, all bloodied, screaming out Laurie's name, trying to warn her. That was yep. affecting. Yep, that was awful. Yeah. That was really um, rough. Hey, Paul. Mm. How long is the next Rob Zombie Halloween movie? I'll find out for you, mate. Oh, great. Oh, well, it's shorter. Yeah? Yeah, shorter, mate. How One many? hour 59. Oh, brilliant. That's four minutes shorter. Yeah, brilliant. Daniel Harris is in this one. Yay. Yay. What about Jared Harris? <laughs> no sign of Jared Harris, unfortunately. Oh, then fuck you, Paul. <laughs> and fuck you, listeners at home. <laughs> God damn you all for letting this happen. I'm jumping into that vortex over there. Margo Kidder. <laughs> Octavia Spencer. <laughs> all right. Weird Al Yankovic. Okay, I'm going to... This is Someone has hacked Wikipedia. This is not a fair representation of Halloween 2. Alright, so the movie was a critical flop, but it succeeded financially, so there's a second one. Let's jump into this hole we've got and come out in May. I hope the world makes sense again. I'll take my chances now! Oh, don't land on the balls, 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 don't land on the Every time. I landed up your butt again. <laughs> Get out of there. You know, you can't hide. No, it's not from quite this. warm. It's warm and there's no Rob Zombie in here. Yes, there is. <laughs> ah! Oh, God. Not again. You, I, not again when I went at Paul's butt again. Rob Zombie's up there again. <laughs> not horror zombie icons. Zombie, I meant rock. It's already too late for us. Please move on. Find another podcast and warn them. <laughs> One that does sentences still. Here we are anyway. Beginning of May 2020. Yeah. Is the world fixed? No? Great. Okay. Let's uh, cheer ourselves up with another Rob Zombie flick. Yeah, moving on. Love this format. (laughs) This is the 10th Halloween film overall. What a legacy. What a time to reflect. (laughs) Halloween X. (laughs) There was a brief flirtation with the idea that the French directors of Inside were to film the sequel. Yeah, that tracks. Really? Yeah, I could see that. Okay. That would make sense. Yeah, yeah, that was a horrible, horrible film. <laughs> that was also a horrible film. Um, but Malik Akkad said to Zombie, uh, don't feel hindered by any of the rules we've had in the past. I want this to be your vision, and I want you to express that vision. And then we'll get J.J. Abrams to clumsily retcon it afterwards. <laughs> I mean, that does ex- that does explain it. He's been pretty fast and loose in this one. <laughs> this one, it goes off the beaten path, in as much as it beats people off the path. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I'll quote Wikipedia on this, a section that I believe was might well have been written by Mr. Robert Zombies. Okay. For the characters of Halloween 2, it is about change. Zombie wanted to look at how the events of the first film affected the characters. Zombie also mm-hmm. wanted to provide a glimpse into each character's psyche. That's the weirdest misspelling of pussy I've ever seen. <laughs> Zombie parenthesis me. And I've seen a few. I know some clumsy perverts. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Zombie, that is me. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Visionary director Robert Zombies is actually me, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> Robert Zombies. <laughs> um, he's actually called Rob Zombie, Chris. I know. I'm not just making this up for credibility. <laughs> this is the only way people will accept my work after the critical <laughs> and public disaster that was apparently The Dark Knight Rises, best film ever made. How did he get back to Gotham? I don't know Shit film And I realise that now I wish I hadn't made it Because how did he get back into Gotham I don't know I was too busy Creating a visionary work Of social superheroism 
that would define <laughs> anyway, here's the decade to come. <laughs> Halloween 2. You'll be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> oh, all right, Paul. Tell me about the glimpse into those psyches. Well, we start with the definition of white horse for some reason that we can all get behind. And then it's back to the pasto with pre-Nasto Myers, sort of. He's only mm. killed half his family at this stage, and that's all right in my book. His mum's brought him a white horse, so that's settled. Zombo's quoting his own movie again. Brief point, that book doesn't exist. <laughs> The one that the White Horse quote is from. That's what yeah. I mean. He's quoting his own movie. Yeah, I just wanted to say that just in case you didn't know, that's actually, yeah, definitely true. I saw some people online yeah. that were like, where is this psychological textbook? And it's like, nah. This is the psychological. Psychologico. I've, I've written too many words with O in it. Psychological. paragraph. <laughs> Nasto psychologicum of Rob Zombie's mind. The mum offers to tickle him and, well... Rest fucking history, isn't it? <laughs> Flash forward to present day. One, two, a woman's walking down the street. Three, four, here's Brad Dourif. It's, it's also Laurie, hot off the press of a killing of a Michael Myers. Uh, Brad Dourif is genuinely comforting and sweet, and I feel really good about myself. Oh, well, time for constant screaming as young girls are taken to hospital and stitched back together. Just for a second, I take out my earphones and remember, I'm allowed to do this. Hang on. <laughs> Isn't that Charlie from Deadwood driving the ambulance? I hope he's not going to die a horrible death as he loads a mortal killer Michael Myers into it. Anyway, isn't that Richard Brake from Batman Begins? The Night King himself. How lovely. We get a beautiful close-up of his teeth oh, as he confides in Charlie from Deadwood that as of tonight, he's realised that he really likes fucking dead girls. Like there's boys up in Essex because really Rob Zombie does not stray too far from the tree Rantino. Get a look at the naked chick. Mm, yeah, <laughs> she still looks fresh. I heard a story about a couple of meat wagon boys fucking corpses over in Essex. I ain't never had the urge till tonight. I'm just saying, she still look good to me. Nice old titties are hanging out. Come on, that's disgusting. Stop it now. I got wood just zip-locking her up. Anyway, we get the natural end to this scene. The ambulance smashes into a cow. Charlie's face explodes. And Night King gets right up close to the camera so he can moan like an adult baby without a working or visible jaw until Michael Myers slowly and attentively saws his head off for the kids at home. With a bit of glass. Eventually. Yeah. yeah, it's a great payoff after a never-ending <laughs> setup. So we get some fairly natural conversation from Octavia Spencer. Yeah. Anyway, Octavia Spencer finds Laurie crying over Daniel Harris's broken, broken body. <laughs> hey, at least it wasn't fucked this time. Octavia Spencer helps her back to bed until the voiceover of the tannoy asks her to go to emergency room A. And she goes, yeah, okay, you can probably figure this, this out yourself. Bye. I think it's still the same scene, but she's dead now. Watch as she's stabbed and stabbed again as her body is literally broken by the force of Michael Myers' hand. Give the Foley guy a medal, then put him in the box and drop him in the ocean. Laurie jumps into a skip full of mangled corpses like they have in hospitals, and at this point some people would ask how this film plans on maintaining this electric pace for another hour and 45 minutes. I never thought I'd say this, but I'm tired of the sound of women's screams. As Maya pursues strode through this world, I ponder on the implications of styling the two in Halloween 2 as Roman numerals. And that suggests literary pretensions and how this film is very much the kind of film that should just use the number two, you know? Oh. Well, there's a nice guy. His name's Buddy and he doesn't try to rape Laurie or anything before he's brutalised by the giant in the skin mask. So take a win where you find it, I suppose. Ba-bam! That was a dream, idiots. A tight 20-minute dream sequence that got me there. Where exactly did it begin? Was it the entire 20 minutes? Classic. Anyway, Laurie's living with Daniel Harris and Brad Dourif. There's an interesting therapy scene with a surprisingly understanding therapist, but enough of that. Loomis is back and now an absolute fucking prick. Well, I think it's a mistake. Oh, yeah, you do, do you? Yes. Well, when I want your opinion, I'll beat it out of you. 
he calls someone a lesbian like it's a bad thing and gives a two-minute speech at his event before just taking questions. Uh, he's asked about nurture or nature by a journalist with a psych degree or the other way around or neither. Then he's confronted by some facts about the case and calls the whole world a lesbian before we move on to the next scene. Oh, fuck, I forgot this was a fun Halloween exercise and I need to come up with names for these characters. Good thing there's two. Coyote Not Ugly and Garth and Kate McKinnon's Secret Love Child. That's not an insult. Danielle Harris is required to remind Laurie that she was not the only person who was brutally attacked by Michael Myers. Who are you, says Laurie? You don't even have a fun name in this movie. Michael Myers kills a string of characters who have nothing to do with the plot, including some rednecks, a dude, a different dude, a stripper. Hang on, though. Was this where Michael Myers' mom worked? If not, it's similar, and that'll do for Mikey, who sees Mother Dearest dressed in white, resplendent as she stands at the end of the strip club catwalk, and tells him that only a river of blood will reunite them. Which is fortunate. Imagine if he'd been told to mend his ways after stomping a dude's face in and stringing his omelette face up with a noose made from the neon strip club lights. Awkward. Only love will bring us together, Michael. Uh, I did this for you, Mum? Find someone to truly love you by midnight, and you'll be a real boy. Will this do? He holds up the stomped up face guy. Oh, Michael. (laughs) Brad Dourif buys Sam Loomis' tell-all book on the day of release, and it's so fucking good that he's furious. The queue for Sam Loomis' book signing is as long as my list of neuroses. The film gives us the horror fan this film was made for. He probably also listens to my favourite murderer, am I right? He's crazy. Then the father of one of the girls from the previous film, who blames Loomis for her death and pulls a gun on him. Uh, I can only imagine all of this is mm. leading to a period of realisation and reflection from Loomis that will pay off in a satisfying way. <laughs> kind of does. Sort of. In the best way possible, <laughs> involving Weird Al Yankovic. Well, the movie loses points by not immediately cutting to the chat show he later goes on with Weird Al Yankovic, but my head canon makes everything work. This is my reality, my fantasy, and I've gone for hard cut to Weird Al. <laughs> Weird Al makes the Michael Myers slash Austin Powers Mike Myers joke, and uh, such a well-written contrived line that I want to scream and scream and scream until I don't have any friends. Yeah. Loomis is feeling pretty good about where things are going. Uh, jokes on literally everyone else, though. Loomis revealed in the book the true identity of Laurie Strode. I mean, Angel? <gasps> Myers? Jamie Lee Curtis? Like any good teen, Laurie decides to deal with this by getting trashed with her new best friends, Coyote and Garth Kate. Uh, they go to this psychobilly gig Fuck that yeah. also doubles up as a Rob Zombie movie because looks and boobs a gross man at a music concert. It's almost as shocking as my erection. Coyote dies because... <laughs> Oh no, Laurie bumps into the awful host, and to a lesser extent, the ghost of young Michael and their mom. Uh, she only starts bloody screaming mm. in the middle of a rock concert, no less, and the beautiful spawn of Garth from Waynesbold and SNL star Kate McKinnon has to take her home. <laughs> Danielle McHarris is on the phone to Brad Dourif and seems genuinely happy. Please don't show up, Michael. Please no. <laughs> don't make them go through this again. I've never oh. wanted something more in all my life. Uh-uh. Oh, well, time for Danielle Harris to be chased slow motion and the sound of her death to play out over the sound of Laurie slash Angel coming home. Things quickly go south, screams go mouth, and Michael Myers comes house <laughs> home. While Laurie comforts the dying Danielle Harris, she sends Skate Garth McKinnon off to call 911 slash die alone in the house. Finally, we get to see how a murder would truly happen to a young girl who doesn't expect it, without all that Hollywood horror glitz. At this point, I notice one of the things Michael has daubed on the wall is 666. Might we get a cult nonsense background yet? There's always time. <laughs> As Dourif reacts angrily to Rob Zombie's direction for the scene where he finds his dead daughter, we get real home footage of Daniel Harris, I think, in a different colour palette to the rest of the movie. And then when Brad Dourif starts behaving like someone who isn't Brad Dourif, it gets even sadder. Back to Laurie running and screaming in the dark. Uh, She comes upon a road and tries to get one of the cars to stop. A guy takes super long getting her into the car, forgetting this isn't the shambling Austin Powers Michael Myers from the originals, but the angry Shrek Michael Myers of the Rob Zombie era. He barrels the car down a hill and carries the unconscious Laurie slash Angel to a hut. 
Thank fuck mm. for the next two things in ascending order. One, that a witness saw Myers carry Laurie to a shack, and two, that she didn't try to intervene. Finally, the rest of the world gets London's message. <laughs> so Angel can now talk to Ghost Mum, who's being very Mrs. Voorhees right now. Mm. A police helicopter shows up. I'm reminded of our current Monster of the Week game with fondness and anticipation. But no time for that. Loomis sees the news and turns up at the scene. He wants to help. Uh, he owes them that at least. Oh, that's weird, says Brad Dura. If you hadn't shown any inkling that you still cared or this was anything other than ignorant bravado all along. I know, he replies, but what can you do? <laughs> Off I go to die. Uh, he does by getting crashed through the side of a shack and bashed with a knife out the back, which had to go through the chest first. And Michael Myers removes his mask, revealing a massive beard, which was somehow not visible before. And a face. And a human face. Well, anyway, he's shot comically for a while. And with him down, Laurie pads out like a woman literally possessed, picks up a knife and stands over the body of San L- Sam Loomis. Thankfully, America's finest don't even let her show intent and they shoot her before she can lift the knife. Oh, she's fine, sort of. She's in an enormously long white room, possibly the same storage tanker technically in Egyptian territory from Four Lions. She smiles and looks really a lot like young Michael Myers as her mum, Mrs. Voorhees, leads a white horse towards her. What franchise are we watching again? (laughs) All of which, the uh, last five minutes of which plays out to a sort of sentimental rendition of Love Hurts. Yeah. That uh, does quite a a relatively good job of tricking you into thinking something profound is happening. (laughs) But it's not. It's nonsense. It's just um, not. That was excellent. I think. I think this is better than Halloween 2007. I prefer it to Halloween 2007. Yeah, it has an interesting idea at its core of exploring. I like the idea of a slasher movie solely devoted to how fucked up the survivors of the previous one are. Yes, there's little hints of that in others. You get a bit of it in. I still know what you did last summer. <laughs> Ooh. There's little bits of Jennifer Love Hewitt being really genuinely traumatized by the whole thing, but. For the most part, you usually just move on to the next girl. So it's nice to see a a girl genuinely unraveling as a result of the horrible experience she had. Yes. I think it's all around less obnoxious and more tonally consistent, even if that tone is just bleak, with the exception of the Samuel Loomis bits, which are definitely played for laughs. Yeah. Even being an asshole. (laughs) The the standout down, like the standout Nadir for me was was Charlie and... um the night king in the ambulance just oh when God. i thought oh fuck here we go but the rest of the yeah, film doesn't was like awful. it but no it's it just odd that he includes it and we're, we're so close to the night king's face yeah fuck <laughs> yeah and then when he's di- when he's dying he spends a good minute two minutes just going fuck 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 but yeah like with blood gone, pouring out of his mouth He's got no jaw, really, so he's just going... Ah, 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 Fuck! 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 He's like the guy with no mouth, like face organs from The Mummy. And I think because of the way that Myers then kills him, we're meant to see that his hands are pinned. I think I think it's implied that he can't move any other part of him, so he's just, like, stuck there like that. But, you know, we're too busy being up in his face. Yeah, but... Aside from that, and just the, the really, really awful dispatch of Octavia Spencer. Oh my god! Um, that was yeah, that, that was, was really terrible. That was just I don't know if you can yeah. sample the sound of her spine breaking when she's getting stabbed in the back. <laughs> but other than that, I, I appreciated that there was again sympathetic characters, and when when she complained to Daniel Harris about her um, therapist, who was Pat patronizing her i thought we were going to yeah. get some two-dimensional yeah. con artist and it was going to be a just really trying scene but the therapist was actually really understanding and was giving um what in my experience has been le- mm. legit 
um, advice from therapists. Right. Um, so it it really rang true, and suddenly right. I'm in the middle of this Rob Zombie movie, going, <laughs> okay, what's research? So we're we're in yeah we're in uncharted waters yeah. currently. Well, I mean, um, there's a movie here. There's a movie here of exploring the way in which the characters were affected by the last one, of telling a slower, more somber slasher movie in which we yeah. see the emotional impact of each death, not just Daniel Harris, of making the audience yeah. really genuinely fear for the main characters. There's, that's yeah. definitely a movie you can tell. It doesn't... I mean, slasher movies, they either need to be campy or yeah. very good. <laughs> yeah. Those are your options, because it's easier to be entertaining by being campy. There are pitfalls yeah. there too, as we've seen with you know previous Nightmare on Elm Streets and such. But if you aim for gritty or brutal and you miss, it's not only bad, it's miserable. Yeah. You know, you're trying to make Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but you accidentally make any other movie in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series. Looking forward yeah. to next year. <laughs> oh, fuck, I hate, I hate you and everywhere you came from. Um, yeah, no, it, it's really interesting to have Laurie. The, the performance as well it's a difficult task of portraying someone suffering with mm. ptsd who is in a spiral sure. of self-loathing but also in a rob zombie movie and then <laughs> it's a little over the top <laughs> this movie is not good at being melancholy or profound for the most part it excels at being mean zombie's <laughs> very good at mean yeah. and as a result i just don't think zombie can make the movie that this could have been but I do admire that he tried sometimes, with Always the exception of aspiration. The Night King Pit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thinking about fucking those dead girls. Like those boys <laughs> up in Essex. <laughs> I'm a fucking character. Let's rape a girl in yeah. front of a fucking mental <laughs> a mental health asylum patient. Oh, it's just. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, there were sympathetic characters in there, and it told a story that you could kind of get on board with and. Mm. Uh, not not get on board with, but um, that actually meant something. Um, but mm. at, at the same time, yeah, very over the top in some places, and just the, some of the worst characters. And then suddenly yeah. we're back at this psycho Billy gig where this yeah. awful MC is just showing off oh. the boobs of the two women that are standing <laughs> next to him in front of the crowd. And, oh, fuck and, and and I guess it's a burlesque. It's not even burlesque because burlesque has some sort of pretension to seduction and 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 artistry. Uh, yeah. So. So burlesque isn't just coming on and being like, "Look at my tits, everyone." It's a sort <laughs> of ah, you want you want to see them, but they're they're not visible right now. It's it's oh. very, you know yeah, it's the tease, uh, it's the tease. Yeah. It has to um, it has yeah. to be like that. But you know, it was this is a guy with mutton chops mm. going. These are some tits. Look at them. <laughs> if you want to make a movie where the murders are brutal and not fun, then it needs to be the case that. It's fair enough because, you know, to say that violence should not be palatable is a perfectly valid response. To say that mm. you shouldn't be able to enjoy these gore scenes, you know, with your mates around, you know, mm. having pizza and such. That's great. The problem is they're still gratuitous. Yeah. They're still He's still killing a lot of people with no asking. You know, what about the guy who ran the bar was asking audiences to sympathize with him before he got murdered? Yeah. <laughs> he just yeah. yelled at people. And was a prick to his employees. What were we meant to be like? Uh, and apparently, a weird detail there. He was dressed as Frankenstein earlier in the movie. And a bunch of kids were like laughing at him. Yeah. And I put that down as a good thing. And then later, okay. in Laurie's psychology um, session, she says that the guy was saying perverted things to the kids. Ah. But 
in a good I, way. There's this really crazy um, Frankenstein, and he was like yelling at the kids, and he was yelling at them like perverted things and stuff, and I really, and I really thought it was funny, and, and I stopped and watched it, and then I, I saw, I saw this um. And there's like this farm, Lori. and this lady with me hold the pig. What are you feeling and, right now, Lori? The pig really liked me. She, she said that the pig Lori. liked me, and I wanted to take Sit it. Sit down, home. Lori. I, d I, d I didn't remember specifically what she reported him as saying. A because she called him Frankenstein, and B because uh, it's Frankenstein's monster, and B because she was talking <laughs> about a pig that she saw, and I and yeah. I couldn't get over the the pig that she'd mentioned that she adored. <laughs> yeah um, very strange but she relates whilst crying it's a a, a very big performance from, yeah, um oh i don't know her name pretty vampire's kiss yeah <laughs> um but but meant to be serious it's yeah like it's vampire's a... kiss <laughs> or is it yes consult her episode i don't know it's the uh, best film ever <laughs> but what did you make of all the weird sort of hodorowski-esque um imagery like the the, the fact that the mum and the younger version of himself keep appearing as ghostly images and the white horse and such. Um, Do you feel you saw into Mike Myers' head and got an idea of his motivation? No, I felt like I was watching a Rob Zombie movie. <laughs> um, it, because I, it, it's hard to... When something happens, you don't know whether it was intentional or if they're trying to make mm. a point by doing this or if it's just it's like tr just being weird to try and... Bamboozle everyone. Feel deep, yeah. I mean, it's this idea that Myers aspires to family. That's what he wants. He wants family. And he can't have it because of who he is, but he doesn't understand that. Because he, he's got mm. all this rage. But I don't know. I just thought... I, I, I don't want to say that any sort of sequel or remake has any kind of obligation to its original. Because it doesn't. It entirely... Yeah. This is a good approach. You know, something completely new. That aspect of it is a good approach. The rest is not. But, um, but <laughs> yeah. he works better in Carpenter's version. He works better as just... yeah. A shape, a horrible shape, and it's more about the heroes, and it's more about Loomis. You know, he he is a monster created by the society they live in, one that cannot mm. be understood. He's just a shape that moves through. As soon as you try and make yeah. him a person, you know, as soon as you try to yeah. make the unknowable knowable, you not only detract from it, but you kind of just show it up for inadequacy, because. Yeah. You, you can't relate to the idea that you'd want to be with your sister you've never met before so bad that you're willing to kill literally everyone. It just doesn't ring true. Yeah, it <laughs> it it doesn't track for me with his actions at the very beginning. Um, yeah. And if he does kill most of his family, then then you need to maybe focus on the the guilt of that and him struggling with that. But it wasn't mm. very obvious. So then we're back to this discussion we had with the previous movie of. Mm. Um, you could have done it about anyone. It wouldn't, didn't have to be Michael Myers. Yeah. You could have just done a move, two-part uh, movie about a serial killer who was similarly frightening. So aside from the names, aside from the names yeah. of the mask, does this have anything in common with a Halloween movie? Other than being a slasher film? I guess not. Oh, you're fundamentally changing who Michael Myers is. And again, that's yeah. fine. But mm -hmm. um, it, it's, it feels like it's changed. So I mean, you know, how much of the original Michael Myers can you replace before it no mm. longer is trigger's broom <laughs> a ship of yeah <laughs> yeah a ship of michael myers because halloween was ultimately about fear and it's about fear of the unknowable really yeah so and, and once you remove that quintessential aspect you really are just dealing with a hollow mask all right well this film had a making of documentary that was only 20 minutes long that's four <laughs> hours shorter than the last one be shorter than our discussion about the last one 
<laughs> Thank you, Robert Zombies. Um, <laughs> I only have three points. Um, it is interesting to see that Zombie does interact with the actors and is open to improvisation and their input. I just, I just wish he could get on their wavelengths rather than vice versa. <laughs> Everyone's very me. good at thinking like Robert Zombie. What if I called her a dyke in this scene? Would that, <laughs> that would be in keeping with this vision you've got going on, wouldn't it? <laughs> Sounds fucking awesome. Zombie just seems to spend a lot of time swearing and mumbling and just generally looking unhappy to be on set. <laughs> Except with Malcolm McDowell and the kid actor who played young Michael Myers. Then he's, he's quite uh, fun. True <laughs> he's got to keep those two entertained. Fucking hate people. Yeah. Well, now there's, now there's no Rudo Kier for Michael McDowell to pick on. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta, you got to find someone. Yeah. What are you going to do? Find a German on the street in America? I don't think so. I don't think so. Not in my country. All right, that's it. That's all I got from it. Ah, <laughs> oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, good, like A for effort. <laughs> to me or Robert Zombie? Oh, both, my friend. Uh, fantastic. You did great. As good as each other. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, I didn't prepare this at all, so let's see how well I can improvise. Best kill? The face stomp. Yeah, man, yeah. that's pretty gross, right? It was it was awful. And then having his sort of giblity face hanging from the neon lights of the strip club was, <laughs> was also confronting and gross. Do you know what? That was really good, actually. Yeah, when, they, when he strung up the guy with the mushed up face, and it's just, you cut back to it several times. It's, um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty unpleasant. <laughs> So well done there. Well done there. Mr. All right, I'll go with the only death that they actually bothered to develop and the only one that really affected me. Of course I'm unhappy to see little Daniel Harris murdered. Yeah. You know, she's a little ray of light and she has some interesting stuff going on here because she was in this awkward position of having these, you know, facial scars. The problem is there's no... Zombie can't write a three-dimensional character. A two-dimensional character. It's just her thing is she's pissed because she has to look after her friend but her friend has too much of her own stuff going on to realize that she's hurting too. Yeah. And so she pretty much says as much. Yeah. The first time we see her, you know, I've got stuff going on too. Yeah. You know, there's no sense of her trying to take care of Laurie and then gradually getting more and more frustrated with her. Yeah. It's just, it's right there from the start. So maybe these characters have changed since the last movie, but they don't change during the movie, at least not convincingly in the case of Malcolm McDowell. No. But, um, yeah. Uh, what's the name? Daniel Harris's death, very, very upsetting, especially when combined with um, Brad Duras's reaction. Yeah. One other thing, so I like the way it cuts when they, it cuts between them finding her body mm. with the murder happening, and that was yeah. quite impactful as well. Yeah. It, going on to Favourite Camper, I, I had Brad yeah. Duras or Daniel Harris. Yeah. Um, <laughs> really like them both in, in this, um, even when they're just, their conversations require them to zom, zom, rob zombily, fly off the handle at the slightest provocation yeah um the two of them are actually yeah. really sweet together i guess maybe they've been in a couple of films together now so they've developed some sort of chemistry <laughs> yeah they're a couple of mo- a few quite a few moments in there and we'll get on to that get onto it in quickfire mm. where um yeah, i actually just really enjoy seeing them on screen together <laughs> i have two options here i've got buddy the night manager the night watchman buddy. which i like because he introduces himself as buddy the yeah. night watchman Fuck. and then i like Fuck, you're gonna die yeah you're definitely gonna die i work here my name is Buddy. Okay, it's going to be no, fine. No, Listen, no, I, I've, I've got to get no, you back. Just let me go get my car, okay? Just- and then I like her crying out for Buddy um, <laughs> after he's gone because it's just, he's, she's just met him. And I just like that she she memorized the name and now really wants Buddy to come back. Oh. And he seemed nice. He was a nice guy. Um, nice. And the other one, I found the, cl- the trick. 
the trick to making Robert Zombie um, dialogue palatable. He's got to be an obvious nerd. Wolfman, the man who um, seduces the, um, I can't remember what you called her, uh, the, uh, the other friend. Um, oh, the one who isn't Coyote Garth. not ugly. That's it, Coyote not ugly. Um, the Wolfman who <laughs> seduces her and takes her back to his van is this really yeah. short guy with a really nerdy voice. And so when he's talking yeah. about all the pussy he gets in his van, it's just kind of cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're going to like my van. No, I promise. You got a fucking van. Yeah, I got a van. It's got some drinks in there. They're roofy free, I swear. He's got a real Michael Sarah quality, isn't he? Yeah, it's like Aww. Michael Sarah when he shows up in Twin Peaks: The Return. It's like a James Dean style biker <laughs> guy. It's just it makes it really charming. Aww, aww, he gets no. so much pussy. I did, I did, I did like him actually. Oh, okay, okay like... best scare. <sighs> I mean, yeah, again, scare. It's sim- similar to the last one. I'm just gonna have to translate that as something that made me feel really bad. Okay, and <laughs> actually, um, Garth, Kate McKinnon her death she was just she was knocked down by michael myers and she just started to cry really quietly oh, before she was killed yeah. and there was there's yeah. no you know no screams or or, or mm. horror it was just it just really real moment of somebody realizing that she's gonna die and can't do anything about it and so she yeah. just breaks down in tears when michael myers and brutalizes her um oh, god yeah <laughs> just just really confronting stuff yeah, <laughs> really horrible. Yeah. I'll go for something that approaches traditional Halloween imagery, which is that Michael Myers returning home slowly, traveling across country, across the fields and the cold winter mist. And yeah. there's some well-lit mist in here. And mm. just the idea that he's just out there wandering around at one stage, encountering a, a truck full of rednecks who like to go <laughs> around beating up people who aren't, ain't from around here. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, fuck, fuck this movie. But that was quite interesting idea of this mat this absolute menace just casually walking home okay well there was going to be a third one called halloween 3d um but zombie withdrew and bob and harvey weinstein decided to greenlight and prioritize scream 4 instead can you imagine a fucking robert zombie movie in 3d oh it already it already feels like that it doesn't need (laughs) any extra dimension smell We got Scream 4 instead. That's a fair trade, I think. That was fun. That was I nice f- and meta. I don't remember feeling physically dirty during that, so... No. Paul, the next time that we watch an entry from the Halloween franchise, it will have a Rotten Tomato score of 79%. I just wanted to offer you that light at the end of the shitty remake tunnel we're halfway through. Oh, God. In it, like, this... It's... it's mm. This is risky now because we're going for we're going for sincerely good, and if it doesn't chime, if it doesn't resonate with me, I know, right? It's going to be sincerely <laughs> bad. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, we've got two more shitty remakes first. Oh, good. Um, yeah, and then we'll have something good. So I guess let's get back down this hole. Right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back first. Okay. In the hopes that this avoids me landing on my balls. Okay. Just tuck him in. <laughs> What Paul didn't realise was that the head is furthest away from the balls. So down I go. I turn around the dog get in the tunnel. Which which oh. which Friday the thirteenth are you from? I tried to scream through my primal instincts instead. <laughs> see if it helped. It did actually, I feel fine. Oh great. Try the next I feel like we haven't done twelve of these. You only do it once a year though, that's the trick. <laughs> What's the ages powering my cantrips? Are you taking times out of the time tunnel? Are you diving out and spending the odd year in 2012 in order to cool off between these? 
mate, I spent sixty years in the <laughs> in the time within a time within a time. Shit. It was it was me and Marion Cotillard. <laughs> She, she hated me though. She she went off and did her own train thing. <laughs> oh wait, are you just? I'd rather actually rather not fucking talk about it, mate. <laughs> are you are you putting your head on the railroad tracks because you think it's a dream? I don't care if it's a dream. <laughs> <laughs> are you think you're gonna wake up there, Marion? Marion. Well, you're still here though, trapped for infinity, reviewing terrible slasher movie remakes with me, Paul. God, I wish I'd never said yes. <laughs> now. <laughs> I'm sweaty and irritable, so I think it's June. <laughs> so, Michael Bay's production company, Platinum Dunes, started this all off with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake in 2004. Yeah. And then, in the late noughties, those same fuckers were convinced by New Line Cinema's Toby Emmerich to finally sort out the mindfuck of copyright right, copyright rights. Rights. <laughs> the, the rights of copy in order to make a Friday the 13th remake at long last. Oh, wow. At long last. <laughs> so they got the guys who wrote Freddy vs. Jason. Incidentally, went on to write Baywatch 2017, so top tier. Um, it was directed by Marcus uh, Nispel, who directed the remake of The Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the Conan the Barbarian movie one year after this. Wow. Did we see that together? No. Oh, fuck, it must have just been Xavier then. I remember seeing it with someone who was really unhappy. I, I would have been, so I understand That's the usually confusion. You. <laughs> uh, more crucially, he direct the guy directed the music video for Ronan Keating's Life as a Roller Coaster. Oh, good. There's, there's a talent. There's a safe pair of horror hands. <laughs> so, let's talk about this roller coaster. Go on, then. We get the production logos, but in blood red. Ooh, Whoa. creepy. Yeah. In association with Michael Bay, prepare for quality. <laughs> creepy. <laughs> Definitely. So we have a short prologue back in 1980, because this movie could have been a sequel, it chose not to be. Uh, we get a Betsy Palmer impersonator chasing a woman around, um, only to get a loaf cut off. Yeah. You know, you remember the, the first one. It was about 12 movies ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. better than that, though, because there's dramatic flashes of light. Ooh, intense. Like Robert Zombie. <laughs> uh, let's meet our campers. Henry Oak. Enjoy that reference, nerds. <laughs> uh, sexual Lady. Bandana Dan. <laughs> Our main character, prob- uh, probably, Kate Mara, and her boyfriend, Bodie. <laughs> so, you're not given quite enough time to wonder why the fuck these people would ever hang out together before they decide to separate. Will this mean that the Michael Bay quality dialogue finishes? No, they will literally talk to themselves if need be. <laughs> There's no escape. Uh, Henry Oak finds a bunch of marijuana, and uh, <laughs> consequently it's time for the first Jason kill. Yeah. Oh boy, lots of work here to assure the audience they're in a safe pair of hands, make a strong impression. Ah, oh, bloodless cut to black. Edgy. <laughs> Oof, it's not what you were expecting. Oh god, that's scary. the last thing I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, you see, you're anticipating the violence, and we're going to surprise you by giving you surprisingly little. Kate Mara and Bodie find Jason's house. And they find an old piano. Mm. Wow, it's like it was dragged here from another century, he says, unfamiliar with the concept of things getting old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it's not a concept he's going to have much use for in the long run. <laughs> True. He saw Stonehenge in his short life. <laughs> Who dragged us here from another age? <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't understand Stonehenge. <laughs> sexual lady is sexualizing Bandana Dan. Um, but oh no, weird mm. noises outside. In the woods of all places. So BD is sent out to investigate, but finds marriage one. So it's time for him to die. Um, who says yeah. that these movies sermonize? Oh, well, <laughs> at least we can see Henry Oak's body. That could be gross. Oh, he died from having his ear cut off. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Ah! <laughs> I mean, oh! <laughs> uh, 
A sexual lady is dangled over a fire whilst BD steps in an immaculately well-placed bear trap. You didn't see, but there were like 12 of them out there, and he, he trodden two himself. It did old Jason. It was very embarrassing. Uh, back at the creepy-ass house, Kate Mara wants to leave, but Bodie has no time for that. Not whilst there's re- evidence of recent activity to be fired about. Hey, look, a hole in the wall. Stick my hand in there. <laughs> Suddenly, Bodie dies. Oh, uh, Kate Mara has a bit of a race-a-thon, finding all her dead friends, falling over a few times. You know the drill. Yeah, yeah. But then she gets chastened, and it's shaping up for this film to be a tight 20 minutes. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, there's the title. End of movie. Oh. Uh, uh oh. Um... Yeah. Thanks, Michael Bay. <laughs> In your own way. They saw Robert Zombies. <laughs> Halloween 2. And thought, oh, we can oh, do that. shit, that is what that is, isn't it? Yeah. It's the same year, in fact. In fact, I think this might have been slightly pre-Halloween 2, but I grouped them together because I just wanted to get it off like a fucking gross septic band-aid. <laughs> it's better that way. spread this out. All right, we get a new bunch of kids. We get Zac Efron, Zac Efling. We get Harmony, Charity, Troy and Arbed, and a replacement <laughs> Kate Mara. Uh, they are going to stay in Zac Efron's apartment. He does not want them there, nor does he like any of them. <laughs> but he's great. <laughs> but he's such a great guy is the thing. Uh, we also have a fucking guy with the long dark hair and darker past who rides a <laughs> motorbike and is in trouble with the law and the man. Yeah, man. He's kind of broody. So I'm going to call him Draven. <laughs> Draven is here looking for Kate Mara One, who was his sister. He was. Yeah. Um, time for us to start hating these characters because it's a naughty slasher movie. Zac Efron does some great a assholery. Hey, are you gonna are you gonna buy something? I mean, you you've been up here for for quite a while yapping, so. Um, sure. Yeah. Thanks. Guess I'm an asshole. You okay, bro? Everything good? Yeah, everything's fine. Thanks. But I'm not your bro. So you you don't want to be friends after this? You don't want to hang out? Not it's not me. This guy's being a dick. Yeah, it's me. Obviously, I'm the one being a dick. Which it seems to upset Kate Mara too. In this shot, in the next shot, she's fine again. Yeah, fickle editing. <laughs> so, guys, have you, have you ever noticed that I can take something from the beginning of the movie and put it in the middle of the movie? <laughs> yeah. Why would you do that? I know. <laughs> so they all go to the house, um, and they use some frat boy bullshit, which passes for character development. You've seen Michael Bay films. I have. Draven meets two creepy locals, Marge and Cletus. It's been a long time, Gina. Remember when you took my virginity? You're sexy. You're still tight as ever. I'm gonna fucking pound you so hard. More them later, maybe. <laughs> uh, Zach, Fling, and Harmony decide to go off to have some sex. Yes. Efron tells Fling not to have, not to drive his boat. So I guess they're gonna die in a boat. Great. <laughs> off we go, everyone, to die in a boat. <laughs> We're all going to die in a boat. <laughs> Draven shows up and does the um, ambitious get a sentence into your line before looking to see who actually answered the door move. It works good. Uh, he has more confrontation with Zac Efron, and then uh, Draven and Mara too <laughs> go off together. Yeah. Uh, but don't worry about Zac Efron. Charity is really into his whole asshole energy. So, hey, where's Jason? Get <laughs> all this. Sometimes you just where's miss that him. Scamp? Sometimes you just wanted to fucking show up, you know? Yeah. Um, but he Watch does, and he murders Cletus, remember him? <laughs> yeah. That needed resolving, and now it is. What about Marge? Sequel bait. <laughs> uh, Cletus's death was unpleasant, but in a Michael Bay way, not in a fun yeah. way. Also, marijuana. Marijuana. Yes, that's true. Actually, he was doing. He that. sells it. Yeah. Anyway, he sells it, and he is it. Therefore, death. Uh, Jason finds his iconic hockey mask, and I think about Shelley and how much I like the old films. <laughs> that was a nice moment. Shelley. Shelley, get out of here. <laughs> oh, come back. Uh, Zach, Effling, and Harmony die on or around a boat. Great. Yeah. Uh, don't worry. Don't worry. We got to see Harmony's boobs first. Definitely did. 
So I don't, I don't want the people out there to think that that didn't happen. <laughs> As she was dying, really hot. It's, I loved it. It's hotter when. <laughs> it's hotter the closer you can get it to the point of death. In a, in a concept the French have yet to find a name for. But, <laughs> but they're trying. Day. They've got experts on the job. <laughs> Putting it together quicker than Notre Dame. <laughs> Come on. We'll be the laughing stock. <laughs> of the pervy community. <laughs> Society. Society pervy. So, hey, did you feel like we rushed through the whole two characters we barely know or like, slowly exploring a cliched, spooky environment? Well, Draven and Mara 2 find the camp. Remember? When the movies are set here, fuckers. Anyway. I do. (laughs) Anyway, they see Jason and so horror sequence their way back to the house. Yeah. But, oh shit, Mara 1 is still alive. Jason is keeping her chained to a mattress. Classic Jason. Oh, I see. (laughs) Wearing his mother's pendant protects you from him. I see. Excellent. That makes him scarier. (laughs) Good, good thing we know that. Japeson. Finally, we cut away from the grim basement. And no, psych. We get one brief shot outside and then we go back to the grimy basement. And Mara 2 finds the GPS device from earlier. Is that going to be the key to salvation? No. Um, <laughs> she picks the lock and runs through Jason's body pantry to freedom. Take that, Chekhov. Con. <laughs> now, who produced this again? Let's see. Uh, we've got a gratuitously lit and shot girl dancing around in her tight jean shorts while shit rock music plays and two comic release stoners creep on her. I remember. <laughs> That's right. Um, Arbed. Oh, yes. oh, do you know what? Once they're not hanging out together as a pair, the racial aspect of those names takes on a bit more significance. Mm. Okay, Crispin Glover goes <laughs> off to find tools to fix a chair that he broke. Um, and he's fairly charming before he gets murdered. Uh, mm-hmm. But I couldn't remember how he had died moments after it had happened. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I remember the lead up, the 78 minute lead up. Yep. yep. I don't remember what actually happened to him. We yep. probably didn't see it. Zach Efron and Charity go off to participate in the only actually erotic nude scene of the film. Ooh. If only Efron would stop fucking talking. The kids are stupendous. The kids are fucking just. I know. So juicy, dude. You got perfect nipple placement, baby. <laughs> If only. If only. It's fine. You can mute it. Mara 2 and Draven arrive <laughs> home and call the police. Uh, Draven gets on the phone and is like, I'm at a house on Crystal Lake. Yeah, that's the one. What did the other guy on the other's that phone say? Oh, what, the asshole's house? <laughs> yeah, that's the one. The only one with a phone? <laughs> the only one that's not manned by Cletus? <laughs> Troy decides to go after Arbit. It's fine when they're in relation to each other, I think. But um, he gets axed in the back and then CGI'd through the front. Yeah. <laughs> Tragedy. Jason kills Charity with um, horror cliches and some editing. It's very effective. Uh, Sheriff No One shows up but gets killed immediately. <laughs> he gets stabbed through the head and door. Ooh. Ooh. Hilariously, Zac Efron still has problems with Draven. They just yeah. want to avoid any sense of nuance here. And then Efron is killed by a spiky truck. Yeah. Also Jason. Uh, that just leaves Mara 2 and Draven. And it's time for another slow wander about. At the end of which, they find Mara 1. Maradox. <laughs> Fuck. Oh no. <laughs> that can't stand. So, uh, and surprisingly, it's Mara 2 they kill off. Marigan. the fact we spent more time with her. Yeah. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> they end up in a barn, um, and Draven, <laughs> Draven stands dramatically in front of a window. What's going to happen now? Draven crawls under the window. Take that, expectations. Yeah, fuck uh, no, you. He jumps over. He jumps for it. Um, a wheat fresher gets turned on, and I get all excited, but look, even if it did happen, you know you wouldn't actually see any of it. Gotta, get, yeah. gotta let the kids in to see this. Gotta expand that market. <laughs> Eventually, Jason gets his head cut up a little bit, and clearly the day is saved. <laughs> Ignoring all of their dead friends and love interests, they give Jason a proper sea burial. <laughs> Yay! But oh no, he jumps over the docks like Flipper and gives everyone a little fright. 
and then the end credit music plays. And I remember reading somewhere that Michael Bay regular Stephen Jablonski, who did the music for this, said he was going to try and update Henry Manfredi's score whilst maintaining its original character. Bad job. Mm. Didn't do that. Damn. <laughs> Whoops. So, how do you find this one? Look, I liked aspects of the soundtrack. Definitely. And oh, that's we, good. We'll, we'll get on that in the, in the quickfire. Um, I <laughs> guess you've, you've just got to in look October. at it as... Not a Harry Harry Manfredi, Harry Houdini purist. You just gotta <laughs> You gotta you take it gotta out of that context. Go, hey, sick beats, yo. But um <laughs> Love those beats when the kids are getting killed. Do, do you know what? Um yeah? here's my hot take. Uh <gasps> first twenty minutes, I thought, ooh, if uh, we stay with these characters, this might be my favourite Friday the thirteenth. I really what liked the fuck? I really liked the campers. I oh really liked God. the campers. They were so you sweet. Sweet oh. Yeah. How's that beer treating you, beer snob? Better than my own piss. You can drink that, by the way. Yours, what? hers, hers, mine, your I swear to God, it's piss is sterile. For the record, you will never drink my piss. That's what okay. you think. Is that, what about me? <laughs> where are you guys going? Go make out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, Mikey. Sweet. Wear a condom. An extra small one. The, they, they were ribbing each other, but it wasn't like, oh, you're fucking homo. And it wasn't like... <laughs> oh, God, you know what's happened is Rob Zombie's broken you. <laughs> They they were you <laughs> set a new normal. They they were sweet and I found them amusing and that's okay. like I I'm not I, I'm not like a horror I'm not a horror aficionado I'm sure. not a purist so like if if I really love the campers <laughs> oh, that's God. almost that's almost enough but it turns out that the scares were crap and um, yeah which would have probably you know which would have obviously put the original uh, Friday yeah. the Thirteenth in first place because it is genuinely good yeah but yeah they they killed off those guys um mm. and it was just jock city it was it was yeah, just stone- they, they got they they doubled down two stoners yeah two stoners <laughs> it, one is too much having so not the right energy i mean it's realistic in that you feel there's a latent homoeroticism that's also shunned at the exact same time <laughs> but it's also just i fucking hate movie characters like this it, yeah it's just like, oh bro <laughs> it, it, it was Ugh. just frustrating from from the 20 minute mark onward yeah but i i, I liked i liked draven because he was um fairly normal yeah um yeah i'd say so and i liked i liked jenna yeah as well um who was Is that main... mara too yeah. um the second protagonist yeah, yeah. And, they're, and they're very very sweet together <laughs> but yeah it... i only remember them slowly wandering around deserted places together <laughs> i don't remember them saying anything to each other that wasn't hey let's go look over here oh there's a couple of nice moments and uh i'll get to them in the quick fire in 18 months but yeah no there's a, there's a couple, couple of really nice moments i think okay. and like so it's it's weird it's like mm. watching halloween and halloween 2 and going okay mm. rob zombie you know how to write sympathetic characters the fact you that you choose, choose not, not to, to and yeah. just fill it with richard Brake going fuck yeah fuck i'm gonna yeah. fuck a dead chick it, it, it shows where your priorities lay yeah. and again in 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 this you could write sweet characters that I was really on board with. And mm. even on, later in the movie, when I was hating, mo- uh, disliking most of it, I still mm. really liked a couple of characters. Wow. But you insist on writing these characters who who smoke bongs and make yeah. and make weed jokes. And you've got, yeah, the asshole jock. And there's no, there's just no resolution for any of them, really. And then they all, yeah. when they all die, it just feels so meaningless. And the, the mm. jump scare at the end, I even forgot. I wasn't expecting it because it just felt so pointless to have it. It was just a little at the end. Yeah. Uh, see, you got your scares, kids. What do you mean you want your money back? <laughs> it ended up being disappointing. 
and even more so because I liked the first 15, 20 minutes. I, I got nothing out of any of these characters, really. There were a couple of character yeah. moments I quite liked, but it never constituted or added up to a whole character I liked. Um, just yeah. certainly compared to the original movies where there would always just be some... First of all, the kids would all look like people as opposed to fucking, I don't know, people from Michael Bay and his friends' yoga sessions or something. Just... People from fucking yeah. magazine models. It's just, they would look like actual kids that you'd know. And there'd be character types that you could recognize and kind of like. In this, I just, you know, I'm trying to pick out character moments. And I think I liked when when the guy realizes that two of his friends want to have sex and he just kind of goes off with a smile. That was nice. Yeah. Um, and maybe when Cara, uh, Mara Wilson won and yeah. um, her boyfriend, they had a, a thing, I think. That's kind yeah, of they had a little yeah. chat because her mum's sick. Yeah, um, that's right. And yeah. She didn't want to be there. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like it's not hard to do this right. The Friday the Thirteenth mm. thing. You just have some good, charming characters that the audience can relate to and not hate. Put them mm. in a kind of kitscherel setting. Don't make it overtly creepy. You know, it's, yeah. woods are creepy enough on their own. Kill some of them in an inventive and visceral way that forces the audience to empathize with the victim and not the killer. Yeah. And then end the movie with a tense chase where our main character outwits the killer's brawn. And this movie yeah. managed to do a worse version of each individual part of that. I was fairly bored and quite irritated by a lot of it. It's less yeah. oppressively awful than Rob Zombie's Halloween's, but also less inventive. So you've got a lazy yeah. mis- versus misguided situation here. Which one would you prefer in your cosmetic surgeon? Yeah. <laughs> but ha- having said that, you know, everything after the, the original Friday the 13th, Right. I'm pretty sure my main issue with each of them was it's the same film and I don't like the campers as much as I did in the first one. <laughs> Even if you've Some got Crispin you Glover. Do. I like Crispin Glover and I you know, yeah. I like the odd one, just like I like the odd one in this one, but for the sure. most part it's the same archetypes over yeah. and over again. I always uh, yeah, so, archetypes, but they were archetypes of I don't know, likable kids as opposed to the asshole archetype. The girl who the home wrecker yeah. archetype. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um yeah. But we didn't really get into archetypes with the the original posse for for this mm. new movie. The ones were in the first twenty minutes. They were just some of them were interested in weed. Um, yeah. But but for the most part, they were just nice and understanding. And when they even when they were taking the piss out of each other, it was just gentle ribbing. And, and I'd like to think that maybe if they'd have been there for the whole movie, we could have gotten a character moment out of each of them that would have <laughs> let them. Be archetypes, it's, but, it's probably but the major idea. failing of this movie is just killing those guys off and and, and mm. insisting on being with yeah the standard <laughs> like hateful people that you get in, yeah. in modern horror. People you're encouraged to be irritated at, yeah, yeah. It's very frustrating. Ultimately, I found this to be quite a miss. It didn't deliver on what I would hope the, sh- the Friday experience would be, and it has that unpleasant feeling of being kind of sadistic, just in as much as yeah. you're meant to be watching this being like, you go on, Jason, kill him. And part yeah. of that will come to in the production. Um, should we go through that a little bit? Yes, please. Okay, here's some stuff I got for the unnecessarily detailed Wikipedia article for the film. <laughs> uh, Jason is played by Derek Mears, uh, who played Kick Puncher in Community, <laughs> which is quite fun. And he also did stunts mm. in Wild Wild West. Was he the big fella? Uh, he was the that Jason. fought Will Smith. Oh, maybe. I was going to say he was Jason. I thought you would lose track of him in this. <laughs> big uh, fella hockey mask. <laughs> oh, yeah, him. He was good. I liked him. <laughs> he was one of the relatable teens. Um, they had Wild a big Wild chap West. fight Will Smith, didn't they, when he had the, um, the, maybe. the shoe knife? Yeah, the one who died inexplicably of electricity, maybe. Yeah. Could have been a younger man. Mm. Maybe he played some of the kid stunts. <laughs> <laughs> Those sick kid stunts. <laughs> 
kids get flung out the window. <laughs> Chelsea, who I think I called Harmony. Her yeah. death when um the guy who drives the boat is killed. Yeah. Her death was just going to be that she's in the lake, sees Jason on the shore, um tries to keep swimming down da- swimming downstream so she can try and get to shore, but yeah. Jason just keeps walking calmly alongside her. Oh. And then eventually she just drowns from oh. exhaustion, which is creepy. It yeah. does beg the question, couldn't she have swum to the other side of the lake? <laughs> Jason would have been, oh, oh fuck, no, no. <laughs> Have <you> run, <laughs> run around. Actually, he could maybe have done that. If it wasn't a very big lake, you probably could walk around it quicker than you could swim across yeah. it. Maybe. I don't know how science works. Somebody test nah. it. Somebody kill a chick this way. Her death, her death though, was just, yeah. Knife in the head. It, seemed, yeah. it was cruel, and she stabbed yeah. in the... I like the whole knowing she's going to die was fairly creepy, but um, yeah. then she, yeah, she stabbed in the head and then like brought out of the water so we can see her boobs before she yeah. dies. Hey, it was cruel on behalf of Jason and the filmmakers. That's what I like. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, this is interesting. Writer, writer Derek Mears said in an interview with Movie Web, uh-huh. um, he said, Jason has been wronged. People come in, he fights back, and it is brutal. But you wonder... You understand him. You know why he is doing this. You have a lot of sympathy for the character. I don't look at him as a villain. He has been wronged. Meanwhile, producer and Michael Bay protege Brad Fuller said in an interview, apparently with Suicide Girls, we do not want him to be sympathetic. Jason is not a comedic character. He is not sympathetic. He's a killing machine, plain and simple. I love that clarity of vision. He's really got on this. I would say that the latter there was would be most faithful yeah. to the to the original, and also just probably the audience experience. I don't quite yeah. know what the point is if the villain is sympathetic. I don't know what the audience gets out of that. The exact same issue with the Rob Zombies. It's like let's try doing this. Why? No one Hasn't, else has done it. Yeah, exactly. There's a reason. <laughs> yeah, it's something something not being done. I'm sure that I'm sure it does technically make it original, but original usually <laughs> has connotation like positive con- connotations. <laughs> It's definitely original. It was, oh, it's very original. <laughs> Enough of Wikipedia. There's a horse's mouth to inspect. So here's what I got from the last installment of Crystal Lake Memories. Thank fuck. I've watched all five and a half hours of it now. Mania. <laughs> it was kind of good. It was more entertaining than some of the films. <laughs> Two months after the box office smash of Freddy vs. Jason, another horror icon was given a new lease on life. With 2003's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This time, it was neither a sequel nor a crossover that left audiences screaming. It was a remake. If the mother of all slasher films was no longer sacred, then a remake of Friday the 13th seemed inevitable. Brad Fuller, the aforementioned Bay protege. He just looks like the jock from one of these shitty remakes, is the thing. (laughs) He just looks like the fucking Zac Efron character, but he has much to say. The writing team said that this film was made in response to the, um, the reception of Friday Freddy versus Friday versus Jason. Yep, <laughs> that's what the first one should have been called. Rebecca Black's Freddy Friday. versus Jason. They said it should be less goofy, harder edge, and also, I guess, less entertaining as a result. Yeah. People found yeah. the last one too fun. <laughs> um, there is quite a fun moment in the uh, documentary where everyone involved describes it as something different: a remake, a retelling, a mashup, and mm. then the director comes in to throw in the word potpourri. <laughs> okay. Yes. Mean, maybe he meant yes. pop- popery. <laughs> He's got anti-papal this sentiment. Mo- this movie is laden with anti-Catholic sentiment, guys. <laughs> Please be aware if you're going to watch this. That's a trigger warning. We That's a trigger warning. There's my <laughs> new catchphrase. The whole thing was shot in Texas, which is weird, but somehow explains a lot. Was it when, when did he make Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Was it the same year? No, it was five uh, five years prior. Maths. Yeah, five years prior. 
Oh, okay. He just bought a house there and... Uh... <laughs> he just set up shop there. Yeah. And made... And he insisted Ronan Keating come to him. <laughs> On this roller coaster I've built. Oh, you just got to ride it. Speaking <laughs> of just riding it, Jason actor Derek Mears. Didn't I describe Derek Mears as a writer? Writer, right yes. Yeah, I did. Fantastic. Well, whoever played Jason, fuck, whose name I chose not to write down. What the fuck? Okay, what did I get wrong? Maybe um, Which? Maybe because... he's also a writer. He writes angry beat poetry. Okay, the writer is... Screenplay by Damien Shannon and Mark Swift. So it's one of those two. And Mears is the guy who played Jason. Fuck. Okay. That's confusing. Okay, so it was one of those guys who gave the interview to Not the Suicide Girls. Jason actor Derek Mears describes his own experience of discrimination as a child as a result of his alopecia, which made his hair come out in patches. Ah. And uh, he explains this in very sensitive terms and about how it allowed him to empathize with the character of young Jason. Whilst the documentary very sensitively cut to pictures of the hideously deformed Jason boy they had made for the film <laughs> as he's telling this story about his own experience of alopecia. As if no. to illustrate how Mears maybe thought of himself. Now that's sensitive. <laughs> that's great, thanks. <laughs> cut back to Brad Filler. Yeah, apparently he was a freak when he was young, so uh, I think that was really valuable for him. Just um, like, imagine Derry Mears watching this in the production room. Like, we're just showing everyone before it goes out and then it cuts to this bit. And then it cuts to the producers just staring at Derek Mears, like massive grins. (laughs) Yeah? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was like that. That's what it was like. I guess (laughs) it was kind of like that. Um, Apparently Mears was the nicest guy, but I love how everyone feels the need to point that out in contrast with the Jason character. Like, oh, he was so different from that deranged sociopathic killer he plays. Why can't I be judged on those terms? (laughs) I come off pretty well in that spectrum. Ah, oh, you just got to earn it, mate. <laughs> I've just got to create the idea that I might be. And people will be like, oh, wow. <laughs> ah. Thanks for not murdering me immediately. See but this rusty... Okay. <laughs> See this rusty knife? I'm going to end you with it. Oh, not really, not really, not really. <laughs> See oh, this rusty yeah. fucking knife? I'm going to cut this cake I made for you. <laughs> Jock producer Brad Fuller says, He noticed there was a lot of nudity in the original movies, and for some reason that went away, so it was important to bring back the nudity. It was important. It was important. They lost an actress over the required nude scenes, so maybe that gives them some clue. Oh, really? But I will say that Juliana Gwill's nude scene it made an impression on me when I first saw it. Yeah. Is it this, is this the lady with the stupendous breasts? Yes. Is that yeah. the word he used? Stupendous. That's the word he uses, yeah. And he, yeah. he, do, he does talk about the it boobs was accurate. a lot. It, is, it was accurate. <laughs> it definitely was. So They were cracking. He looks like an asshole Tom Cruise when he talks, but um, he's right about the yeah. boobs. There were 13 kills in the film. Ha! Okay. Brilliant. Wow. And I think you can see what's happening in four of them. Uh, one of the things that Jock producer Brad Fuller says that I actually like is that he said he wanted to um, have the kids having fun again. I thought, yeah, that is important. You've got to have the kids having fun. Yeah. Then the cinematographer comes in <laughs> to quote to God. quote Jock producer Brad Fuller as telling him that these kids have got to be fuckable because that's what makes people <laughs> care about them. Same word. Which explains so fucking much about Platinum Dunes, slasher movie remakes, mm-hmm. Michael Bay, and Hollywood in general. Yeah. This is on a pillow somewhere. <laughs> Make them fuckable. Oh, Christ. <laughs> I, you know, I was thinking, we're recording this the same day that we mm. recorded our Love Happy episode. Yeah. And uh, while we were talking about the all-singing, all-dancing nature of you know mm. that and uh, classic cinema... Uh, Mm. And the, just the wittiness and the, just the machine gun barbs you know, of, Grou- of yeah. Groucho Marx. I then just, in my head, just pictured like stock action film of today. And just thought, God, like the, the script's written on autopilot. Yeah, when did we start valuing physical attractiveness over talent? Yeah. Is, um, 
I mean, early. Definitely early. Probably like 40s. Yeah. <laughs> it happened quick. It's been that way for a while. It, it definitely I think has. About, but I, I think about the eroticism of the Friday the 13th movies in the 80s. The women would have massive hair often and big woolly jumpers. Yeah. That, you know, with colors that just make your eyes hurt. <laughs> and yet, because they were so much more relatable and believable as people, mm. they would be so much more fuckable, as I believe Mr. Fuller likes to put Yeah, <laughs> sweet, sweet gallable. I, I think, I mean, I, I always find that the, the ones I find the most attractive in these movies are like the nice ones, mm. anyway. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, ones, the ones who are just kind of normal. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's a big turn on is normal. Yeah. Norm, normal's nice, you know. And I have yeah. a pretty wide scope for normal. So last point, great, uh, great opening weekend, great opening weekend, great opening weekend. Guys. Um, really good, very strong. Um, enormous drop off in the second weekend because word of mouth and critical reception counts does sometimes count for a lot when people are on the fence. How weird. The Halloween 2018 um movie made tw- over twice as much as this, which is nice. good. I'm happy yeah. for that. Relative to budget? Uh, not sure. We'll have to see. But in terms of overall box office. And there's 10 years of inflation in there, which is probably nothing. I hear inflation's been great these last 10 years. <laughs> yeah, no, it's <laughs> just gotten worse for everybody, I think. <laughs> okay, um, let's um, talk about a couple of things. Let's talk about Best Kill. Yeah, cool. Ugh. I was going to say Jason sprinting to Dan, Bandana Dan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Fun to say. Uh, when he's trapped on the ground, just burying his machete in his face yeah. before putting a boot on it and pulling it out yeah. again. That's pretty good. But um, for pure unpleasantness, forcing the screwdriver into... Mm. Arbed. Yeah. Is it Benny? <laughs> Into his throat yeah. and blood erupting from his mouth. Okay. Takes the cake. Yeah. Pretty unpleasant. That's the one I couldn't remember after it happened. Yeah, see, nor could I, and I'd written it down <laughs> as my best kill. Brilliant. This film this film's gonna yeah. stick with you for minutes. <laughs> um Right, mine is Zach Effleck getting shot through the head with an arrow on the oh, boat. Yeah. It was just really sudden and quite abrupt and he has like yeah. enough sense oh. in him to look around to try and figure out what's wrong what's gone wrong with his whole yeah. world before he just sort of crumples and dies and that was yeah that was impactful yeah, yeah that was good yeah. they've um, got the few of the, quite a few of those kills in game of thrones i've i've remembered now <laughs> just hi i'm i'm a guy hi there son it's nice to have a son and a family <laughs> <laughs> hammer massive hammer wielded by a fucking guy who's gonna rape every part of you now that you're dead Best scare. Okay, before um, is it Ch- Charity? Who's uh, who's <laughs> killed in the lake, or is that Harmony? Oh, Harmony's killed in the lake. They're Paul's. They're Paul's joke names <laughs> for it. They're not actual names from Friday the Thirteenth, two thousand and nine. <laughs> they were identical blondes, and one of them reminded me of Harmony from Buffy yeah. the Vampire Killer. They're killer? identical blondes, yeah. and one of them reminded him of Harmony from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You said killer, but <laughs> um, <laughs> he's a yeah, fucking but... idiot. <laughs> we all are. We all are. Um, but but when yeah when um whoever she was, was under the pier while Jason was walking above her. That was quite creepy because I, the character was aware that she was being pursued by a killer. And I think it was the yeah. longest yeah. period of time in that movie where somebody knew, like, saw him and knew they were looking yeah. f- for her. Tension. Um, yeah, there was tension. And then she was stabbed in the head and lifted out of the mm. water so we could see her boobs. So it does diminish a yeah. bit. But uh, if everything... <laughs> That's how you relieve tension, ask Hitchcock. <laughs> cool, good stuff. Um, mm. My best scare was a moment that caught me unawares Bodie reaches into that hole in the wall and you know something you, okay horror people know something bad's going to happen there's going to be a big music sting mm. smarter or more experienced horror people know that actually this is going to be a subversion that actually there's not going to be something mm. spooky in there that grabs him he pulls out something in silence and it's the mother's head yeah. that he pulls out and there's no, there's then a music sting but there's not when he first pulls it out so when it's just silently pulled out and you realise it's a head yeah. that little moment 
between oh. what is that? Oh shit, it's that. That was spooky. That made me jump. That's very good. Um, best camper. Jenna and Clay, Draven and uh, Mara oh, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I said there's a couple of sweet moments from them in the um, in my yeah. quick fires. So mm. they, they they were good together, and they were a nice respite from yeah. the jock stoners. <laughs> well, for me, the only thing I remembered about this film from having seen it twice ten years ago yeah. is um, I think I saw it three times ten years ago. But all I could remember is that there's an asshole in it, and <laughs> that there's a woman with rather stupendous breasts. And also that there are two friend characters and that when the chips are down, one of them risks their life for the other. And so I will go for Troy and Arbid, and specifically Troy, okay. who goes, you know, risks his life to go after his friend. Mm. And I know that I had forgotten how annoying they are for so much of the movie. Sort of yeah. just yelling and, you know, chugging beer and, oh, God, these are poorly written characters. But <laughs> the idea that one of them goes out because, you know, it's his friend. Yeah. And, you know, he's got to he's got to try and help his friend. He's got to. Yeah. That's good. A rare moment of humanity for this film, which mm. I really I have to give it credit for. So that was my favorite camper. Nice. Well, that's that. Now we've got one last shitty horror remake between us and a decent sequel. Oh. So I think it's time to get back in this hole so that we can experience what it's like to have a Freddy movie when the Freddy's not in it, and you got the Watchman instead. Which I'm curious about at the very least. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh. So get in this get in this hole with me, and we'll try and carefully slide our way down this time. Hey, Paul. I'm not in that hole with you. You're in this hole with me! (laughs) Never gets easier. Never does. Gets harder each time. Uh, My boner, that is. Yeah. (laughs) Ah, shit. Ah, there we go. Must be July. (laughs) Look how how not as rainy as usual England is. Mm. Are we still in lockdown? Oh, nobody knows. Great. (laughs) Oh, well. Let's, uh... Soldier on. <laughs> Through mismanagement. With this great year. Oh, thank God. Michael Bay did this one too. Oh, great. Brilliant. Oh, I'm well, I'm so worried. Now. Oh, man. We're okay. He you know where you are. And his, we, we know where we are. We're right here with him and his jock producer, Brad Fuller. Um, <laughs> and they wanted to follow the format of Friday the 13th with another gritty, joyless remake of an 80s slasher classic. Great. Yeah. No fun in these movies about paranormal murderers who stalk our dreams. Not allowed. That's, that's such a serious concept. We've got to take that seriously. <laughs> Producer Andrew Form said, I think the Friday the 13th movie, like we made, was really fun. You know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And I think Nightmare, a Nightmare movie is not bad. Great, less fun than Friday the 13th <laughs> 2009. Get in me. <laughs> Fucking hell. Try and imagine it. <laughs> You don't, we don't have to. All right, Paul. <laughs> Tell me about this wonderful Michael Bay experience. Bad school. Stop. Clancy Brown. These and other terrifying messages flash across our screen as we ease into this <laughs> film produced by Michael Bay. Directed by Samuel Bayer, whose name means proto-Bay in the language of love. Yeah. American. <laughs> Swayden Christensen is ignored by a waitress and he decides to follow her slowly for a bit. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's one of those things that happen while you're asleep. A ball ache. He's slashed by Mystery Fred and he's woken up by Rooney Mara. That's right, it's late noughties kids. No more sweaters and bashful groping. It's time for chiseled jaws and buff twats. Fuck yeah. Devin Norja is chilling with his bros, Facey Affleck and third guy. But Glace, uh, but Facey Affleck sees his ex come in to talk to Swade and Christensen. His ex, who is high schooler from an alternate timeline where all the kids are power dressing models. There's some dream talk you might expect. Swaden hasn't slept in donkeys. 
but there's only one jackass here, and that's Sweden. Freddy stabs him until his neck explodes. To make matters worse, he's played by Rorschach this time, a humorless killer. <laughs> Should go down well with the gay and bitch jokes. Uh, there's a funeral where Rooney Mara and high schooler from an alternate timeline where all the kids are power-dressing models uh, <laughs> attend. To make matters worse, Clancy Brown shows up. I'm oh, pretty no. sure this leads directly into Facey Affleck turning up and insulting everyone in the room. Uh, they solve that by going home for a classic night's kip. Yeah. High schooler from an alternate timeline where all the kids are power-dressing models wonders where the mom of the high schooler from an alternate timeline where all the kids are power-dressing models has put all of her school photos. Who remembers being five, she says. Who remembers anything anymore? Stupid kids. Shut up and eat your game, boys. Now let's all resolve this by getting a classic night's kip. High schooler from an alternate timeline where all the kids are power-dressing models responds by going into the attic and immediately finding all of her childhood photos, things, and stabbed-up dresses. It's a clean bream dream time. Enjoy your horror-sting, folks. Now sleep. For the love of God. At school the next day, unbelievably, Devon Nausea offers his shoulder to Rooney Mara. Uh, the teacher in this class is teaching classics. I know, it's mental. <laughs> Dream, dream cream team time. High schooler from an alternate timeline where all the kids are power dressing models is chased through school for three seconds and now the weird intimate Freddy stuff starts. Ooh. She wakes with a scream and a lock of her hair has fallen to the desk. A classic case of high schooler from an alternate timeline where all the kids are power dressing models waking up from bad sleep time syndrome. <laughs> high schooler from an alternate timeline where all the kids are power dressing models mum is going to London tonight. I don't see how this can't be solved by a good night's sleep, she says, but what can you do? She goes and the girl with that name goes a snooping for some truth pin. Um... <laughs> Stupid <laughs> Facey Affleck comes in through the window Like he's an 80s kid uh, He asks what the heck is going on And is told about those dang dreams <laughs> Crazily he doesn't believe her But she That is the high schooler from an alternate timeline Where all the kids are power dressing models Describes Freddy Krueger to a T And it turns out Facey's having the same dream Nothing to worry about though probably says Facey Let's just stop talking about it And get some sleep for the love of Jesus Christ <laughs> External Night Mare, that is. The dog's dead. Freddy did it. After a half-disturbing, <laughs> half-unfortunately, hilariously timed sequence of her being thrown about the bedroom, high schooler from an alternate timeline where all the kids are power-dressing models is now the dead version of the rest of that name. <laughs> Facey Affleck turns into Pacey Affleck as he legs it from the scene of the crime. He shows up at Rooney Mara's house, warns her not, not to get a classic night's kit before he's arrested for the murder of that longly named lady. Have the best night's sleep ever, motherfucker, says the big jeering guard as he pushes him into the, the cell with that <laughs> other big menacing guy. Yeah. Poor Facey is bailed out by death, specifically from Freddy. Oh. He's mean in this one, which is not to say the original Fredster wasn't mean, but he had fun too, you know? Yeah, he liked his job. He was a true blue paedophile murderer. Not like these modern killers, <laughs> anti-murderers who don't want to have fun. They only want to moan about how hard they have it. <laughs> Devon Nausea and Rooney Mara grab a cup of joe and talk about a few things, such as taking stimulant medication to stay awake, falling into a coma if you stay awake for too long, and the danger of micronaps when you get past 72 hours. The ticking clock! <laughs> Rooney Mara asks her mum if she has any connection with any of the dead children or a guy named Freddy, only in that they all follow the rules and don't ask questions. Ha 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 Now who wants to have a hot shower and take some Valium? Just me? Okay. <laughs> We get the Rooney Mara legs apart and Freddy's glove rising out of the water shot that I think I knew was in this one. And it does feel weird to have that cheap shot with acclaimed superstar Rooney Mara, not just some actor who was in Elm Street in the 80s oh. and then all subsequent Elm Street related <laughs> documentaries until people became more interested in Scream. Oh, Whatever. fuck. I went on too long and bored Rooney Mara to sleep. Freddy's a right pedo in this one. It's very gross. Fortunately, Devin Norja is such a Klingo boy, he calls it a catch up on the goss. Face is dead, he says. He gulps more methylphenidate and runs to moot Rooney Mara's, pretending to be on a motorbike the whole way. That Devon. Uh, how is Freddy connected to their school? Or them? Or them? Time to go a sleuthing for some truth in. Ah, oh, there we go. That's better. 
Desperate to keep the truth from the kids, but too sentimental to get rid of a lovely photograph, Rooney and Nausea find out that they were all in class together. Uh, the mom isn't one to give up that easily, though, and really tries to pretend that they've done something wrong by holding and looking at a photograph of themselves. She finally confesses. Oh, there was a man back in 1999 called Jackie Earl Haley, who, <laughs> who is a real creepy dude. Uh, he loves children for sure, and very occasionally takes them to a shed and touches them because he is a paedophile. Yes. So, says the mum, these dreams are just repressed memories from a terrible time. <laughs> time for sleep. Well, how did everyone die then? A terrible time. <laughs> so, um, I'm all for this explanation, says Nausea. After Rooney Mara is done slapping him for seven hours, Clancy Brown turns up and whisks him away to die in a dream. Or are he? He bears witness <laughs> to their parents hunting down and burning Freddy alive. <gasps> and then he's resuscitated after drowning in a pool like a fool on a stool. <laughs> they confront Clancy Brown and there's the... He's on the floor, actually. But, um... Sometimes, you know, it just feels right. Yeah. Uh, they confront Clancy Brown, and there's the surprising possibility that Freddy was innocent, <gasps> apparently. Uh, how could you, says Devon. Clancy Brown says, look, when you grow up and have kids, I hope you two will burn a small man alive to appease a mob. <laughs> Devon is furious. Uh, Wait, says Rinimara. My mum said we had crazy cuts all over our bodies that resembled his, his massive glove knives. Was that a lie too? Or was that just inconsistency? I don't know, says Devon, but this is driving into him, me into a murderous rage. Uh, so as Nausea fails to get a repeat of his meds, Rooney Mara micronaps in the car. Bad stuff happens and Rooney Mara has to go to hospital. Despite knowing everything, the mum signs an agreement permitting the doctors to forcibly sedate her because she is a parent in an Elm Street movie. Yeah. A stupid twazic. <sighs> oh my God, Devon Nausea looks like Dylan Moran as well. I'm artistically <laughs> torn, Paul. I don't know what to do anymore. So... <laughs> Anyway, Devon Moran and Rooney Moran, I mean Mara, escape and drive to where that Freddy is burnt. <laughs> Look, guys, it's been a wild ride. I think we've earned some walking around slowly for a bit. Luckily, during this, they stumble across all the evidence needed to prove that the Krugster is a paedophile. Because Yay. obviously, because the claw marks. <laughs> he, has, he has photographs of young Rooney Mara and the realisation is earth shattering. So, says Dylan, if there was ever a perfect time to make out... <laughs> and this is mildly successful. So, dream, final bit. They figure out how to get him, just like the original. And now yeah. the jig is up. Fred can be his full-blown rapey self. He makes a wet dream joke. How's this for a wet dream? And a consent one. Uh, he gets stabbed in the eye, but he's doing fairly well. Turns out he was trying to keep her awake for as long as possible so that when she sleeps, she'll never wake up again. Which is very clever, quoting the Happy Mondays like that. <laughs> Dylan Devonrun stabs Nancy with some adrenaline he stole from the hospital, and Fred is dredged into the real world. Uh, he's still pretty tasty, but they get the better of him. Mara cuts his neck open like a right spanner, and she calls him a bitch. Tell you, mate, modern women. <laughs> Before they leave, they burn him because that really helped last time, then trick some paramedics into taking them away in an ambulance. Of course we have private health insurance, they say. Suckers. Just when right Rooney Mara forgives her mum for everything, Freddy only comes out of the bloody mirror and stabs her mum into a CGI face with holes in it, dragging yeah. her ass into the dream world forever. I tell you, mate, that's seven years bad luck right there. <laughs> oh, watch out. Yeah, you're, not gonna, the you're not going to get another movie in that time. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, that's good stuff. <laughs> so what do you make of it? Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Did we need a serious Freddy? Oh, fuck me. It was so who misguided. still makes dirty paedophile jokes? Jesus Christ, just make it less... Okay, people, I don't think they like the camp sense of fun that this franchise has. Let's try replacing it with definitely full-on paedophilia as a subtext. <laughs> like, just yes. as, 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 as window dressing as well. Not even to fully explore the nature of repressed memory or no. trauma. Just, you know, as a thing. It's with the same silly setup and the same stupid script and reactions as the parents from the original movie. Yeah. 
but now with a with a, a real paedophile who who did all of this horrible stuff to these kids when they were younger. Just get you thinking about sexual abuse a bit. I was on. I I genuinely thought they were going to twist it and say actually, <laughs> actually he wasn't a paedophile and he it was a witch hunt and they just got this guy because he was he was quiet and sensitive. But now I he remember, a yeah, and now he's a vengeful ghost. I remember thinking that when I first saw it, actually, because this is only the second time I've seen this one. I saw it when it came out. Once is enough on DVD. Once was enough. I really had no urge to go back. It didn't even have yeah. the sort of inventive kills of the Friday the Thirteenth remake, and even they were pretty bad. Um, yeah. I will say this is for me the least obnoxious one we've covered since Jason Goes to Hell. Think of all we've covered yeah. since then. Think of um Jason in no. space. I don't want to. <laughs> Jason in space, Freddy versus Jason, the, the Rob Zombie Halloweens, and the fucking Friday the 13th with aggressive jock main character. They're the ones that, you know, it's less horrible than all of that. But this could actually be my least favourite because it's mm. so poorly made. You can start with the script, dreadful dialogue, yeah. no characterization. It just skims right past any sort of events. There's no point where... There's one scene where Rooney Mara and what's his name? What did you call him? Devon Sawas? Nausea. <laughs> Nausea. Yeah. Um, they're discussing, they're, they're like, talk to me. And he's like, what do you want to talk about? And I'm like, anything. I'm so up for anything um, that's not exposition or story. And <laughs> she's like, what's your favorite color? And he's like, blue. And they're like, huh. Seriously, though, let's talk about this event that's happening. And it's like, no, <laughs> come on. You were close. Yeah. Uh, another couple of lines that might have been a character moment. But <sighs> Could have classified it as one. It's all plot. And it's it's yeah. incredibly dull, Paul. Oh fucking I, hell! I, I I enjoyed it more than some of the other shit we've had to watch this year. I, right. I will say because because it was just a baseline of nothing. I could just watch yeah. it and go. Hmm. Then actively try and look at these things happening. <laughs> it felt so intellectually and creatively barren to me, and it's so po-faced. Oh, it's just, uh, but also dated in an extraordinary way because of the naughty style it's got. It's yeah. it's amazing how quickly that style of horror aged. The flash cuts yeah. with music stings, you know, the bit where you'll see Freddy and suddenly there's a couple of quick cuts of him all close up with flashes and... and it, oh. Yeah, I, I really thought Jackie L. Haley would have been... An, I was interested when he when he was first cast as that. I thought, oh yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. be curious to see that. But they gave his, they even sanded off all of the features of his mask of his prosthetics so he's just got like a smooth face and yes he looks like an alien yeah and i I guess i kind of liked the melted mouth thing they had going on but but Mm. i like the idea of it rather than how it actually turned out yeah it was just the idea that his face would become less expressive as a result of all the burning is quite an interesting one but you've got you've got that you've got the ugly green and brown aesthetic with tangerine flesh tones yeah. And some really fucking janky CGI. The scene where Freddy has to come through the wall looks much worse than that did in the 80s when it was a practical yeah. effect. And, and there's a scene... Oh, when Freddy is set on fire and then bursts through a door on fire and runs at the camera. That mm. looked like the 90s. Like that that We've seen rough. better stuff. We've be- seen better CGI in the 90s slasher films, I think. Yeah. It was bad the beverly hills casting where everyone's like you say just gorgeous and power dresses and god just way off just so much of it is is a misdirect i did manage to get a few good things down and they'll get to those in the quick fire um yeah (laughs) but but i will just say the um in in defense of the effects there was one effect that really worked i thought which was the landing uh when rudy mara's running through and it turns to goop yes that was good because you couldn't that tell where the really solid good. bit ended and yeah. the liquid bit started. And that was, yeah, that was good. Maybe they put all of, all of the money into that, but <laughs> there's just nothing. He just turns up and well, it, it really is the like the Ben Affleck Batman 
or like Superman. Yeah. The Snyder Superman type thing. It's just no, we can't have fun. We're we're just yeah. so serious now. And even the fucking villains have to be yeah. sad about People it. People forget that Nolan's Batman was fun at times, and it had a sense of a yeah. sense of camp to it. it the it biggest problem did. is they didn't let Haley Joel Osment drive the horror with his performance. That's not his name, is it? What's yeah. his actual name? Jackie <laughs> Earl Haley. If you want it to be. <laughs> um, they didn't let his performance drive the horror. The horror is driven by music stings, jump cuts, flashes. And yeah. you know what? This week I watched Oculus. Yeah. It follows the witch, the Babadook, and Kill List. And they are all great horror films from the sort of early to mid-2010s, and none of them do any of this. And consequently, it's hard to imagine them aging like this has. This so feels like, not even a product of its time, it feels like a product of the early noughties from a bunch of guys Mm. who thought they knew what scary was and refused to, you know, address the idea of atmosphere. Atmosphere's for losers. Takes too long. I want to get those women jumping up out of their seats with their titties. Fucking jock. <laughs> Atmosphere's for nerds who don't have the muscles to make a noise. <laughs> for cowards. Subtext is for cowards. <laughs> Regarding Freddy, I said something similar to, uh, to this about Friday the 13th. Bad joke Freddy is way more watchable than bad serious Freddy. Yeah. If it's a terrible film that has, what's his name, Robert England, you know, just completely mm. not being scary and just being campy, that's still better to watch than a Freddy who's just dower not gonna do anything uh, okay two two examples from yeah. the the one with beyonce in it yeah <laughs> um th- where where he goes mm, dark meat it's fucking gross and, and you go jesus yeah. christ at least you but, go hey that made me yeah. feel something and, and in this it's just hey i think we're better than friends now <laughs> it's just yeah your mouth says no but your body says yes <laughs> The, yeah. Without the joking and the idea that this is intentionally trying to shock you and make you feel gross, it just... Oh. Sometimes I don't know what they're going for, because there's a bit where she says, this can't be real, and he looks over at her and says in an entirely flat, not Freddy voice, it's real. This <laughs> <laughs> is not real. It's real. <laughs> it is, it is. It actually is. I know it's crazy, but look, uh, <laughs> I'm more shocked than anyone. <laughs> Me, right, yeah, maybe that's it. it. I just don't. Maybe you know. I like a good. We all love a good paedophile joke, don't we? Everyone, oh, love it. Everyone love does. It. Everyone does. Um, can't deny that. But or at least being like feeling gross about it. But uh, this one is just. I do feel gross, but not in a good way. No, not in a fun, campy kind of way. And it's just, yeah. you know, I imagine ten years from now there will be screenings of AC slasher films. I cannot imagine today, even two years after it was made, any sort of fun night of horror remakes where it's like oh let's watch them all like no they're miserable they're so yeah. un- it's gonna make well, you so unhappy if you ever have a, a modern horror night then you're gonna be watching get out it follows yeah <laughs> oculus all that oculus yeah yeah movies that are in- inventive the wailing for a bit of a shitter fun right just uh put the shits up you are fun right at the end yeah <laughs> well i don't know where i am um the only thing they really bring to the table here is this idea of micro naps—the idea that you could doze off, you know, whilst you're just around, and that Freddy yeah. could just strike you. But that's mm. only really used for jump scares. You know, they yeah. just use it so that you can have characters walking around in every day, and you know, something will jump out at them. I quite like the idea that he only comes at night when people sleep mm. and seriously sleep. It—if you've ever had yeah. a tr- well, if you, the listener, has ever had a trouble sleeping as we have, <laughs> you know that you get to dread the night. When the day wears on and it starts getting dark and you just think, oh, 
fuck, I'm going to have to go lie in that bed soon and have another awful night. You know, it, yeah. it's very real. And that's cool. And, you know, we're not being hunted by pedophilic, vengeful ghosts. Or are we? But, um, At least you have a reason. Yeah. <laughs> so I like that. I like the idea that the characters, you know, Johnny Depp and Heather Lagenkamp, are just dreading having to, you know, the night, the light yeah. going out. This it's just it breaks that you know it can just jump out at you anytime which you know if you're trying to do a remake or reboot and you wanted to make it bigger and badder than ever then it's it's an interesting thing to add in yeah because you're sort of you're you're squaring it you're cubing the experience but then you need to have the rest of the film live up to that and not just be dire we've had better ideas we had that guy who suggested a police officer going into a coma and being stuck with freddy that was um Mm. that was an interesting idea Uh, anyway um (laughs) <laughs> All right, Never Sleep Again didn't cover this one, uh, wisely. Oh. <laughs> so, it's time for another overly long Wikipedia article. Who's writing these? <laughs> is Michael Bay financing this? Writing it himself? We can but dread. <laughs> All right, the director is Samuel Bayer, as you mentioned, and this is his only film critic. Uh, credit. <laughs> the only film critic. Oh. Uh, formerly, typically, he's a music video director, having directed the video for Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit, Smashing Pumpkin's oh. Bullet with Butterf- Butterfly Wings, Marilyn Manson's Rock is Dead aka the matrix one garbage's mm. stupid girl aka the matrix one robbie williams's angels um seemingly every the matrix one, the matrix one. seemingly every green day um video <laughs> and videos lesser known songs by big acts like iron maiden ozzy osbourne rush david bowie mm. rolling stones aerosmith chemical romance and maroon 5 he declined to direct this twice but then accepted the offer after what he described as a personal plea from Michael Bay, but which Wikipedia describes as an explanation by Michael Bay as to what kind of business opportunity this would be. (laughs) Which is different vibes. (laughs) Yeah, slightly. You're not going to have to work with Maroon 5 again. Fucking sign Uh, me up. Thank God. (laughs) They wax their chests, Michael. I can't stand it. (laughs) I've never waxed anything except my bitch. What? (laughs) I... I'm hired. What? I say that. I have a persona. <laughs> I have a persona. I try and keep it up. I don't know what half of this shit means. Um, for writers, they got Wesley Strick, uh, who wrote that Doom movie with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Great. Yeah. And he got the role on Great. this because apparently he wrote a prequel script for David Fincher's Seven that impressed the Bay mob. Not enough to get it made. Thank God. Uh, are you going to make it? Oh, no. God, no. <laughs> no, but remake this. That would be insane. They throw the DVD of Nightmare on Elm Street at him. Um, also got Eric Heiserer, who wrote Final Destination 5, The Thing okay. remake, Bird Box, which was not well-received, Bloodshot, that Vin Diesel movie that was not well-received, uh, and Arrival. Huh. Yeah. Was he the only writer on Arrival? <laughs> yep. But... Adapting a short story. Yeah. Um, Ted Chang? Yeah. <laughs> How does that... How does that work? Does any of that work? I mean, Arrival isn't horror, so maybe that's his niche. Oh, that's a, as soon as he stops writing horror, it's just the best thing you've ever fucking seen. Um, yeah. He is currently... His big project at the moment is adapting your name uh, to be directed by Amazing Spider-Man director Mark Webb. Yay! <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, Paul, but the original film was in foreign, so we need to fix that. Look, it, it, it's just you, you. You say it's not. It's not going to be difficult this year. We'll do all the the remakes, and it's going to be like six, seven at max, and it's not going to be emotionally difficult like it was last year. Hold on, sorry, mate. You keep cutting out. 
Like I'm getting every other word. That's all right. It's better that way actually. <laughs> and and then we can keep we can keep all this in and you can you can just you can just hear it like the listeners will. <laughs> Be a lovely surprise. Your disappointment. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, Mark Webb did also direct Five Hundred Days of Summer and Gifted. So, spare you not okay. yet. Can't wait. I, I I can't wait to see what like how they make this film, which is very uniquely Japanese. Yeah. And is ch- extra charming because of that work on an English speaking level. Well, not in Eng- not just um for an American audience, of course. It'll be made to be fully franchisable and available and relatable to every market that they could possibly uh, sell it to. That's that Half JJ in China. Oh yeah, <laughs> I cannot wait. Um, now Wes Craven was not consulted for the film and wasn't happy about it. Uh, Robert England, on the other hand, um, said that it seemed like a good time for Freddy to be remade because of the potential of CGI. Because what a great ally to horror CGI has been. Yeah, fuck yeah, I love it. It's like you don't have to clean up anything after it's done. You don't have to clean up anything, and all that ambiance and sort of really awesome sets they made for like Nightmare on Elm Street three with the creepy hospital yeah. scenes. Forget about it. Yeah, don't, don't even worry to. about it, mate. Don't even fucking worry about it. We can make it on this laptop that Dave brought. Um, <laughs> What's the rest of you think about paedophilia? <laughs> Look, it's got snake on it now. Um, <laughs> director Bayer um, talks talks a good game about the universal nature of dreams and wanting to explore the concept of what makes a monster. You know, is it how they look okay. or is it something inside? You're working for Michael Bay and jock producer Brad Fuller. It's going to be a grimy cruncher farm. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a sleazy, <laughs> slick sluice of it's gonna, grossness. <laughs> it's going to be a sluice into that slick. This is the first big studio movie for Rooney Mara. We'll be happy about that. Yeah. Yeah, she does fine with no material. With yeah, nothing. She's right. Literally nothing to do. She's good. It's nice to see Rooney Mara. Yeah. Always nice to see Rooney Mara. Every so often I'd see a shot of her and think I was watching a better film. <laughs> Maybe this is a ghost story or something. Yeah. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I, I did obviously think of every good film she's ever been in during this. Which is a lot. You know what? She got That's over the lot. she got over the being in a shit um horror remake by being in a David Fincher film the exact same year. And then another yeah. David Fincher film the exact year after that. So if you if you double whammy it, one Fincher film's not enough to get you out. You've got to do the double bill. And that'll... Don't that'll, be lazy and stop at one. Yeah. That'll claw you David out Fincher's of the crying out. igamony of Bay of Bay. Bay. Um, <laughs> all right. Here's a... Uh, nearly out now. Here's a sensitive bit of stuff. Producers Foreman Miller explained that Freddy's physical appearance would more accurately resemble a burn victim. Form later clarified that there was a fine line that they did not want to cross when it came to making Freddy look like a burn victim. <laughs> <laughs> Just the phrasing of that was great, the double repeat. <laughs> yeah. There's talk of how Haley organically developed Kruger's voice whilst working on the character and his background, and then they just digitally enhanced it so it didn't sound like Rorschach. But it does sound like Rorschach. <laughs> oh god, no. Just me. They needed more CGI, get it in here. Rub it on his voice. God, it, 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 the main thing I thought was, this sounds like Rorschach. <laughs> like, for the whole film. Well, look, there was a making of documentary that I watched, but there's nothing too interesting there. But it did make me wonder, of all the people in a film crew, how many of them actually know what movie it is that's getting made? I don't mean like literally, like tonally. Because they'll keep cutting to people yeah. like the actors who are like, oh yeah, we're going to really explore the human side. And maybe they did that a bit in between takes. Yeah. <laughs> but... How many of the people of these fucking people actually knew what was going to hit theaters? Because they're all describing a different film. Is there an element of 
you've got to fucking justify what you're doing yeah. when someone points a camera at you and you don't just want to say, I'm playing this person, she gets stabbed. <laughs> so you have to yeah. be like, oh, yeah, my, my character is a real deep exploration of <laughs> Let me some tell you fucking about... thing that I read in a book yesterday. Let me tell you about the car I've bought because of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. There's an element yeah. of that. And also maybe an element of shade that you can throw. It's like, oh, yeah, I really like the way they concentrated on character. That was definitely the most important thing to do. And I'm glad that they definitely did that, Dave. <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely. Definitely, Dave. Um, all right, let's let's get out of here. Um, best kill. Oh, Dean, I think at the beginning. Um, who's Swayden Christensen? Oh, he stabs himself in the throat. Because because yeah, just jams it in and then just rips the knife around, and it's a right. really horrible thing for a person to do to themselves. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty good. Um, I will say the kills were kind of lame. They happened very abruptly. Um, yeah. there's not that much invention. But I guess Chris, at the point after she stopped mm. flying around the room, complete with zoom Dunking sound effects. Yeah, fucking yeah. to the ceiling, there's a sort of whoa, 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 kung fu sounds <laughs> as she's flipping around. God, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But at the very end, Freddy Krueger just kills her, and three long claw marks just go all the way down her, her chest yeah. and sort of stomach. And that's pretty dramatic. I like that. And as established, yes. we always prefer a Freddy slash to a Freddy stab. And this is a good yeah. slash. Fuck yeah. Best camper. <laughs> um, yeah. Rooney Mara, because she's great. Yeah. Oh, God. I don't remember any of the rest of these being quite so bland in terms of characters. I mean, you'd be hard-pressed yeah. to find one where they have so little personality, but I went with Quentin. Um, oh, yeah. Or uh, Dylan Moran alike. Um, yeah. Occasionally he had a moment that I thought was relatable. He was kind of nervous and yeah, awkward. Okay. I kind of liked. Yeah, that's true. He did have a few nice moments, yeah. especially at the beginning. One or two, but my God, this was a poor one for memorable people. Sure was. <sighs> okay, best scare. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, uh, yeah. I guess sometimes we've gone to spook for spookiest moment, and it was yeah. really overwrought. But the thought, like the idea of it, I found creepy. Oh, we say the same one. Is it the kill of uh, Facey Affleck? I um, think so. Yeah. When he goes, do you know, when when you die, your brain yeah. keeps functioning for seven minutes after, and then yeah. we've got that means we've got six more minutes. Yeah. And yeah, it's a it's a horrible thought. It's a horrible idea that the guy already knows that he's dead. Yes. There's no coming back from that. At this stage, you're dead. And all that happens now is what your last few experiences are going to be. Mm. And he's going to torture you during them. Yeah. That's horrible. That's really quite effectively yes. dreadful. <laughs> it really is. So, yeah, that was that was the best scare, so to speak. Scary concept. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the movie did very well at the box office, <laughs> but... The slasher movie remake craze kind of fizzled out after this, yeah. and this is the last outright remake we're going to be covering this oh, year. Thank God. Like a dusty wank. I know. Spurs to Jesus nothing. Jesus Christ. Mara was contracted for an Elm Street sequel that never got made, potentially due to the especially poor reviews that this one received. Okay. Um, Warner Brothers did consider a remake in 2015, but by then they had the Conjuring universe on their books, and that was making all of the money. Thank God. And thank God it shifted mainstream attention from slasher movie remakes onto and torture porn onto um, original par paranormal horror movies, and that's mostly where we still are today, and there's more Conjuring movies on the way. Great. And good, I like that. So what are we watching next then? <laughs> well, that's Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> Friday the 13th got held up at Warner Brothers <laughs> um, due to the financial crisis first. And then, and I fucking love this, Paul, in 2013, Warner Brothers relinquished its film rights to Friday the 13th to pa uh, Paramount, who you might remember produced them originally, mm. as part of a deal that would allow Warner Brothers to co-produce Interstellar. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is a fucking savvy move. <laughs> Oh, 
yeah, we'll let you um co-produce this Christopher Nolan movie if you let us have the Friday the 13th movies. <laughs> oh, you drive oh, no. a hard bargain. <laughs> oh, go on then. So, Friday was briefly back in Paramount's hands, but they didn't manage to make a movie in five years, and so the rights just reverted back to New Line Cinema and Warner Brothers. Um, <sighs> right now it's in the air. But the most interesting part uh, development is that the director of Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives, which we quite liked, mm. it was the kind of funny one, has apparently penned a script called Jason Never Dies, which is a direct sequel to Part 6. So I guess we'll see how that goes, okay. maybe it'll happen. But cool. the slasher movie remake fad died away in the 2010s, only to be brought roaring back to life in 2018, with Halloween yeah. 2018. All right. So it's the last one this year because... Halloween Kills isn't going to be here till next year, it seems. I'm devastated. I know, it's so upsetting that we only get to review however many of these it's been so far. <sighs> but let's just one last time get on in that hole. Okay. And uh, check out what we're working with just here. Just give me, give me a leg up, mate. I'm, I'm tired. Okay, just climb onto my back just... and over okay. my head. This is nice. You're warm. I'm very warm. It's been a long night. Now, I don't think there's a painless way of doing it, so I'm just going to fucking chuck myself down it. You first. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh! <laughs> You'd think it would get easier. You really, really think it would. <laughs> Yet it doesn't. Cramming yourself down a month, lengthwise. It just remains as sticky as ever. Lengthwise? Oh, <laughs> well, that's why you've never ejaculated. <laughs> Rookie mistake. It's the only time I'm not, mate. <laughs> Dimension Films failed to make a follow-up to Robert Zombie's, uh, Robert Zombie's Halloween-a-thons. Mm. So the rights went back to Miramax. Um, who got together with the sometimes great movie studio Blumhouse Productions. <laughs> and the first step in the right direction is they got John Carpenter back. Yes. They're involved as executive producer and music guy. Um, yeah. And he said, 38 years after the original Halloween, I'm going to try and make the 10th one the scariest of them all. Aww. Aww. <laughs> That's really lovely. Cut to that woman getting stabbed in the neck. <laughs> um, he said, I talked about the Halloweens for a long time, the sequels, and I haven't seen them all. Um... <laughs> But I finally, Looking finally it occurred to me, well, if I'm just flapping my guns here, why don't I try and make it as good as I can? So, you know, stop throwing rocks from the sidelines and get in there and try to do something positive. Hmm. <laughs> and also maybe get paid properly for the first time in the history of this franchise. Oh, yeah. See that nice. the appeal there. <laughs> There's a new ACAD in town. <laughs> do you want to work on Halloween? No. We'll pay you. Really? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I don't understand the concept that you're introducing here. <laughs> you coming on to me? <laughs> I could, if you do Halloween. And that was how <laughs> John Carpenter <laughs> fucked his way through Halloween 2018. And here it is, Halloween through 2018. The Dynasty. Uh, from David Gordon Green, the director of Pineapple Express. Written by Green and Danny McBride, the star of Pineapple Express. Great, I hate that guy. <laughs> no, I hate I hate him in Pineapple Express yeah. and Your Highness. I've liked him in things. I don't know if I've seen much of him, to be honest. I think he was in that Alien movie. I think he's transitioning into a writing uh, yeah. dude. Or I think he Hunt. was. Yeah. But perhaps because of its involvement with the um, talent behind Pineapple Express, it is the first well-received film that we've covered in a Halloween special since <sighs> Friday the 13th Part 1, and the sixth overall out of the 31 slasher movies that we've now watched. God. Six of them were well-reviewed. Uh, like, well-reviewed by us, or in general? Oh, no, by um, like critics. Oh, okay, we, yeah. We've reviewed more than so six that's... of these well. Uh, and again, by well, I don't want to do a boy next door um, <laughs> slash the other thing we just mentioned in um, in Soul Man. But was it like 
Yeah, and I wasn't bad, actually. <laughs> the problem is, that's as sincere as I ever hear you get. <laughs> it's, so, it's, it's all I can offer sometimes. And look, do you know what? Relatively, yes. Okay, more than, more than six makes sense. There have been times where you have enjoyed, yeah, these more than the critics did. But maybe that's just because I've thoroughly taken a shat in your standards. Taken a shat. They've, they've definitely dropped Paul over the last three years. <laughs> Mostly I watch bad films. Oh, Christ. But it does occur to me that we've come full circle. The last film of our fourth Halloween special is a near-direct sequel to the very first one we covered. Oh. But is it as horny? Let me talk mm. about it to find out. Go on, then. Okay, so we start with Jeremy Paxman, but Ginger. Gingerly Paxman? Oh, <laughs> uh, he goes to prison to interview Michael Myers, who's in a facility for the criminally insane and has been for 40 years. Uh, he's never said anything, but Paxman and his PA, Vera Farmiger, have a plan. They've got his favourite William Shatner mask, and it should be great for the podcast they're doing. <laughs> uh, we also meet Dr. Awesome Voice, who will be our Donald Pleasance for the evening. <laughs> oh boy. Myers is um, about to be moved to a maximum security prison so that he can escape during it. Paxman says, I've been studying your case for years and still know very little about you. I'd like to know more, which is a great gambit for a job interview. <laughs> I've really known nothing and really have no interest in doing so, but I will learn more. <laughs> You've got the company. Uh, unfortunately, this interview is cut short by an excellent opening credit sequence. Yes. But we'll get to find out what happens in the next scene, which is now. <laughs> Afterwards, Gingerly Ginger Paxman talks a bit about the possible themes of the film uh, and then goes to see Jamie Lee Curtis. You know, from the first one. Oh, no. From the second one and seventh and eighth ones. But don't worry about that. <laughs> the what ones? First one. <laughs> don't worry about it, says um, John Carpenter. <laughs> On his way to his Bruce Dern imitation. Um, I've been working on it. Committee? I John Carpenter. No, it's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same. <laughs> um, Jamie Lee Curtis insists that there are no themes in this movie and you should stop trying to make stuff mean things. Uh, and eventually the director calms down and leaves the scene. But there's mention of Jamie Lee Curtis having a daughter and a grandkid and you'd be forgiven for hoping that little Jamie Lloyd might be here with her kid. Uh, but alas, they've uh, got some other chump who doesn't. He's too dumb to even know that frying pans are hot when they're on. <laughs> God damn it, Judy Greer! Damn it, Cheryl! It turns out that <laughs> it turns out that chump was taken away because Jamie Lee Curtis was too busy being a Linda Hamilton style mum in real it life. Works. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's mention of the fact that Myers killed five people that night, which does reduce the scale of the suffering involved somewhat mm. because Jamie Lee Curtis, the actor, has been stalked for about forty years at this stage. <laughs> And has probably suffered more than Laurie Strode, the character, did. Jesus, really? <laughs> um, we meet the Nelson family. Um, that's the dad. Remember not. Remember Rob Zombie, dad. The mum, Judy Greer, is not Jamie Lloyd. Mm. And the child, credited for two more sequels last. <laughs> um, sequel girl goes and meets her friends, Bill Sarsgaard and his girlfriend, Kristen Bell. <laughs> There's some meta talk about discussion of that thing I said earlier about five murders not seeming like that big a deal by modern standards. Mm. Touche, Pineapple Express. <laughs> also, Myers is not Stroh's brother, and the cat and the characters actually explain that that makes him scarier. All right, give me something to do, movie. <laughs> More victims: Michael Sarah and Justin McElroy. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Sarah, Michael Sarah is Sequel Girl's boyfriend, yeah. and is apparently descended from one of the bullies who used to pick on Tommy Doyle in the first one. What rich lore this franchise has! It's like a David Mitchell novel. <laughs> Fuck, it's magical. <laughs> no time for that though. Sequel Girl has to attend the same class her grandmother took forty years ago. Got to take a look at that curriculum. <laughs> Weirdly, the teacher sounds like the kind of person who might have been strangled to death by a phone cord about forty years ago. Weird. Totally weird. <laughs> uh, Curtis has a sad talk with her granddaughter, a sequel girl, before going off to do some Sarah Connor stuff and a tank top that you might not expect a 60-year-old to rock so hard, but you'd be wrong. 
Jamie Lee Curtis, motherfucker. The body. <laughs> the body, the scream, everything you want. Curtis goes to maybe kill Myers with a gun she's got, but it doesn't go well, so she goes to ruin her dinner instead. <laughs> um, it's a very efficiently bad time. Just irretrievable in three minutes. <laughs> That's families. That's my record beat. And one time my opening gambit at a birthday party was who else has heard enough about pedophiles lately? <laughs> Could be true. Still took four more minutes for it to become absolutely irretrievable <laughs> after that. A lot of nudging and winking. <laughs> Is he joking? Oh, he's not. <laughs> so um, Curtis goes off and not Jamie Lloyd talks about her rough childhood, learning to be awesome, shooting guns, learning to fight, laying traps. Kids hate that stuff. Ah, I haven't had any destruction yet. We don't want to kill anyone important at this stage. Alright, cut to two folk in a car, classic horror movie style. It's Princess Diaries grandpa and gruff voice boy. <laughs> that boy's got a future ahead of him. The actor, that is. The boy and the dad find Maya's bus overturned and all the guards mushed. The kid does grab a goddamn shooter, but unfortunately Dr. Awesome Voice wants to play a game of surprise don't shoot and get shot. Uh, Gruff Voice Boy dies, but Princess Diary Grandpa will be back for the sequel, probably. Essential <laughs> <laughs> <In> character. <laughs> now, Halloween franchise movies need a non-threatening local cop, so let's have Robert Duval. And his pinball <laughs> skills. He goes to the crime scene and finds some pretty good gore effects, and Dr. Awesome Voice tries a much better approach to not getting shot, being visibly shot. I wonder if there was something in between. <laughs> there isn't. <laughs> There's not. It's one of those two things that you're you're doing at any one stage. It's catch 22. What? <laughs> That's what you wrote about. <laughs> Ginger Lee Paxman and Vera Farmiga go to Judith Meyer's grave and reminisce about how the first movie might have looked if it had a bigger gore budget. If Rob Zombie had made it. Yeah. Uh, well, we did. Oh. <laughs> Our local cop isn't cool enough, so how about a fucking cowboy? Hey, do you remember Creighton Duke from the ninth Friday the 13th movie? Oh, yeah. Him. Oh, well, it's not actually him, but it feels like him. Yeah. Duval expresses that Myers escaped 40 years to the day after his initial murder spree. It's probably a bad time to be moving him from one prison to another. <laughs> Maybe, after all those calendars <laughs> on the floor that are just circling days. <laughs> God damn it. 39 years to go. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, Myers follows the podcasters from the grave to the gas station, where they get viciously murdered. I'll teach them to be part of the new media. Myers does briefly consider leaving it, but then remembers he has a fistful of teeth in his hand. And once you've got that, it's very tricky to change gears and go antiquing instead. <laughs> I'll just put these down it's here, shall down I? And have lunch. <laughs> oh, finally given a chance to reason with Myers, Gingerly Paxman instead decides to hit him over the head of a crowbar, exposing the hypo hypocrisy of all podcasters and the BBC. Uh, <laughs> doesn't work, though. Uh, they both get murdered, and Myers gets his old mask back as a treat. Yeah. Aw. Yeah. Shit's on now, though. But not Jamie Lloyd isn't having any of it. Curtis does, to be fair, not make it easy. She needs a uh, she needed a good pitch for the entire family coming and living in her creepy basement forever. Um, she really skimmed over the the serial killer who torment tormented me forty years ago, escaped in mysterious and violent circumstances last night, in favour of take this gun I've brought to your home. So it doesn't work out. Yeah. Robert Duval puts two and two together that the violent murders carried out 12 minutes away are probably related to the Myers escape. Time to get the boys together. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Halloween 4. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> Myers, meanwhile, goes and repeats a gag from the first movie. Aw. And then he graphically nice. murders some strangers. Aw. Like old times. Great days. I am really looking forward to the sequels explaining how Myers is related to all of these people. <laughs> uh, time for some teens getting wild at a party. The kids are all endearing and likeable and very underdeveloped. That's all I ever wanted, Robert Zombie. <laughs> <laughs> underdeveloped as characters or as uh, like pubescent beings? <laughs> Jeez. As characters. <laughs> I just love the nub the nub of a boob. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. 
Look, I don't want you to think oh that I've got God. a very low opinion of you, Paul, but it's, that's, it's more about me than you. I think you've learned a lot about me during this whole Halloween marathon thing that we've been doing for the last <laughs> few years, and I wouldn't have put anything past me. You were right to challenge me. Um, <laughs> Thanks, man. But look, Kristen Bell is borderline to a Rob Zombie movie with all that potty mouth. She must watch herself. Have a nice bonding moment with that kid. Uh-oh, though. A tiger girl kisses Michael Sarah, and sequel girl sees it. A misunderstanding no. worthy of Transformers 2 on New Year's Eve. I bet the film's going to come up with all sorts of reasons for this to be drawn out way longer than it should be. Oh, he's an irredeemable prick about the whole thing and throws her phone into some nearby custard. Ugh. Teens mm. love custard. No wonder <laughs> it was at the party. They don't like it enveloping their phones, though. It's weird. No. And thought... that's Michael Sarah out of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Unknowable prick. Yeah. Custard's maybe too viscous to get into phones. Oh, the, she... the principle of it that she couldn't stand. <laughs> It's quite no, insulting. I'm not going to... She should have just pointed out, pick it up. Pick it up. You lick it clean, you prick. Which, uh, unfortunately, is his thing and the reason he did it. <laughs> terrible, terrible spell, Scar. Damn it, Michael Sarah. <laughs> Damn it, why are you such a pervert in all your iterations? Bill Sarsgaard shows up for some loving with Kristen Bell, but Myers is just the biggest blocker. Uh, we get the excellent closet door gag that you saw in the trailer, only it kills Kristen <laughs> Bell. Aw, and she's nah. uh, definitely going to the bad place this time. Potty mouth. A police call goes out, which Robert Duval and Jamie Lee Curtis respond to separately. Uh-oh, creepy person covered in a sheet. We all know what that means. Dead teenager. Um, Curtis, meanwhile, sees Michael Myers and shoots his mirror. That'll teach him. <laughs> he loves mirrors. He loves mirrors. That was his own one. He bought it from home. Um, <laughs> so he can see himself killing. <laughs> watch yourself in my favourite mirror. You haven't got a mirror <laughs> as good as this. And you're dead. <laughs> That's what's going on inside his head. Oh. Uh, Duval has a go at shooting him too, but boy, that guy's fast. He finds that Myers has pinned Sarsgaard to a wall. He loves doing that. He does. It's his thing. It's his favourite bit. Loves it even more than mirrors. Because <laughs> at some point, Myers figures, at some point someone's going to stop me from doing this killing spree. Do I pin this guy to the wall, or is there going to be another opportunity to do that later? <laughs> you just don't know. I do want to fit it in tonight, <laughs> but this could be my last male victim. Uh... Can't do that to the women. <laughs> just can't. Oh, God. Well, Duval wants to go at surprise, don't shoot, but um, gets bonked on the head. That's not bad. That's two points. <laughs> the inventor of surprise, don't shoot, Dr. Awesome Voice, shows up and doesn't get shot at at all this time. That's five points. <laughs> Creighton Duke tells Duval to take Dr. Awesome Voice. Christ, this movie has a lot of characters. <laughs> Curtis says that she's prayed he'd escape so that she could kill him. Duval says that was a dumb thing to pray for. Danny McBride wrote this. Not Loomis talks uh, to Duval a bit about some themes, maybe? Or at least mm -hmm. the movie, the motives behind Myers Mayhem. Uh, it's not too late to go Curse of the Fawn on this, guys. Curtis goes with the police, minus Sting, to her daughter's family house. And this time is a lot more coherent in convincing them to hide in her basement. <laughs> Justin so. McElroy tries to hit on Sequel Girl. Uh, it doesn't yeah. go well, but he does get some laughs before he dies. As Danny McBride star laughs, which is superior to Rob Zombie star laughs. Oh, any day, mate. <laughs> uh, he has a potentially very nuanced bit of double meaning with Michael Myers that maybe compares his own predatory sexual behaviour to that of the serial killer. I'm not going to rule out mm. nuance at this stage. Not until somebody said their head stomped in. <laughs> anyway, Myers kills uh, Justin McElroy and then goes after Sequel Girl. And somehow, I feel like Sequel Girl is going to be okay. <laughs> Luckily, a wholesome community helps her. <laughs> uh, Kristen Dunst Kristen Dunst would have been a good name for her too oh. Curtis takes not Jamie Lloyd daughter and zombie husband back to her home alone home uh, she dramatically reveals a wall of guns that would have been more surprising had we not seen her shooting a bunch of them earlier yeah right Duval Doctor Awesome Voice and Sequel Girl Christ see Michael and hit him with a car uh, their car even Ooh. and that's him dead roll credits 
Oh, well, no, Dr. Awesome voice is not not Loomis. He's not Michael Myers. Oh. And he kills Duval. Fuck. So Dr. Not Myers puts the Myers mask briefly on, just to be creepy, I guess, and then shoves the real Myers body in the car with the sequel girl. An awful lot happening in this movie. Sure does. We then meet two more cops who discuss food for a bit. They're cute, but I can't think of a name for each of them. So, I mean, they're definitely going to die together. So let's go with Keenan and Kel. <laughs> yeah, I'll do. Keenan and Kel see Myers, Dr. Not Myers, and Sequel Girl pull up down the road. Sequel Girl tricks them into stopping the car, and Myers kills them Gosling style. <laughs> Keenan and Kel die. Oh. And one of them gets all hollowed out. It's great. Zombie Dad gets all throttled. It's great. But now... It's time for battle positions. And the rest of this movie is going to be three generations of women all beating the loving shit out of a serial murderer of primarily women. And it's pretty great. Curtis blows off three of his fingers. No more keytar for that guy. <laughs> it's his favourite. He loves it more than mirrors and stabbing people to the doors. <laughs> he loves, there's nothing he likes more than pinning a guy to a wall and then going and playing his keytar in a mirror. <laughs> With the guy in the door behind him. All the best if the door is hanging. If the mirror's hanging on the back of the door, you just pin the girl. <laughs> Curtis then apologizes to her daughter for raising her the way she did, but also says she was right to do so. It's a very realistic parental apology. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Curtis uses a very long gun to move around tight corners, so she's not that great. Uh, but she's doing well. Locking off rooms, keeping the lights on, mm. uh, not having premarital sex. She definitely saw the first movie. <laughs> Nothing too spooky has happened recently, though, so let's have Sequel Girl stumble upon Curtis's harmless shooting range that we saw earlier. Ah, whoa! <laughs> Music stings. Mannequins. Ugh. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, though, the brilliant tactician who's been planning this for decades goes into the room of her house that she filled with creepy mannequins and darkness, which is also her bedroom, it looks like. <laughs> her favourite room. <laughs> it's where she keeps the mirrors. Look, I've made concessions to the safety of this home, but I've still got to have a sense of style. Um, you still got to live your life. You gotta live your life, and sometimes you gotta fill a room with creepy mannequins. But oh no, Myers was behind one of those several spooky mannequins, and he stabs Curtis and throws her off a balcony that she seems to have constructed as a loving reconstruction of the house from the original. <laughs> Lest we forget. <laughs> I mean, maybe she, you know, it's the only way in which she's seen him get defeated, so maybe it's like he's allergic to that kind of roof. Only I- irony, she gets thrown off it this time, oh. uh, but she disappears just like he did in the first film. You see, how does that feel, Michael? It's not so nice to not find corpses where you find a, you expect corpses to be. Mm. Not Jamie Lloyd and Sequel Girl meet back up. Uh, that's mother and daughter, in case my ridiculous naming obfuscated that. Uh, not Jamie sounds. Lloyd demonstrates that she really did waste her childhood, but surprise! Mm. She was only pretending to be a rubbish woman so that she could shoot him in the face, giving yeah. Curtis a narrow window to come in, say a one-liner, and then clumsily <laughs> and badly stab him and throw him in the basement, along with his um her, her daughter and granddaughter. Which was the plan all along? Yeah, it definitely was. <laughs> anyway, the three women managed to lock him in down there and then set fire to the prick. That's not even done once before. Guaranteed yeah. success. It almost worked. Why was it I was calling one of these women sequel girl again? The end. <laughs> so, what'd you make of Halloween 2018? Oh, it's, it's pretty enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty great for a number of reasons, one of which was I liked the characters. Yep. Um, Likeable characters, they, they, very important. They weren't just... Und- underwritten, foul-mouthed yeah. pricks. It's yeah. three things. Um, yeah, they were nice to spend time with, and that's really all you need, you know. Yeah. Somebody's asking for Moby Dick here. We just need characters that we can relate to and like being in their presence in order to be worried about them and therefore afraid. Yeah, it was so refreshing. Oh, you know, when, um, when Kirsten Bell and um, 
George from Soul Man. Yeah. Um, when she's babysitting <laughs> this kid, who's also a very cute kid. They've yeah. got this such a lovely rapport. Um, when yeah. there's a bit where she fakes being um attacked yeah. by a Michael Myers type person out of sight yeah. to the kid, and it's so upsetting to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's such a horrible thing to have to hear. Yeah. Um, when she does reveal it's a joke, I just wish she was fucking Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, don't at all. She, she I just really yeah. love those characters and I and I yeah. and I liked the 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 family unit. I love Tex from Glow, who was the dad. Oh um, right, yeah. <laughs> he irritated me a bit at first just because um that was Tex from Glow. What was the thing about oh I got some on my penis? Oh man. I got peanut butter on my penis. No you didn't. You're fully clothed. That was a <laughs> that was the only line that felt like a stoner wrote that. <laughs> For two laughs, it it, it, it it felt like it's just a dad in his silliest moment, <laughs> being like, "Ooh, dad, what do you like?" I like the bit in the, the restaurant. He's talking about how he used to trip out with um, Michael Sarah's dad in the woods because he used to sell him acid, and I don't know. He was just a fun. He was yeah. like all the all the edges had been shorn off. He was just right. a very friendly. Hey, I did acid. I'm a good dad. <laughs> type. <laughs> Type person. <laughs> he wasn't the you fucking faggot bitch. Oh yeah, oh fucking. Fuck me. Which is this... not even like which is Rob Zombie mainstay, but even appeared in yeah in, the Michael Bay earlier Halloween's and Friday the Thirteenth and Elm Street. It's just lack lack of ambition and skill just creates those characters. Well, I mean the the Michael Bay led remakes had characters like that, and it was very yeah. frustrating. And it's modern it's... horror seems is like, yeah. plagued by that. It's so nice to have them go back and i do think les craven is a little bit responsible because he did write he and kevin williamson they did write scream with quite a hard edge i don't think Mm. you know i think people have then misinterpreted what made their work so good but a lot of those characters did have sort of hints of this Mm. you know missing the point that actually the characters who were like that were the actual killers who were trying to disguise themselves as normal people um yes ultimately unsuccessfully because they were kind of crazy but then there's randy it's like missing the al murray Mm. joke isn't it I guess so, yeah. It's I'll just... do my own stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> there was nice people around, and it's good to have just characters that you don't want to see get murdered, because, yeah, I mean, Myers is, once again, scary, but there is a sense of fun. It exactly remembers mm. that people want to be afraid in these movies, sympathize with the victims, and feel scared at the idea of being yeah. randomly killed by an invincible psychopath. It understands what made the original so engaging and manages to escalate it without being too vulgar. The, the mm. little stretch there where he goes on a little killing spree, he only kills two people, but they're strangers. And he only goes mm. to do it because he notices they're alone. And we're actually like following it from his perspective, and it's creepy mm. as fuck. The idea that a guy yeah. might just see that you're in your house alone, sneak around the back, come in, and kill you like in seconds. Oh, it was really upsetting. That yeah, was. it really um, was. I, I didn't want to see anyone in that film die. Yeah. I thought for a while I wanted to see the journalists die because they were oh, right, yeah. being really ruthless. But then when they were dying, I really didn't want to see it, it because was, it was so just so horrible. Sad, wasn't it? It was such a miserable end for the two of them. His yeah. crushed face, just he's just like spitting blood and, and oh. almost crying and she's just getting pulled out of the, yeah. the cubicle. It's just such a tragic end for them. Yeah, it's. I found it interesting that the film played with bigger ideas, but the the ideas were mainly with Curtis and her daughter, um, you know, and her her mm. character and where that's become. Because, you know, the idea of is it worth becoming a survivor at any cost? Look at what it's cost Curtis. You know, her relationship with her family is just gone. Was it worth it just to mm. you know know that they survive and yeah. to make them tough? And it's interesting because all of these other movies. And we see it so often with the remakes and with the worst sequels. 
they suddenly decide, huh, I want my movie to be thoughtful. I guess I'll try and explain the, the evil a bit more. You know, mm. I'll explain the serial killer and maybe give him a backstory and, you know, he's abused as a kid and all the mm. rest of it. It's so unimaginative. I understand Michael Myers better as a result of seeing... It's not because of the psychology of Myers or why he does mm. what he does, but rather what he represents and why he is effective on screen. I understand that better as a mm. result of this film. Yes. It's almost as if they've included the psychoanalyst character, you know, Dr. Orson voice and the podcasters, just so that they can be wrong or perhaps to sort of parody the later film's attempt to diagnose and characterize Michael. Um, because they're yeah. there, they're talking, you know, oh, it's because of this trauma, it's because of his, you know, background, it's because of, you know, he has to be the predator. And then they just get killed. <laughs> you know, they, they weren't yeah. able to understand him because he's not to be understood he's just a force of evil and is significant only in as much as what he represents to jamie lee curtis and her character i think it's missing the point to try and understand michael myers it's much more interesting to understand the impact on jamie lee curtis and then her family yeah he is the boogeyman Um, that's what carpenter wrote him to be and it's what you know he's most effective in being it's a it's a similar so you know it's it's like being placed in a post-apocalyptic situation with joel edgerton and being (laughs) fought and then realizing how you would act in that situation yeah it's like a test of their humanity and their their character yeah i guess you never know Um, you never know how you're gonna react until you're there with edges yeah probably tried with that the like the laurie strode in that was having therapy and yeah had ptsd but it felt so just so shallow compared to this and it still had all the baggage of family aside that you know yeah that he's di- that and, and let's get more into the myers backstory and i'm so glad they threw out the idea that he's stalking laurie strode because you know of her backstory it is like justin mcelroy says it's the girl who got away that's why he's obsessed with her yeah. you know he just wants to find this girl, this one girl and yeah yeah it's i think it was a, just a, a really smart refreshing way of doing it and yeah just remembering what's scary about it and yeah. um um and what's engaging about it as well yeah without um, losing that sense of fun because you do have some moments that you know make you laugh or a bit silly even when the horrible moment where um you find out that um what's the name the blonde girl i called her um kristen bell she's about to die and it's a really good scare mm. actually with the the cupboard because she goes to close the cupboard and it opens a bit so she goes mm. to close it again and it opens a bit so she opens it, and as a horror movie fan, you expect the cover to be empty. But it's not. Mm. Myers has just stood there. He's just fucking there, yeah. and he grabs her, and he you know, goes at her. And you get a slight you know, laugh moment when you cut to the kid, and he goes, Oh, shit! And then gets up and yeah. runs out of the bed. And to be honest, as, as much as I could think, Oh, you're kind of taken away from that moment, I was kind of glad. Because it's such a horrible yeah. thing, and I so don't want to get her to get killed. Yeah. Having him say that reminded me it's, it's a movie. It's okay. Don't get too upset. You know, it's still a slasher yeah. film and it felt appropriate. It was a it was a bit of comedic relief. You know, in a in the yeah. most literal sense. It relieved me a bit. And the movie doesn't want you to get too down on all of this. It is still a Halloween yeah. spooky movie, after all. I definitely did get down. Yeah. Because um, I'm not not your typical horror fan. And <laughs> I do it's really affecting to watch him go into someone's house and just murder them. Yeah um it's 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 just really fucking horrible <laughs> it really is and it um, makes him a palpable threat that you want to see ended and yeah you know when he's in the basement and they're just setting fire to him it's like oh thank god please christ yeah <laughs> can you not just seal it don't set it on fire just seal it up dump concrete <laughs> forever <around it>. yeah <laughs> i really like this one and yeah you know i i'll make a special place to mention the music here by um john yes. carpenter cody carpenter because it'll be in the quick fire as well but fuck me is it good
John Carpenter, Cody Carpenter, and Daniel Davies all did an absolutely stunning job here together of um, just recreating what made the original so interesting whilst also making it feel very modern, but without throwing out the original scores like um, so many of the people who worked on the remakes did. Mm. They just said, oh, you know, we, we can't make those original scores scary. They're too campy. So we had to do our own thing. And it's always, for the most part, really unmemorable. But here you've got like great little motifs and themes. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's like ambience, which has its merits, but so lovely to hear a a real slasher movie soundtrack. And yeah. I think the standouts are the prison montage. Mm-hmm. Which um is you know, ironically is the scene that covers um Jamie Lee Curtis's um, life, mm. you know, it's called Prison Montage. It's about her own imprisonment in fear. Yeah, okay. And then I think it's called Michael Stork's Allison. I think it's called, or The Shape Hunts Allison. Okay. And it's it plays immediately after Justin McElroy's death. And it's uh, really okay. Great. Cool. Yeah. No, the, the soundtrack was fantastic. Mm, yeah. I love the variations on the the theme and just the little the expansions yeah. and mm, really satisfying. <laughs> really good yeah. work. It's a little cheesy in the end credits when the electric guitar kicks in to <laughs> do the Halloween theme. <laughs> Even that, the first time it shows up, it's a little cheesy, and then it shows up in a more subdued way later on, and it's mm. like, oh, that's awesome. Nice. I think that's our thoughts on cool. Halloween Are we doing best kill? Favorite campaign? Well, Speaking in a moment. Oh, okay. I do have a couple couple of things first of all just who the fuck is writing these wikipedia articles no one needs this much detail only people like me will utilize this and i don't want three quarters of it someone else here's, will here's just a l- someone will take another quarter just a little <laughs> yeah it's never the same quarter that's the thing someone else wants the pervy bit i want the pervy bit didn't spot it uh nick castle plays michael myers he's the guy who played him in the first one did wonder yeah very cool and uh but nevertheless most of the myersing was done by james jude courtney Okay. And here's a quote from Wikipedia. Green explained to him his vision for Michael Myers' mannerisms, an amalgamation of Castle's original performance, and the addition of an efficient cat-like style of movement. Courtney tailored his uh, portrayal to those specifications by observing an actual cat. <laughs> love actual How'd cat. How'd he find one? Well, a jellical one. Yeah. <laughs> Is that an actual cat? Yeah. <laughs> Jellical cats and jellical cats. Oh, that's a real one. <laughs> jellical cats. And that's actual, actual cat. cats. And actual cat. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> Great if the, the whole stage I just had one cat just occasionally running across the stage looking baffled and confused <laughs> at everything. I hope they found the right cat. I don't think you could observe my cat and um, <laughs> get Michael Myers out and, of it. Yeah, led that to any aspect of Michael Myers. You just walk around and touch people's faces with your dirty paws. When you're bored. <laughs> you cut to, cut to Michael Myers and he's just sprawled out on his back in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Licking his splayed toes. Now, Daniel Harris did approach the studio to express interest in playing Curtis's daughter when it was revealed that she would have one. Mm. And I really like Judy Greer in this, yeah. um, but I am still bummed that Daniel Harris's last moment in this franchise was being r- viciously murdered naked by Rob Zombie twice. <laughs> yeah. That he well. played Michael Myers <laughs> for those, those scenes. <laughs> He actually did it himself. He did all the murders himself. It's not real otherwise. <laughs> That's all I got out of those incredibly long Wikipedia articles. Now let's have a look at the making of. <laughs> I know. Nearly there. 
it's one of those making ofs that's intended as a promotional tool so it's mm. really over edited and not very interesting it's amazing how little actually gets said there's this special style of saying nothing when it, that comes yeah. from promotional behind the scenes stuff you know, the words become like a tone poem of vaguely positive concepts. Over the course of the franchise, I've heard so many crazy ideas and pitches. David and Danny's take was very original and different. It's something I hadn't heard of before that nobody had thought of before. We didn't want to remake Halloween. That had already been done before. They'd walked the line between reinventing something new and bowing to the old. You watch it and you're, you're three minutes in and it's and it's going, you'll re- just remember, you've joined us, the, the inside the scenes look at, at Halloween <laughs> 2018, which we're going to be telling you about in about three minutes. But before that, it's a yeah. little bit about Halloween 2018. Yeah, the whole thing feels like a, pro, a, a prologue for something that never quite comes. Yeah. It's just like Marketing Jamie Lee Curtis. I just don't think these movies have ever been so scary. <laughs> <laughs> I I this is a whole new side of Michael Myers and it's just like fucking phrases thrown in amongst montages and it's it's nothing nothing gets said oh Christ there was some you know there was some interesting content in there though oh, yeah. um, apparently Curtis read the script first and apparently knew that she would say yes by page four oh but he saucy page that page four <laughs> she wasn't in it yet and that's it for the making of Halloween 2018 <laughs> 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 Glad you guys made that. Cool. Well, it's 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 better not to know about it, like Michael Myers himself. Well, exactly. There's, who knows how this film got made? No one. Best kill was probably the mighty face crush with the boot. Yeah, that's what I've got. It too. was un. It was uh, it was voice. unexpected, and it was so dynamic compared to his his usual looming and stabbing. Yeah. Um. It was a hefty crush. And I love the fact his last words were "say something." You know, he was so obsessed yes. with the idea that Myers might give even the teeniest, teeniest insight into what's going inside, yeah. on inside his head. And the fact that he died, you know, with him having said nothing, he wondered there was enough time for him to realize that maybe there's just nothing there, like Loomis realized. Yeah. Best camper. Best camper. Uh, I really did like um, Sequel Girl. But she'll get over it. Why can't you? All this hiding, all this preparation, it was for nothing. I mean, it took priority over your family. It cost you your family. Say goodbye to Michael and get over it. Oh, um, yeah. Laurie Strode's granddaughter. She was really lovely. Loved but her. I also... Who is yours Who is yours going to be? Because if you don't take her, then I'll take it's, her. It's actually a little tough to pick. I'm... Yeah. I've got some options that I'm quite happy with. I would have said Bill Sarsgaard. I liked him in his brief yeah. moment before getting pinned to a wall. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't Sorry. want to ring the doorbell and wake up the kid. It's okay. Check it out. Fresh from my patch. Oh, my God. His eyes are hearts. I love it. Yeah. This is tape. Yeah. Hi, Tate. Hi. But I'm actually going Justin McElroy. You know, you're just you're two yucky dumpsters, and I want to go diving. Come here. Oh, right here, right here, right? Oh. You got your little chap lift crusties all over me, man, so thanks. I know. And you're welcome. It's gross. It's a little part of me for you the rest of your day, all right? Very much. Oh, cool. okay. Because very much like Shelley. Shelley? Shelley? He was a nice guy with some problematic attitudes. Um, and approaches yeah. that he didn't get to live long enough to address. You know, yes. I feel like give him another 10 years and this guy will realize what a mess he was and would have been everybody's favorite friend. But, you know. Yeah. I think he had a better chance of learning than Shelley did. <laughs> I, I like Justin McElroy more than Shelley. Shelley was five minutes away from that epiphany. He just fucking 
<laughs> Don't you doubt it. He's five minutes away from making another fucking harpoon joke. Like, oh, stupid bitch. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I, I, I did like Justin McElroy. Yeah. I, but I liked the I liked the babysitter, Kristen Bell. Yeah, she was she lovely. Was, she was great. Yeah. It's way past your bedtime. You want to be a good kid? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Come on, Come on, let's go. Let's go. By the way, you're actually my favorite kid I babysit for. I like you too. She was really nice and just a great personality. I was worried about her when she had an interaction with a kid that did feel a bit zombie-ish, but um, immediately that was just shown to be a bit of an act that they have on between the two of them. Yeah. All right, best scare. It was really creepy when he was holding out the mask to him in the beginning. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I just thought, why are you doing that? <laughs> Don't do that. You're an idiot. I love, Stupid idiot, I mate. really love the cut to credits. It, it kind of it surprised me. And yeah. Yeah, just the music yes. coming in really. Yeah, that was awesome. Say something! Probably the scariest moment for me, the one that I actually had to look away from. Yeah. The family dinner. Oh, God, it was awful, wasn't it? That was horrendous. It was very short. It was so believable. <laughs> yeah. But very quickly awful. I thought you quit drinking. Mom, what are you doing? What is this? You know? This is exactly why we don't reach out. Mom. I'm sorry. I will sit down. It reminded me of my dad. Oh, God, yeah. Okay. <laughs> just, just, yeah. I didn't mean, sorry. No, no, I didn't no, mean that fine. in a, oh, I've remembered your dad. <laughs> <laughs> fucking lag is killing us right now. Yeah, it reminded me of my dad as much as, like, he'll come down and immediately go into the thing that we'd rather not be talking about. <laughs> yeah. It's like not even, yeah. like, pretending to be a happy family. It's like, okay, great, let's have this out now. Yeah, comes on, she downs the, the dad's wine yeah. and then just bursts into tears in front of the boyfriend. Yeah. And it's it's very real. And immediately wants to talk about Michael Myers, yeah. Yeah, oh God, let it go. You're only stalled by a serial killer. <laughs> but she's she's understandably mm. never gotten over this. I was... But at the same time, mm. she plays crazy old annoying lady really well. So I had these, these different things of having utmost sympathy for her yeah. and then just going, social conventions! <laughs> Yeah, I had an interesting thing there where it's like, yes, 40 years ago she exp- she had a night where five people were murdered and, you know, some of them were her very close friends and that would have been incredibly traumatic. But then Jamie Lee Curtis, as a pers- as an actor, has been in like yeah. three more of these and we as an audience know about like 40 years more Halloween like escapades. Yeah. So to some extent, paring it down to just that one night feels like you've taken something a bit away from Curtis's character. But on the other hand, it's just comparing, you know? If, if that wasn't there, if, if this was just yeah. the first sequel to the first movie, you'd still buy it. It'd be like, yeah, of course she's still traumatised. Yeah, yeah, it's a horrible thing that happened. It's just the weight of the mythology kind of leaning against it, I think. That's what I was going to say, yeah. I think I'm still wa- I'm watching her performance with all of that. Yeah. Like, she's been going through this for 40 That's years. It, it wasn't yeah. just one night. Um, That's it, yeah. And trying to separate that becomes a bit tricky. Yeah. Um. But it just, it, it can emphasize it as well. Hmm. Okay, best scare. Um, okay, she's in the mannequin room that she has in her house. And it's very tense, very quiet. And then suddenly one of the mannequins moves and Myers emerges from behind it. Mm. Um, yeah, it's the mannequin moves first before you get even a hint of Myers. And that, that spooked me. That was a good jump scare moment. Cool. And that's it. For this, for this year, we were meant to be wrapping this up with the sequel to this film, Halloween Kills. Mm. But it has been pushed back to next year. So Dang. I'm not entirely sure how we're going to cover that or its sequel Halloween ends. Um, we'll do a special. Hopefully. Uh, hopefully they won't be poorly reviewed enough for us to cover in regular OGT. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping they'll keep up the good streak. 
Um, and the next two Halloween years are going to be Texas Chainsaw next year and Scream the year after that, which is our first recommendation um, yeah. Halloween year. First one that I've already seen. Ooh. And there aren't that many Screams, so maybe we can cover the last two Halloweens then and any other strays oh, yeah. that might have come out. But to be honest, I don't think there's much of a chance of strays because the rights to Nightmare on Elm Street are back with Wes Craven's estate and they are actively looking for pitches and bitches. Turns out Craven's estate is nasty. <laughs> um, and a new Friday the 13th movie is only in the rumor stage right now. So the chances of either of these guys getting their shit together in the next two years seems a bit remote. I'm sure we'll find a way of giving us more work to do. <laughs> Let's watch the Friday the 13th show. There was one. <laughs> oh, God. But for now, I think we're done. And yeah, it's only August. So... Time to spare, shall we go quickfire in September? Go on then. Alright. Whoops! Oof. It's amazing that this method of travelling forwards in time is actually less painful than just being alive right now. <laughs> You're allowed to just dip in and out. <laughs> and it's, it's almost as if the last couple of months hasn't happened. <laughs> I mean, by the logic of this episode, we've experienced the last um, eight months as a day. <laughs> One long record. <laughs> I, d- I don't know if that's preferable or not how are we watching these films whilst traveling through the holes we've still aged <laughs> oh jesus it's the least satisfying method of time travel <laughs> since primer <laughs> <laughs> fuck mel gibson was there anyway yeah it's september we are now in our penultimate month before the spooky month itself and we are going to quick fire all of the things we liked about the halloween oddities uh so it should be quite a short one this month Hmm. I know I'm relieved, listeners. Let's quick fire. Um, from Halloween 2018, yep. belated wishes. Uh, I liked the the serial esque uh, journalists, the, the like the podcasters that were traipsing around after Mike Myers. I don't necessarily like them as people, right? But um, they were doing their sort of true crime. We're gonna find the real facts behind Michael Myers. We're uh, um, we're we're. Making a podcast and... We're investigative uh, journalists. I don't Maybe it was just the same as Bruce Willis hitting golf balls at Greenpeace, criticising cereal. <laughs> but um, yeah, take that, cereal journalists. But I think <laughs> I quite liked that nonetheless. Yeah, it's a cute little reference and a nice little up-to-date sort of thing. Mm. Um, in Halloween 2, 2009, the smell of uh, Michael Myers, uh, the second Rob Zombie one, that is, the mm. Halloween shops and fronts. Um... Uh, the Halloween shop fronts, that is. Um, in <laughs> shops and the fronts. Shops and fronts, chips and dips. In the uh, in the little town that she lives in, just looked lovely and spooky. It was very evocative, you know? Just yeah. in Haddonfield, it just looked like a nice little setting. And it made me wish that we did a bit more for Halloween here. Because I do like Halloween. Hmm. I find it quite pleasant. But um, yeah, it was nice. It was very autumnal and quite nice. As opposed to everything else that was happening in that movie. Yeah. I've got very few good things about that one. Um, most of, I was doing, I was doing the plot, so it's it's hard to do both. I'm not yeah. Paul Salt. Um, Daniel Harris having a go at Brad Dourif about eating pastry for brec- breakfast, um, 500 calories <laughs> of sugar and shit. It's a very Rob Zombo line, but Brad Dourif just smiles and goes, "I know it, I know it," and it's a really sweet moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's nice when Brad Dourif can react humanly to um, Rob Zombie's dialogue. <laughs> Um, cut, Brad. That's not that's not in the script. <laughs> I, I know. I, I know. just <laughs> thought it would be nice. I'm I'm well, fucking I told you. I'm fucking Bruce Dern too. I'm just every <laughs> old guy, you know. Brad Dern. Just, just trying to make it work. I'm Brad Dern the actor. <laughs> Hi everyone. <laughs> Brad Dern here. <laughs> Josh Gad's dad. Um. Okay. Josh Gad's dad. 
<laughs> Friday the 13th, 2009. It's still happening. Um, uh, yeah, at the beginning, the guys are talking. And what they're talking about cannibalism for some mm-hmm. reason. And one of them says, um, I would eat your leg. And just the guy's response of, Why would you eat my leg, man? I can teach you how to fish. Just go fishing. Yeah, yeah okay. that was quite amusing. Nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> actually. From Freddy vs. Jason Round 5 Fight. I liked the character of Butzo. Um, I can't remember. It's, it's his guy's yeah. friend in the in the mental hospital. It is the friend in the asylum. Yeah. I had him. Yeah. Um, How many times do I have to tell you, man? I don't do checkers. I'm an Uno guy. All right. So go grab the fucking Uno deck and we'll play. Okay? Please. Thank you. That's a good really liked his performance and just his face in general. A good face. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, like. Gotta love a good face. Yeah. Every, everything about him was good. Everything. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, all right. Speaking of human characters and Rob Zombie, um, Halloween the first, but also not the first, Rob Zombie inning, mm-hmm. um, 2007. Michael and Loomis's first session when they first meet each other, mm. and you've got what's his name? Um, fuck. Who's the psycho? Who's Loomis in this one? It's um, Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, he's being really warm and quite friendly towards the boy in a way that we haven't really seen anyone be to him. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And you know, talking about his creepy masks, which are also very well designed. I like the masks quite a bit. Mm. And yeah, it was just a nice little moment, similar to um, in two thousand nine, the sort of nice moment that uh, that the mum has with Michael Myers. The nice um, moment, and I like the way that that the nice moment with the mum has in the pro uh, the prologue. Yeah, and I like the way it cuts from you know her kind of sheepishly holding his hand to title Halloween two and screaming just going on in the background. Okay. Yeah. Alright, okay. No more glue. Okay. Okay. That was a good cut. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> I got through five there across two different films. That's, that's what we like. The more of that, the better, I think. <laughs> that's efficiency. Alright, well, in, in Friday the 13th, 2009, um, the, the 13th-iest one of all, um, I didn't think it was... Two Friday, two 13th years. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, what am I giving these away? I need, I'm going to need these dearly. In a... <laughs> <laughs> um... Oh, I didn't write any, any of them down. That would have been good. It's all off the top of my dome, good. like the rocker, 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 rocker microphone. Oh, God. 2009. Mine too, which is why they suck. <laughs> I didn't think it was a bad imitation of Mrs. Voorhees um, at, at the beginning. Ah. I'm sure like a side-by-side good, good comparison work. will prove me embarrassingly wrong. But at the time, I, I thought... Let's see if I can be bothered to do that. Yeah. Oh. You need to be punished for what you did to him. You let him drown. Wade's no 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 before he dies was rough. There we go. I've just did another one off the cuff. Love it. Holy shit, that was yeah. good. Halloween, the, the, the Michael Myers rises. Mm-hmm. In the in the last Halloween, that is, the twenty eighteen, the good one. Yeah. Good Halloween. <laughs> the Bonnie and Clyde gender swap costume is cute. Yep. And it also means that Allison spends the entire end of the movie in an old-timey outfit, including trousers and suspenders, yes. which um, was great. I really like that. Yes. Big fan of that. Really good design. <laughs> yeah, costume choice. Love that. Um, Consider it for your next Halloween, boys and girls. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Suspenders. Always um, classy. <laughs> Jackie L. Haley, Nightmare on Helm's Deep. Um, <laughs> That's good. Yeah, absolutely. A moment of gore from uh, Jedi versus Frayson. Um, Jedi versus <laughs> Frasier. Um... The image of the image of the brother's suicide, including spurting wrists and bubbling flesh. I think this is what happens to uh, mm. Butman. What was the name? 
Jesse Buckman. <laughs> Jesse Buckman. No, you called him something to do with butt. Insane Asylum. Oh, but so. But so, that's it. Yeah, his brother's <laughs> his brother's dead. Um, the- Literary great. <laughs> when his brother returns to haunt him, that was really mm. good. Oh, cool. Yeah. I-, I vaguely remember that. Fuck yeah. In H2O07. Mm. Udo fucking Kier is one of my comments. So <laughs> I'm really glad that he was there. Fuck that yeah. was great. That's always great. Um, that's never not a welcome Sorry he had a horrible experience. Yeah, f- um, yeah, on set. But I like Udo Kier. Do you know? You know, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I don't care what Malcolm. I don't McDowell know. It's, it's it's that kind of old man relationship where Udo Kier and Malcolm McDowell are probably yeah. really old friends, in spite of the fact that Malcolm McDowell calls him like the Kraut. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's that's just what that's just what friends do. <laughs> just friends do, and they and we all cry like friends. <laughs> but I do. I, I I really like Malcolm McDowell in it as well. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's charismatic. Sc- screen, both screen, fucking presence. Um, okay, I'm going to mention three moments of transition from A Nightmare on Freddy Street. And those are, first of all, we go from a steamy bathroom. It's when characters have fallen asleep and not realised it. We go from a steamy bathroom into snow, mm. which is a horrible like thing. of like the warmth of your bathroom out into like a snowy kind of mm. horrible situation. Things out um, A swimming pool into a dirty factory. Yeah. You know, our main character's wandering around, like, this horrible industrial landscape in, like, his swimming trunks, and he's wet. Mm-hmm. There's a great sense of vulnerability and out of place there. Yeah. And um, finally, at the point when they're falling asleep and the sort of very clean and clinical supermarket suddenly transforms into the horrible, dirty boiler room. Those are mm. good points of contrast. You can see that the the director, at the very least, was good at sort of textual images. Yeah. In AJ Teen is the one for me. Um <laughs> The too busy on that muse reference to choose one. Um <laughs> Oh, I mean killing a young boy was a bold fresh move and it was affecting without being an awful Rob Zombie movie death. It was it like setting yeah. off this kid, he had dreams of being a dancer and and then he dies. <laughs> it, it was like um let the right one in. Uh act, Alkvist? I forget the, the author's name, but anyway, it will spend you, give you two pages of character. Oh, Yearn yeah, yeah. was really looking forward to getting home and, <laughs> and seeing his kid and yeah. tugging him in, that little <laughs> scamp. Oh, no, a vampire's here, yeah. and he's thumbed his ears into his brain. Soz. <laughs> Stuffed him right in. That's a shame. He shat himself and cried <laughs> and, and said, I'm a dick, really, and then he died. It's a good book. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with a moment from... Uh, Hello 17, which is to say Halloween 2007. Oh, yeah, nice. Didn't really track that. The one. title's got numbers in um, it. <laughs> it's awful. Jamie Lloyd uh, has a moment where she's doing a stoner voice imitating some guy. He's dead. And I quote, dude, she's fucking hot. <laughs> and just her doing that really made me smile and quite happy. Oh, nice. <laughs> is this, is this yeah. Halloween, Halloween or Halloween 2? Of the Rob Zombies. Yeah, see, that just wasn't clear at all. <laughs> um, it was Halloween 2007. It was the Rob Zombie cool. one. Cool, okay. Um, what well, a little Jamie Lloyd getting problematically murdered to death. Yes. Joe Grizzly, who's like the, uh, Laurie Stride's boss, who's Peter from Dawn of the Dead, I found I out. Know. <laughs> um, it was cool. Oh, what? Yeah. What, uh, Dawn of the Dead, the original? I think so. Oh, Jesus, I thought that was Ken Foray, who's in the first one, playing the truck stop uh, guy. Who oh, no, that is it. That is it. Yeah, no, that is it. Yeah. I, I've I've got these two side by side, and I was um, I was okay. like, are these linked? Anyway, the guy. Well, he's cool, <laughs> Joe Grizzly, Peter from Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Hey, buddy, just give you a heads up. I got a taco deluxe supreme talking back at me, so I'm gonna be a while. 
be mine waiting somewhere else and let me pass this beast in peace. I liked him. I liked everything he stood for and, yeah. and how he stood. But I also liked the boss in uh, um, who who's ranting about the faceless monsters of corporate America. He was a bit of an overblown, silly character, but it was... Yeah, I remember that. But it was... That yeah, was enjoyable. I think so. Um, and just a note on Ken Foray in um, Halloween 2007. I do remember him just saying, naughty girl, naughty, naughty girl. I can't remember the intonation, but I liked it enough to write it down. So I guess we'll sample it here and appreciate how good it is. Naughty girl. Naughty, naughty girl. Nice. I'm sure it was great. I'm sure it was. In a nightmare up at up at uh, Freddy Street. <laughs> I'm sure I said that when we did Nightmare Hell <laughs> Street. No, um, it was a different time. I'm going to go for non-burdened Freddy, which is to say Jackie Earl Haley yeah. in a couple of scenes. Because before he's revealed to be a pedophile, he's like a really good, like attentive, well, obviously attentive, but <laughs> overly attentive, some might say, um, <laughs> groundskeeper who like plays with the kids. And even him being a predator, like... When he's approaching little Rooney Mara yeah. and like asking to see her drawing. What are you drawing? That is so good. You were his favorite of all. You know what? I got some other drawings. And they're like really bad drawings. Maybe you can help me fix them? Like it's creepy. Yeah. It's creepy in a way that is more effective than Freddy with his CGI voice. Yeah, that's that just removed all subtlety. Whereas Jackie L. Haley. Yeah. He seemed so. Like appeared so vulnerable on first sight. Yeah. It's oh it's a oh, horrible thing to contemplate. It is. Just Jackie O'Haley in general. Yeah. Awesome. He's incomprehensible man. <laughs> and not just Rightly so. in F V J the That's how I wrote it yeah, too. The the the, the <laughs> final varsity junction. Oh shit. They're saying, Oh no, the guy in the hockey mask was real and, and there's there's a line, man, that goalie was pissed at something. It was just <laughs> really great reductive That's, yeah. way of describing that um, yeah I also have something from um, Alien vs. Jason Ata which is Genesis. Um, the whole final fight is really great and in particular a couple of moments Freddy jumping out of the lake and just over the, the teens <laughs> yeah. was quite good like fucking free willy diving over them was quite cool uh, Jason just grabbing Freddy and shoving him along a wooden wall like he shoves him through it and then yes. just drags him across, just like with timbers flying everywhere. He carries him. Was like, great. Carry the film. Yeah. <laughs> around around the wall. <laughs> um, I think there's a moment with steel rods where Freddy like unleashes a bunch of steel oh, yeah. rods and some of them impale Jason. Hi. That's pretty I'm good. I'm steel rod. I'm steel, steel rod. rod. I'm rod steel, <laughs> and I'm here to install my penis into this into this socket. All right, mate. And your mother is mine. <laughs> your rod mother steel. is mine. Weird as Shang Tsung. <laughs> um, there's a bit where um, Freddy does a bit of a finger thing, just to sort of... And then you just see a whole yeah. bunch of Jason's fingers fall off silently. Yeah. And it's gross as fuck and really good. Um, and then finally, just the image of them just hacking and slashing at each other. It was just, yeah, something that stayed with me. So, yeah, some good moments in that final fight. In H2007, there is <laughs> a... Uh, when uh, the young James Bond has uh, killed everybody in his family. Mm. Um, then he's just back to sitting on the step outside the house waiting for his mum. And oh, there's yeah. just something so creepy. Yeah. And and upsetting about that. Like the chi- I think it's just the childlike nature of the boy. Yeah. Back to waiting for his mum. But having done all that really horrible shit inside. Yeah, just yeah. trying that to... Was... Thinking maybe that things might get back to normal or be better now. It's... Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. It's a sad and creepy image as well. Yeah. Um, speaking of sad and creepy, um, Nightmare on Elm Street remake, 
Jackie L. Haley. Um, I really like the thing that he does of like rubbing his finger knives together really quickly, like a sort of like it's it's a oh, nice yeah. little affectation to sort of make the character a bit his own and the sort of you know have some ownership over the gloves, you know, which I quite liked. Like, okay, Wolverine has snicked. <laughs> We've got to get something for Freddy. <laughs> that isn't bitch. <laughs> Damn it! He doesn't call anyone uh, bitch, does he? <laughs> Fuck. I can't remember now. I think it, that I might have know. been a concessionary a... bitch. I don't know. Probably. You're a concessionary bitch. <laughs> <laughs> this goes out to all the concessionary bitches. <laughs> Speaking of concessionary bitches, Rooney Mara. No, not Rooney Mara. Uh, <laughs> when she. Um... <laughs> you ruined it. You lose this one. I get to go again. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, again, props to the, the, the gloopy landing scene. That looked really great. Right. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. That was good. Speaking of concessionary bitches, <laughs> the opening credits for Elm Street, the Jackie L. Haley oh, yeah. joint, was were pretty good. Mm. I can't remember what they were, but I liked them at the time enough to write them down. Oh, I'm trying to remember now. I think they were quite abrupt. Doesn't he like cut his throat and then immediate like his own throat and then we cut to Nightmare on Elm Street? I think that's how it goes. Yes. Yes. That. <laughs> <laughs> in Freddy and Jason, best friends in murder. There's a bit where they're in the dream world and Jason cuts off Freddy's arm. Mm-hmm. And I've written down that the effect was good and Robert England's performance was good. Because I think what uh, he's doing is, oh no, not my arm! Not my arm! <laughs> oh yes, yes, I remember. Yeah. That was good. I, I, I gotta say, Robert England is still yeah. knocking it out of the park. Fuck yeah. He's still, I, I, even though he's saying really creepy shit that <laughs> in, the, in the noughties just won't fly. Yeah. He, um, it, He's still really amusing to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Because he fucking buys into it. He's he's playing that role. God, Freddy versus Jason Constantly. felt like one of the old slashes. It felt like one that we should have like had in one of the previous episodes, as opposed to all this yeah. awful modernist Michael Bay driven you know stuff that we did afterwards that were just completely joyless until we get to Halloween twenty eighteen. It's ugh. That the, the whole period of the kids have to be obnoxious dicks. Yeah. And- I mean, we were the getting kid, in there. Are serious. You were getting in there because you had characters like um, Kelly Rowland, who just um, calls everyone like pussies and you know bitches and such. Yeah. So. Put him a fag or something. Yeah, I think she does. It's, it's getting there, but it's nowhere near as bad as you know Rob Zombie made it. Oh yeah, definitely not. Ugh. Yeah, that's his whole dark meat line, which is just no. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Okay. Oh no, Robert, don't do that one. Oh, I like. Okay, from Halloween. Don't you think it's nine? Uh, the second one in the Rob in the Rob <laughs> yeah. Zombie Afon. Um, I like the idea of the operating room aftermath of a slasher movie. You know, just everyone getting wheeled yes. in, and it's like Jesus Christ, what happened to this one? You know, and it's just like blood pouring everywhere, and everybody's trying to keep these people alive. And yes, there's a, a there's a nice sense of with Halloween two, we're going to look at the aftermath, both immediate and long term, of a slasher movie, and it's just mm. a really good idea. It's just a shame it gets buried in unpleasantness. Yeah, a better there's director. A, there's a lot of that in there. A better writer director would yeah. have been great on that. <sighs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going to of... delete upsetting child abuse scenes from my list of good things. <laughs> 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 Which one? Who knows? They were done very, very well. <laughs> Loved it. Credit, credit where credit's due. You know, <laughs> oh, credit where credit's due. What a fantastic pedophile Jackie L. Haley is. <laughs> He's great. A little too great. Maybe someone should check in on that. <laughs> <laughs> when the young, traumatized Michael was saying to. He asked Malcolm McDowell if he likes my mask. Um, yeah. If he likes my mask, Malcolm McDowell goes, oh, wow. <laughs> like, hmm, it's very good. Yeah. Um, and, and when he, he says to his mum that it hides his ugliness, 
she you know she becomes a mum she's like don't don't talk like that yeah michael um it's 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 nice and it does it does make what's happening and what has happened (laughs) hard yeah even harder than it would be yeah Absolutely. We just every every so often we talk about this film and it makes it sound so much better than it is, you know. But it's just just in on paper, yes. Yeah. And then you watch it. Then you watch and it, and then cut to the sound of Octavia Spencer having a back broken with a knife. Yeah, or just the the dad character sort of screaming obscenities, and it's just yeah. this is what never fucked a corpse before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, look at my daughter's sweet ass. Oh God, <laughs> I don't have to watch this. Yeah, I, I also noted down stuff like characters that were nice. The principal. <laughs> I put the boyfriend. I don't know yeah. which boyfriend I mean, but like one of the boyfriends was nice and boyfriend and would stand out. Yeah. So, uh, ridiculous. Yeah. All right. Uh, Friday the uh, Friday the up the umpteenth uh, remake. A couple of deaths. Burning Amanda to death in the sleeping bag is grim and kind of inventive. Mm. That was depressing and. Also, the axe going into Troy's back. I could call him Troy. Yeah. You know, just, you know, thrown from a yeah. distance and just thump into his back. That was, that was grisly. Yeah. There's a, that's the one with the severed ear hanging from the iPhone cord off the bush. Oh, yeah, I think it is. <laughs> that was, that was, that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> that was a, that was a playful horror thing. It was. And I like the bit where Jason is underneath the floorboard, stabbing up and like getting them in the leg and such. Because, I don't know, that made it feel mm. dangerous. Yes. Like, holy shit, I don't yes. want to be in that situation. Jason was smart in this one. Yeah. It was, uh... <laughs> it's not fair, you know? You don't need that. I don't want that in my serial killers. I don't need them to be better than me. <laughs> You're better than me! I, I, I need it to stay alive. <laughs> yeah. Turn the winds against um, us. <laughs> the ambi- uh, well, con- continuing yeah. down our Friday the 13th, 2009 vein. Yeah. The ambient soundtrack at 18 minutes 30 when two of the campers die. I appreciate that. It was really good. (laughs) In Halloween 2018, (laughs) pause for appreciation. Done. I I, I like the odd couple uh, cops. They're they're sitting there having that chat about lunch. Now, a banh mi sandwich. Banh mi is essentially just the Vietnamese version of a French baguette. Mm Mm-hmm. And the term actually refers to the bread and not so much the contents therein. Mm. But your partner, the greatest partner in the world, made an arrangement with the Vietnamese folks at the restaurant Mm. and had them make you your very own peanut butter and jelly banh mi sandwich. Which is is just a PB&J baguette. (laughs) Um, It no longer is a banh mi if you just... Maybe that's the point. But um, uh, it's the the ship of... It's the ship of banh mi all over again. Trigger ship. (laughs) Shit. That was a really cool little back and forth I had. Um, yeah, I think so. It felt n- nice and wry and and right uh, and wheat and barley. <laughs> um, coming off of that nice human moment, I'm gonna go over to um, Halla Spleen 2009, Halloween two that is. Good. I just can't remember who says what, but it's uh... just a weird. Oh, I That's a good. God, he was in that film. He was in that fucking film in Shalloween 2007. <gasps> Come at me. Don't. Bigger than me. <laughs> I, I really enjoy the comedy cut to Loomis shopping for guns. I can't remember the scene before it, but it's just, yeah. there's, there's something. And then, <laughs> just looking at an enormous gun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was probably either a character screaming homophobic things as loud as they could or someone getting brutally murdered. There were a couple of bits in there where Malcolm McDowell says something like, mm, I'm going to have to think about this and then it cuts to something nuts <laughs> but um oh yeah jesus this was close this is kind of related so in nightmare on um, um on 
Elm Street. Fuck. Um, <laughs> 2000 and whenever it was. Yeah. I really like Connie Britton. I love her as an actress. You know, loved her in Spin City she used to be in and also the uh, American Horror Stories that she's oh, been wow. in. And in addition to that, at the end, she and her daughter, Rooney Mara, almost have a conversation. Mm. It's actually just there to set up, you know, the mirror gag where Connie Britton's going to get sucked for a mirror. Because remember the first one? But yeah. there's almost a moment where they actually talk about the shit they've been through and, you know, have a chance to reflect. And I appreciated that moment that nearly happened. Aww. Yeah, you've got to, you've got to listen out for the moments that almost happened. Yeah. <laughs> In versus Freddy, Jason, uh, there's, there's a bit where he... I, I can't remember who it is, but Freddy has one of the dead girls, and I think he's talking about, like, taking her home, or, like, being caught out by Rooney Mara, and he's like, oh, it's, it's not my fault, this bitch is dead on her feet, and then he has this horrible laugh, and he makes the naked dead yeah. woman's arm wave madly as he does it, yeah. and, you know, it's quite a humorous um, <laughs> bit of physicality there. Yeah, agreed. Okay, a moment from Halloween. <laughs> oh, no. Um, from Halloween, the 2018 one, the good one. Yeah. Old Man Myers was a scary idea. Just mm. when they're talking to him and he's just stood, you know, the moment that you identified where they're holding out the mask, just Michael Myers is just this old guy. It's mm. just kind of spooky and it is sad. And I like the way they got so much expression of sadness out of the mask in the film. And in the posters yes. in particular, there's this great sadness to um, the Michael Myers mask in those posters. And I love that, but it just it's a really spooky idea, the idea of um, Old Man Myers. And also, something on that, I noticed that the soundtrack distinguishes the shape from Michael Myers. There are tracks in there that are Michael Kills, Michael Kills again. And then mm. he wears, he puts his mask on, and now it's the shape stalks Allison, or the shape kills. And it's ah. a different feel to it. And okay. I love that, because... The stuff of Michael Myers killing people is more brutal than the shape. The shape is more methodical and calm. I love this idea that Michael Myers feels more in control when he has his yeah. mask on like he's he becomes this you know shape this part of mythology when he's got the mask on but without it he's just a scared and very angry old man yeah all right jenna from friday luckiest number 13th 2000 and <laughs> wine mm. played by daniel panabek it was very very sweet and i liked it very much mm. Mm. good stuff yeah. Uh, in Freddy divided by Jason squared um, yeah the, uh, there's a head that falls off the dad I think <laughs> um, he, uh, like I think one of the kids goes and like shakes the dad and the head just topples off yes and uh, yeah oh, that yeah, was good yeah, stuff yeah. yeah gotta gotta enjoy that uh, what's the story Halloween Maury um, the, <laughs> there's a the really sweet moment between the babysitter and the young boy I, I, I love um, yeah. they've got such great chemistry and it just shows that the two characters themselves are really well fleshed out will you still need me will you still feed me when I'm Halloween 2018 <laughs> um, the broken jaw of the gas station attendant was really quite upsetting yeah um, I think they stumble upon it and the guys just had like his jaw fucked up and that was um, rough that was rough and it was yeah part of the very brutal subsequent murder scene that goes on that was yeah that was on my list as well so (laughs) good stuff
Get him off. We'll stick- Get him off. Sticking with the f- the film that is commonly known as Halloween 2018, the motion sensor lights with Michael moving in the darkness around Proto Shelley. Yeah, it's just creepy because the lights go off and then he moves. It's like the the weeping angels or whatever they're called from Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> yeah, even though you know he's in this massive garden and and this kid probably could have just run away. It's it sets it up. The lights go on and off. Michael Myers appears and you think, oh no, oh shit, this is what's going to happen. Yeah, and that is what happens. It's pretty good. It sets it up and it does it. Yeah, absolutely. Tex is great. Tex from Glow. He's play, um, oh, Toby yeah. Huss playing the dad of Laurie Strode. I really like yes. him in this. Yeah. Um, especially <laughs> the, me and his dad used to trip balls. Just such a yeah. funny conversation to be having, it's, but it felt quite natural at the same time. A great dad in as much as you just never get the impression he fully gets a grasp on what's going on throughout the entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> He's too busy having a snooze after a Sunday roast. Oh, I love that. Hey, Halloween 2009. Um, don't be so sad. Uh, Transylvania Terror Train is a really fun Halloween song. On this terror train, this terror train, this Transylvania Terror Train. Yeah, it's a fun, spooky, Halloween-y song that I quite like and belongs on any playlist. Any of them. Any playlist. Date night. (laughs) Oh boy, I'm getting laid tonight. (laughs) H2007, the... (laughs) fucking film i'm done i'm tired i haven't got any more did we have this many quick fires last time i don't think so um halloween 20 20 or 7 20 dickety 7 (laughs) there's a couple in there i think that maybe they've just had had sex and Mm. uh she goes get me another beer and he goes you get it i did all the heavy lifting (laughs) and she glares at him until he laughs and goes yeah yeah, i'll get it no (laughs) that was yeah that was fun i like that today is gonna be the day that they throw it all back to halloween 2018 and (laughs) How many more songs do I know the lyrics to? How, how does he come up with this? He's got to yeah, run out of songs soon. God Christ, yes he is. Uh, the old-fashioned orange credits coming up. Um, the sort nice. of big, thick orange text. That's yeah, that's good stuff, and that immediately puts you in the right frame of mind. That was that's good stuff. Beautiful. It's 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 perhaps appropriate that in trying to think of a of a musical, of a of a of a song title that would fit Freddy versus Jason that I came up with Shinobi versus <laughs> Dragon Ninja because of course the lead singer of the Lost Prophets is a paedophile. Uh, mm. Much like Jackie O'Haley, <laughs> it's not. It's a it's, joke. It's not even. Everyone, it's 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 a joke. But Ian Watkins from the Lost Prophets is definitely a paedophile. <laughs> um, I, uh, I've got. I've written down. Marry, fuck, or kill. Your choices. Your choices are the three stages. I have no idea what that was. If that if that was a line from the movie, then that's quite cool. Playing marry, fuck, or kill with the three I stages. Th- that does sound right. Yeah. Which which movie? Um, Freddy vs. Jason, Dragon Ninja. Fuck. Okay, I look forward to watching the whole movie to find out. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. He says dark we'll meat. Ooh, that's, that's risky. Oh, great. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. <laughs> follow, 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 follow. Friday the 13th, 2009. <laughs> Troy, <laughs> Troy going after our OGT bed. pod really changed. <laughs> it really changed when they just had no sleep forever. Um, Troy going after Arbed, um, you know, uh, the friend who goes after the other friend. A really nice moment of actual human connection between the two of them that I, yeah, yeah I like. I like that. Awesome. Glad of that. Uh, Halloween 2018. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the, the granddaughter of Laurie Strode looking out the window and, and seeing Laurie uh, for like a callback to the original, which was um, ah. very cool. Like her looking out and seeing Michael. Yeah, that was a neat little callback. Yeah, absolutely. It's coming up. 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 Nightmare on Elm Street 2010. Um, cellmate. Yeah. Okay. Right. The um, the cell. The guy dies. The sort of you know, uh, prison guy. 
and immediately on dying the the cellmate starts screaming i didn't do it yeah that was that was amusing because obviously everyone's gonna think he did it and i just like yeah him immediately being worried about that savvy prisoner in halloween 2018s can only get better jamie lee curtis jesus i had jlc written here and i just could not could not pass that jvc um (laughs) <laughs> JLCD she plays a crazy old lady very very well um, yeah. da- down to the hair which is just sort of it's kind of semi-tended to but it's just frazzled <laughs> and the glasses are not quite on properly and that dinner scene is a believably uncomfortable family situation yeah. um, it is truly horrifying and she played that within a year of Knives Out pretty great gosh <laughs> range gosh crazy Halloween 2007 <laughs> Um, uh, Malcolm McDowell's 70s look was really good yeah he had a really good 70s style about him yeah I'd say so you nutter alright I'm down to my last one so please empty empty your load alright cool Um, get your nuts loose so um, in Frodo you've got to take the ring to Mordor 2009 the two campers having sex, and she think, uh, and then the girl thinks the noise is Wade wanking outside the tent. Um, as the dude calls out to him, the look on her face just shows how far Wade is plummeting in her estimations. While he tries to like remonstrate with his friend, it's really funny. Oh, right. um, there is the the interaction between Clay, which is Whitney's brother, and the cop is buttoned mm. down and realistic, and not horror movie overblown. Like ah, fancy city kids coming into my town with your big <laughs> balls and your big dreams. I'll show you. Know, it's not ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Halloween mob justice thing. It, it it felt nice. Like the cop just understands and is just trying to get look out for everybody. Yeah. I appreciated that. Um, <laughs> two more. Uh, from Halloween two thousand and seven. See, cleric. I feel. I breathe. Would you pay that price? The Wolfman <laughs> chat between Tommy and Laurie was realistic and sweet. Um and okay. then um the moment when Michael Myers holds out his hands to be cuffed by Danny Trejo is unbearable. It's unbearably tense. Yeah, and that's me. That's Absolutely. me done. That's you done for this year. Good stuff. For my last one, I want to take you on a journey back to the beginning of this whole endeavor. I'm going to do it again. <laughs> January, but um, it was February actually. We did the first oh, one. It's January. And it was before the coronavirus. It was before you had that. Well, it wasn't before, but it was before we were all paying attention to the coronavirus. Before we yeah, cared. Before it, was, before it was more than just like, yeah, a, a problem far away. Um, yeah, I was at the family house and I'd borrowed my sister's Freddy vs. Jason DVD. <laughs> and w- I'd put it on. And it was a DVD from the year it came out. It's an old DVD. Before the film starts, a lovely trailer for Underworld comes on. as an <laughs> upcoming movie. And... The nostalgia of that, as well as just setting me up and putting me into the mindset of, oh yeah, this year it's just Naughty's films. It just, <laughs> it couldn't have been any more perfect. And now looking back at that moment, that singular moment, I feel a tremendous amount of both nostalgia, but also Jesus Christ, I would not go back there for all the money in the fucking world to have to experience <laughs> this year again. Yeah, better where it is. Yeah, better better about that. This is the, probably the first year in a in a very long time that I'm actually happy it's passed. <laughs> right. Can't all be winners. Well, we've managed to quick fire. Fuck me. Jesus. All that's left now is to jump into the future one last time to record our closing thoughts and the OG team thoughts. So and try and just tie all this to 
tie all this together to give meaning to this fucking palaver. Big meaty sack. So we'll see you there, girls and boys. We jump. We're back. Oh, what a fabulous trip through this wonderful, wonderful year. Don't look at me anymore. (laughs) I've grown a beard, but not where you'd expect. And uh, I've become an older, more fragile man. Yeah, I was all of those things in January. So, (laughs) I mean, now I've essentially negated myself. There was a a week there where I was the opposite. I was the best man I've ever been. But then that, I don't know, it just kind of... That science tube. I, I woke up here. Yeah. <laughs> well, look. Let's let's see if we can get back to the the self help that we all dearly need and sum up and rank these fucking things. But first, let's just uh, finish this off in terms of discussion. And I've got to say, I think that this is my least favorite year of doing this uh, <laughs> this Halloween uh, special for me. Yeah. It, honestly, Paul, I've really liked one film from each year. And there's been a better hit rate than that, I'm sure. Maybe not Halloween, but Nightmare and and Friday. I'm sure we've had at least two. Oh, I mean, I'm I'm happy to be proven wrong because I, a, I know my my memory sucks, and b, I'm not doing any more sampling. I want to be happy. No, please don't, because then I could be right. But 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 like truly, genuinely liked one. Like, hey, you should definitely watch this. Or oh yeah, in the context of yeah, a terrible, tedious remake marathon that we're doing. This is fine. <laughs> I think if someone came to me and said, I want to get into the slasher movie franchises, what should I do? I would happily say, all right, watch the first Halloween, mm-hmm. the first three Nightmare on Elm Street films and New Nightmare. And then Friday the 13th, watch one, four and six. Yeah, okay. I, I could honestly say that to someone and really sincerely be behind those picks as entertaining films. Or at the very least, representative of the genre of which they are a part. Yeah, okay. This year, I've got one. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, this is the dirtiest of the years. Yeah, and in terms of reason, I'd say the slasher movie lost a lot of its charm in the noughties. And it's all yeah. Michael Bay and Robert Zombie's fault. They <laughs> dropped the charm in favour of brutalism, but it's a stylized, lame kind of brutalism that has aged poorly even only ten years later. Yes. They're not silly in a fun way or grim in a frightening way and they're serious paul they're very serious they're very straight-faced and not entertaining and more than anything else it's made me appreciate the films we have covered in our previous spooky thing episodes because i just want alice cooper songs or crispin glover yeah. dancing his absolute ass off or yeah. freddy doing lame jokes and then calling people bitch i just i want freddy want... playing a video game or skateboarding yeah come on just something that's bad at least in a way that provokes a reaction rather than just oh there's another spine broken in half that yeah. we couldn't see with no practical effect just sound effects and people crying yeah I did get a uh... close-up of another lady's face <laughs> as she dies yeah, I think I either want it to be a good film, like the first film mm. in each of the franchises we've covered, mm. or a f- film that's fun. Fun or good mm. is is yeah. a good thing to go for. Bad and not fun is just the order of the day when it came to making slasher movies after the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003, and yeah. that was where we spent most of our time this year. So am I am I right then, correct then in assuming that Texas Chains Texas Texas Chainsaws the Texas Chainsaw <laughs> Massacre was the first in this sort of gritty and serious and bad uh, yeah. remakes. And then everybody else 
took Halloween, Friday the 13th, and Nightmare on Elm Street and went, this is basically the same film as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. We, we, we can apply the exact same template to this. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head. They made a gritty remake of a movie that was already more slimy and unpleasant than its counter its co cohorts let's say yeah um and decided to make them all texas chainsaw because it made money so yeah they just put the same approach to everything uh, yeah so where, where's your brain where's your <laughs> fucking head just use it they're different it films they have saved us so films. much aggro oh god when i think of the potential of something like well anyway we'll we'll talk more about the potential of that in the next sentence i say which will be in relation to ordering these fucking things so yeah right here roughly is them in the order with which we liked or didn't like them so yeah um shall i go and you add him okay at number six bottom of the pile a nightmare on elm street 2010 it's real just it yeah just 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 took everything that made the originals great or good or watchable and 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 removed them in favor of making everybody think seriously about pedophilia Uh, it was just like word association like oh he's a child killer maybe he's actually a child molester when why not you know what are you gonna do with that What's, yeah. what's going to come as a result of it? Well, you know, it's just a thing that we could do yeah. because they couldn't do it in the 70s, but now we can. Great. Eh. Me, Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah, sometimes just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Yeah, and there's so you much know. potential. Aside from that, there's so much potential in, like, a serious approach to the world-bending, you know, dream dreamscape. Yeah. Anything can become anything else that just felt so much better realized in the early Nightmare films than this. Yeah. Number five, A Nightmare on Elm Street, 2010. That's the one I just said. Number yep. five, <laughs> Friday the 13th, 2009. That was a test, and you passed. <laughs> Listeners at home. Movies literally interchangeable. Tits are stupendous. Yeah, it, it, again, just could copy and paste. Yeah. In fact, maybe as a joke, we'll just copy and paste exactly what we said. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then we'll just put, in, instead of paedophile, serial killer. And then we'll copy copy and paste. It'd be great. Inbred redneck. <laughs> it's the same sort of deal a bit of a, a bit more of a sense of fun than usual but absolutely lacking in the things that made the friday movies fun such as good gore scenes or um yeah. characters you could really get behind you know with some exceptions not a michael bay producer yeah Ugh, obnoxious speaking of which number four halloween 2007 rob zombie's first one <laughs> yes halloween it deserves the pause after that. yeah i hiccuped um <laughs> halloween <laughs> 2007 Resurrection, again, yeah. fuck that movie. Maybe I'll choke the chicken, purge my snorkel all over them flappy-ass tits. It was so unpleasant. Uh. And, and and props, I think, as as I mentioned, of the two movies in general, mm. props for trying something new, but ultimately it didn't work and it misunderstood the source material. Yeah, and it was just so unpleasant. <laughs> it's just so every character's it sure a dirtbag. Ugh. Slimy. Slimy greaseball. Slightly less slimy, with a couple of exceptions. It's Halloween 2, 2009, and that's our number three. Yeah. yeah. Brad Duris, extra <laughs> niceness in that. Yeah. Scores its points. Yep, and it did some interesting things. It explored the aftermath of um, slasher movies and took it in some weird yeah. new directions, visually and thematically, which is great. But ultimately, it's all just a very hollow excuse to have a few more crunchy sound effects and people shouting words you're not meant to say anymore oh god yeah all right number three oh we just had that again i'm just not on it number two our <laughs> second favorite film of the year and one that i actually could imagine myself seeing again at some point is freddy versus jason 2003 not my yeah right i disagree with the last bit <laughs> that you said there but 
Yeah, it's definitely second best. Yeah. It at least retains some of the fun of the original. Robert England went a um, long way. Having him about, even when he's saying hateful dialogue, yeah. just having him about is just lovely. Knowing that Robert England said it makes it better. It does temper it somewhat. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 nice. I'm glad that he's here. He's like, Granddad, you can't say that. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Slags all of them. Oh, God, I love him and his knife hands. <laughs> all right, well, number one. Our favourite film of the year, the only, and, and f- it seems so disingenuous to call this our favourite film of the year because it's not just the best film of the year of things we watched, it's one of the best movies we've probably seen as a result of doing this. It's Halloween 2018. We're, we're making a podcast. Yeah, not only a return to, to mm. form, but just, yeah, modernised in a really effective way, and John Carpenter... Mm really really excelled with the soundtrack oh absolutely and characters that you actually like i was just sampling all the characters yeah. and i got little clips of like um justin mcelroy and uh, uh bill yeah. skarsgård and i was just like fuck these kids are nicer than i remember their interactions are so sweet and wholesome and it's so sad yeah. that they get killed by this maniac this frightening maniac yeah. you know and it's that's what you want that's the way around it should be you shouldn't be waiting for the killer to show up and kill these douchebags uh. yeah exactly you're hoping that Hoping he doesn't, but he does, and it's horrible. It is horrible. Ugh. Yeah, and they did really uh, just quickly. They also did well in sort of scrubbing clean loads of the Michael Myers nonsense mythology. Yeah, they did. They brought it right back down to <laughs> scary guy gets fixated on you, kills everyone you know. Yeah, scary. Yeah. Ah, oh, but look. Ugh. Enough about deranged murderer psychopaths who are past their sell by days. What about the OG team? <laughs> I was hoping that's how you're going to finish <laughs> that sentence, Paul. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we we put out the call on Twitter and Facebook, and we had some people respond. Uh-oh. So Blokebusters podcast said the most recent Halloween, uh, not to be confused with Halloween. I'm talking about the film Halloween, the direct sequel to Halloween. It's <laughs> genuinely a good film in its own right. Yes. The others from this decade, not so much. No. To be yeah, and that's uh, that's true because the only other film from this decade uh, that we covered in a previous year was Jason X, and I think that's the only other slasher movie made this decade of the big three and that was also terrible so yeah the 21st yeah halloween could be the first legitimately good one of these movies made this century not slasher movies in general but of the three big franchises yeah, yeah. agreed <laughs> uh bt calloway Ooh. said jackie l Haley is excellent as fred krueger and intimidating despite being given absolutely nothing good or scary to work with yeah I will say, in yeah, in in the context of his performance, he's he's good and he's creepy, and yeah, I especially liked him when he's just playing Fred Krueger, yeah, um, yeah, pre burn down. But uh, yeah, the film just the film around him just has nothing. It has nothing. But yeah, going back and sampling him, he does have a very menacing presence, which is yeah, a good thing. Okay, um, video negative. Ooh, hello. Said uh, <laughs> Freddy versus Jason. The mattress backbreaker death is up there with the Friday franchise's best kills for sure. It's a lot of fun. It is good. Do you remember it when he like grabs yeah. Ida under the mattress and like pushes him together yeah. so his ankles are by his ears? It's um yeah, it's it's good fun. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for writing in, Ollie. Mm. Um, Cinema Gulp said, "I rather enjoyed Friday the Thirteenth, two thousand and nine, for some reason. Mm. It was camp and fun, and did something different." Plus, it was full of slasher tropes that we probably will never see in this Me Too world. Boo. Mm. Yeah. I have to strongly disagree that with the sentiment there. I mean, aside from the idea that it's a valid argument against a movement uh, intended yeah. to give women a means of challenging sexual harassment, is that it's trickier to make a Friday the 13th movie now, which it's not. 
The last 20 yeah. years of HBO television has clearly demonstrated that portraying TNA with brutal violence has not gone anywhere. But yeah. just watching the behind-the-scenes stuff of all these movies over the past you know, four years that we've been doing this um, has demonstrated that some really sinister stuff went down over the last 40 years whilst making these movies. And yeah. I personally can enjoy nudity and horror, which again is still fairly common and arguably you can actually get away with more these days. Um, see Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor, which will be coming out soon. Um, I can enjoy all that much more knowing it's less likely that the people involved have been exploited in some way. Yeah, I, d- I don't think it's ever going to have an effect on the films, themse- films themselves, just the things yeah. that happen behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, you know, I know actors who are quite happy to go nude on film. It's not like the very act of portraying a lady naked and running through the woods isn't in and of itself exploitative it's just it's all about context and yeah. you hope that you know during the shoot michael winner wasn't there to deny them a blanket and insist that they continue to work in the freezing cold you know <laughs> yeah wow yeah <laughs> did that with uh, one of the death wishes oh good oh well you can really tell it made such a difference <laughs> um authenticity yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty happy with the Me Too, Me Too world where uh, yeah. <laughs> women feel they can speak out against abuse and discrimination. Yeah. So, Look, um, I love the, we all love the OG team, but yeah. I'll have to take strong issue there, I'm afraid. And also, I'm not sure Friday the 13th 2009 did something different. I mean, I think the strongest yeah. part of it is the stuff that was the same as the original movies. Yeah. Or maybe he means he did something different to the, the rest oh, of the remakes. Yeah, the Rob Zombies. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, it was different from that, for the most part. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, just there's just so much good smut and gore out there from the last oh, 10, the best. 15 years. So yeah, oh. get all up. Okay, in it. get it up in you. Thanks for getting in touch, man. Um, yeah, 20th Century Geek Pod said, "I think the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Crazies, and Evil Dead are some of the best horror remakes. Halloween is a really solid con- continuation of the first movie." <laughs> Thanks for teasing what this could have been. <laughs> yeah, wording the tweet in such a way to cover the films we actually covered was really horrible. I couldn't have just put, <laughs> what's your favourite things about, and then listed the films. That would have been awkward. But what were the films listed there? Which the... is what I did. <laughs> That's a good idea. Um, Evil Dead remake. Very, it's a good film. I like it. Yeah, The Crazies. That was good. I really have a soft spot for George Romero's original film as being a more down-to-earth pandemic film. But um, yeah, I remember liking the remake. Well enough. Tim- Ooh, and the Timothy- Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Timothy Oliphant in that one. Ooh. And Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, the Texas one Chainsaw. We'll see you next year. Great. Well, I can't <laughs> wait for that. Uh, and finally, Martin Gardner says, Freddy vs. Jason was fun, and that's one good thing about it. Thanks for remembering <laughs> our um, USP. And <laughs> yep. <laughs> including that in your tweet. I really appreciate that. It really helps with the SEO of your uh, things, which is why we put it last. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, no, I, I agree. I went back to sample... Um, today and i forgot how good the actual bit where jason and freddy are just hacking at each other with their weapons <laughs> and you just see them like slice into each other and blood and viscera goes spraying into the yeah, night yeah. it's pretty glorious yeah, i loved it i loved it it's 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 not a great film and it's not going to rank amongst my favorite of either the freddy or jason's but it's pretty good fun it's fun at least certainly comparatively <sighs> thanks og team thanks og team right i think we might be done do you know okay. what, Paul? I think we finally are. Yeah. Done. Now, I am a little nervous about next year. Because, as mentioned a couple of times, we are venturing into the eight Texas Chainsaw Massacre films. Now, uh... the first is a classic of the genre. 
The rest are of a bizarre grab bag of slimy ideas, three of which I've only seen once, three of which I've not seen at all, and one of which was one of the worst horror films I saw apart from Zombie Women of Satan. Oh, Christ. (laughs) You're really testing our friendship, pushing the envelope. Look, the first movie has 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, okay? Okay. Other seven all below 40, so join us for that. (laughs) Please do. Justify this. Oh, God. Paul, how can people find out about the times that we're happier doing this podcast? When hey, we look in the past. About. Firmly in the past, Paul. <laughs> um, all of which is documented on Twitter and Facebook at OGT Pod. And if you want to send me an email at gmail at OGTPod at gmail.com, you can ask some real personal questions about what I hate most about Paul. <laughs> and uh, I-, I will gladly tell you at this stage. That will be a similar length response to this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Letter to the editor that's unpublished. <laughs> We also have a Patreon where we pretend to be happy for cash. Um, Thank you so much to all of our patrons. We've just released a commentary for the World of Warcraft cinematics. uh, where We've recently uh, released a Let's Play for Totally Accurate Battle Simulator. We've got another one of those coming out soon. And we've got another Paul's Pitch Spooky Spectacular Special. Fuck yeah. Special, 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 special coming out. (laughs) So yeah, there's a lot of stuff coming out. We're releasing every week the hardest working boys in the Patreon game. We work hard. God, we fucking do. Look, we've just released a four and a half hour episode, Paul. We work hard. <laughs> Go away, everyone who disagrees. <laughs> um, but then come back and listen to us on Spotify. Do it. Which you can do now. And all the other good podcasters. So thanks, guys. And see you soon. See you soon, guys. And remember, oh, I'm Paul Salt. I'm Paul Goodman. And remember, the one good thing about belatedly remaking or sequelizing 70s and 80s horror movies is that we may just have finally, as a people, gotten the hang of it. <laughs>